there is so many people trying to do it and you don't have to rely on, okay, I have to impress this one guy. That takes some of the pressure off, but then the pressure is now in a different spot where okay, I don't have to impress this one guy. I gotta try to impress everyone. Because oh, anyone could be that guy. A state of emergency doesn't mean panic time. I'm thinking with a two-week incubation period, if we're seeing the numbers we're seeing now, you know those things are drastically higher. Yeah. In reality. Everyone just calm the fuck down. Mm-hmm. Just calm the fuck down. Welcome to the salt of the streets. Coming at you every week with this food for thought. Hope you're ready to eat. With everything going on in this nation, we need some information. And that's why salt needs to be stationed in your rotation. With real talk and real topics, real people, real problems. Think we need some help to solve them and leave it up to Colin and the Donovan. Right, Cause that's what, what's that? Up, oh, let's get ready. And just like a red, white, and blue phoenix rising from the ashes of political bipartisanship, we are back. The Salt of the Streets podcast. This is Saturday, March 7th, 1.15 p.m. Uh, it's actually my sister's birthday. So, oh, yeah, that's um, right. Raven, happy if birthday, you're Raven. listening happy to this, um, happy birthday. Because <laughs> like, happy birthday is just... I was solid. trying to decide how much I wanted to say. I don't really talk to my sister, so I was trying to decide exactly what I wanted to say. I think well, happy birthday is about all. So. <laughs> Fake it till you make it. And <laughs> welcome back, everybody, to the Salt the Streets podcast, your one only source for social and political commentary. Commentary on all the weekly news, pop culture, and sports that you can handle. And the best part about the whole deal, it's all built from the ground up for people like you and me, the everyday normal person. So come down and join us as we discuss life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and continue our endless endeavor to bridge the gap between people and information. As always, we are your hosts. I'm Colin. I am Donovan, and we are joined this week by Denville 2 a.m. Thank you for joining us, sir. Thank, Thank you, for, you for joining us. Thank we you. are happy to have you here. It has been a long fucking time since you were in a studio. I'm pretty sure it was episode 16 or some such shit that you guys were on. God, that seems so... And that we were still in the shop back then. Yes. That is so long ago. Long time. Is that like two years? Close. I'm about to make find 16. out what I'm going to do. Yeah, because yeah, we've only been doing this for... This is like... March is our two-year, like, dated anniversary, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So, man, a year and a half ago, probably. Let's see. Time fucking flies when you're having a grand old Our time. very first episode was February 17th, 2018. So, we've already hit our oh. technical two-year recording. Um, it's wild to think about. Yeah. Well... And we it was were, and it was episode sixteen that you guys 16. were on. Yeah, that was fucking. That's when we had everybody in June. All the yeah, left. June of twenty eighteen. That oh, was the last time. Geez, man. Jesus we all Christ. sat at the pool table, super awkwardly, all way too far spread out. <laughs> yeah, oh, that was so hard. It worked well, I think. You I know, think so. for what we for what we had going on there, that was this was very much in its infancy. You know, oh, and yeah. The studio looks much different now than it did then. Very different. <laughs> I like, I like the vibes of it though. Yeah, I like this because it's a little bit more intimate, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's a little bit, it feels a little bit more one-on-one. The other one was just, it was vast. It was too, you know, the vaulted ceilings and in the garage, you know, huge, huge, it was huge. Yeah. (laughs) So we just wrapped up an epic pre-show. So if you haven't listened to that, pause this thing and hit rewind on your podcast app. If you don't like guns, just up. buckle up. But we're happy. <laughs> That's true. But we're happy that you're here. And but we meant to talk about something in the pre-show that we didn't quite get to, so we're going to tackle it yes. right now. And okay. it's all due to SpongeBob. 
Fucking SpongeBob, right? <laughs> um, okay, so Marquise, um, our friend Marquise, as we talked about, Marquise is on just the cutting edge of internet trollery, and I mean he's he's really good. He's just good, he's really good. Yeah. Anytime I've ever described him, I've said just that he's just really good at the internet. Like he's just <laughs> really, really good at finding memes and using them and just and trolling people and fucking with them and posting shit, irritating people, and then just be like. I'm just trying to have fun. It's, it's just I some of the best stuff I've ever seen. And so um, this meme that I showed Denzel and that I sent it to Colin the other day, it's a SpongeBob meme. And it's actually from the episode, if you watch SpongeBob, where they're taking care of this little clam, little baby clam. And it's just shitting just to no end. And, I'm, <laughs> and so SpongeBob is like hiding all these diapers, you know, and they're like, there are the couches made of diapers, and they're in the fridge, and they're all in the walls. That was he was that he was hiding them, or he's just finding places to put them. Is that what it was? Because Patrick is at work, right? Yeah. Jordan would know. I don't remember enough about that. Part- I just rem- obviously I remember this him fucking exposing all these diapers, yeah. and you're like, oh fuck. So, <laughs> so all the different exposing the diapers has to do with you know the first one is like is is there the first the first frame in the meme is name why. One time socialism has helped America. So then it's all these different programs, you know, Medicare for the elderly, Social Security, benefits for the elderly, disabled survivor families, um, state and national parks, public museums, public parks, state zoos, EPA, FDA, IRS, FEMA, FBI, CIA, FCC, public schools, federal student loan programs, vaccine programs, farm subsidies, business subsidies, garbage collection, fire departments, the military, EBT and WIC programs, USBS, sewer system, veteran healthcare, Department of Transportation and Energy. Um, and so. because of those, the insinuation is we already are kind of a socialistic <laughs> right, country. Right. Why are we so opposed to socialism? Right, right. All of these things are, um, according to this, examples of socialism and socialistic tendencies – so what is there really to fear, right? And so, um, but fear itself. <laughs> so the problem that I found with this mostly, Marquise, um, <laughs> is, is that um, I would only identify some of these things as even near socialistic policies, right? Yeah. You you could, in the loosest of senses, as this meme does find a way to try and attribute all these things to some type of socialistic policy. But I think that when you dig even even one layer deep, you find that that's not necessarily the case, right? And so when I first started looking at that, I had to go and actually look up the definition of socialism to make sure that I'm looking at it in the exact right way, you know what I'm saying? So the definition of socialism, just for us to operate this off of, it's a political and economic theory of social organization which advocates that the means of production, distribution, and exchange should be owned or regulated by the community as a whole, right? So, and in this particular context, that would be your state and federal governments? Correct. Would be the state and federal governments. I mean, in this one, I would say that it's really the federal, federal. government, um, that it, they, they own all of these different entities, you know, and mm. are providing services to you to that, or it's all trickling down. And yeah. that's, like I said that's the problem that I first had with it is that all these, all these things are not owned by the government. It's not like they are, they are, what do they call that? Like nationalized institutions. You know, they're not all owned by the government. They are sectors of the government that is there, which 
which is where I start to have an issue with myself, you know, that I'm like, well, if someone said that to me, that it's not owned by the government, it's a sector of the government, I would be like, oh, oh fucking cool. Yeah, no, I don't, you know, the bank doesn't own my house, I own my house. Like, that, you know, so I, I, I think that I got to give a lot of respect to whoever made this because I think that it's really like an artfully crafted meme. You oh, know, yeah. That it's good. It can be thrown out the way that it is and like eat this bitch and it's, it's kinda, you know um so some of these things that i that i think you could attribute to socialist policies social security you know something that everyone gets at a certain point mm-hmm. medicare you know what i'm saying socialized medicine is essentially what that is something you can apply for um similar it's similar right so and that's yeah. we go into some of the nuances and all these and that's but. exactly why i was talking about the different layers right because yeah. even when you get to those things that i and most people would attribute to socialistic policies, social security, welfare, Medicare, things like that. I even wouldn't totally attribute it that way because not just anyone can get Medicare and not just anyone can get food stamps and not just anyone can get social security. If you're between the ages of 18 and 65 and you're healthy and have a decent job, you don't get those things. They're not provided to you just as a socialistic policy or are they – a nationalized entity or industry would be, mm-hmm. right? They're not just given to everybody. They're there so that if you need them, you can rely on them. But being that I'm 25 years old and I have a job that I can provide for my family, I don't get food stamps. I don't get Medicare. I don't have those things. I pay for my own insurance. I pay for my son's insurance, you know? Mm-hmm. So even then, I wouldn't I wouldn't attribute these to socialist policies. You no. Know? <clears throat> you take Medicare Medicaid, right? Yeah. That would only be a socialistic policy, realistically. If yes, it is a tax funder funded, taxpayer funded program, but the government doesn't own the clinics. They don't hire the doctors. They don't get the the pharmaceuticals from the government owned pharmacy. Right. You know, they don't. None of these things. They're all privately owned and privately ran, and the government pays subsidies to these private entities. To be able to provide you service so that they don't have to pay. The government will pay their way so that you as a private practice doctor or whatever it is can take care of them and, and still be able to, to get yours at the end of it. Right. But, you know, our, our public school teachers might be similar in mm-hmm. a way. The public schools might be very similar in, in, a, in a particular way because they're funded not only – Via the taxpayer, but they're also, they have subsidy blocks that they get from the state and the federal governments. Right. That's why we have to take standardized tests and stuff like that. Because if you don't, you don't get your funding and so on and so forth. But even though every, not even every teacher, they're, they're part of teachers unions. Generally, you can't be a teacher unless you join a teachers union. So you're still privately employed and you have a weird relationship between the state and your union, but you get a paycheck from the school. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's a weird, strange situation. But at the end of the day, the government doesn't own the means of production and distri- and distribution to almost any of these things. No. You know, they run them. Right. They don't own them. Even, especially when you're talking about things like the EPA and, st- and things like mm-hmm. that, those, those things are, the EPA is a, body that regulates privately owned companies you know i mean the the environmental protection agency the epa Mm -hmm. sets out guidelines that you have to follow as far as emissions and and shit like that there Mm -hmm. nothing in that is is employing those industries it's regulating the way that they have to to conduct themselves in a way that's 
positive for the overall community, you know, but yeah. um, they, they make the rules and they enforce the rules. Right. That's kind of what they do. You they, any takes on this, takes, Denzel? I didn't, uh, when, when I was reading the meme, I didn't know a lot of those things were, would be considered socialist things at all. Right. So right. That's, and, yeah. and that's why, that's why he was trying, there's like so much nuance to that, that at a certain level, you know, things like social security, you, you could, they come from or are rooted in a socialistic policy, you know, because mm-hmm. at the core, they're meant for everybody to be able to have at some point in time. But as America does has put its capitalistic twist on it, that's like, but you got to wait, you know, yeah. until you're 65 and then you can have it. You don't have to buy insurance anymore. We'll give you that. But you still have to purchase supplemental, you know, Medicare oh. or whatever the fuck and this and this and this. And it's not, you know, yeah. the, <laughs> this is, this is, I think, like I said, artfully crafted and an oversimplification of all of these different departments in a way mm-hmm. to kind of fit them into the socialistic, uh, or into the socialist tab, you yeah. know? Um, and even on the, the broader scale, like at the bottom, it says garbage collections, fire departments, military, EBT, you know, all that stuff. It's, that's kind of that typical argument, like the roads, the, the infrastructure, that's all socialistically funded. You know, some of it is is real close to it. Right. But, I mean, around here, you always have a a weird private uh, public relationship. Right. Say we have KPUD, Kitsap County PUD, you know, that is mostly funded by the government to keep things running. But they are still a privately owned entity in a fashion. They're still technically part of the, the, the state government. At some capacity, but, you know, we still run them as if they are a private company. PSE, the electric company, Sound Transit, we talked about that when we did the car tab thing. Like, those things are all more or less, those are probably the closest things you can get to, like, a socialistic kind of correlation. Right. But so. that's still the same argument that, the argument that, you know, the the roads and the police, all that is a socialistic policy is the same argument that, Excuse me. An anarchist would use that any government is a is a socialism, you know that, or a socialistic has socialistic tendencies in the way that any service that the government provides, you know, you could mm-hmm. say leans socialistic because it's being provided to anybody. But that's that's yeah. just a service of the government. Like I don't think that that makes it an element of socialism because it's something that's provided to everyone, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's the same thing, like I said, that opens the door for people who are anarchists, you know, to say, mm-hmm. no, it's just fucking. Yeah. Really, you just, when you see things like this, you got to step back and remember that we have a, as a, as a society, as citizens have formed a relationship with our government to kind of have these contractual agreements that like, Hey, you guys are here to protect life, limb, you know, pursuit of happiness, all that good stuff. And to do that, you're providing us basic services like electricity, water, sewer disposal, garbage disposal, you know, roads to drive on to make sure that the country's economy can run right. at a good base level. Versus if you if you went the ANCAP way, the anarcho-capitalist way, everything would be private industry, 100% government would, wouldn't be involved anywhere. And there's a lot of arguments that there's some pluses and some minuses and all that good stuff. But have you ever heard? Sorry, not to interrupt you. Have you ever heard that term before? Anarcho-capitalist. I've heard it. It's so yeah. It's for anybody who's listening who hasn't. It's it's describe somebody who 
like you were saying, believes that everything should just be left up to a free market. Yeah. You know, there shouldn't be any regulation as far as the government is involved. It's just mm-hmm. own a company, sell what you want, you decide what you're selling it for. And mm-hmm. the argument behind that is generally that, well, in a true free market, it will regulate itself because, <clears throat> you know, you can't just charge whatever you want and expect people to buy it, you know, and so people's wants and needs will control how high you can make your prices. And, and that's all well and good, but we've seen in the capitalistic system that we have now that you can't count on people to just do what's right. You know, that's yeah. Martin Screlly or whatever the fuck that guy's name was who made EpiPens nine thousand yeah. dollars. You know, like that's a piece of and, shit. And I in in that article in that article in sixteen nineteen they were talking yeah. about it and the first they sentence. used him as an example. And when he took over that company, he said people don't like to admit it and they're not proud of it, but this is a ca- like we this is capitalism, mm-hmm. and so we're gonna make a profit. And so he just fucking skyrockets as far as all these drugs. So, and then he like, goes so to jail for right fucking you right know, uh, securities fraud. Yeah, so it's you all, can't do that. Right, that is that is not okay in our capitalistic society. Still can't do that. It's like price gouging, you know. Yeah. When then uh, people are seeing a lot of that now. People buying huge packs of Purell and then reselling it online for like four hundred dollars for like three bottles of hand sanitizer. Mm-hmm. It's super fucking illegal. It's really, really illegal. It's called price gouging. And it's a huge problem, especially when there are big storms that like smaller stores will raise the prices of their generators like three or four times, you know, really fucking illegal. You're not allowed to do that. You can't take advantage of people who are in a compromised position because you want to make a quick buck. Not fucking okay. And that's, yeah, that's the same thing. Because the, the true free market ideology would dictate that that's fine. Anybody right. could do that because then that'll breed competition. Someone will try to come in lower than you or something like that. But at the end of the day, we've seen it time and time again. That doesn't necessarily work. You just fuck people over and people get hurt really, really bad. And somebody <clears throat> ends up with a shit ton of money. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of that runaway capitalism thing that people talk about. It's, that's the dirty side of the markets in general. You know, when, when a, a, a total free marketeer, Somebody that believes 100% in the free market, um, most of the time they don't understand that there's this thing out there called market failure. There are, there are markets out there that do fail, collapse in on themselves. Prices don't make sense anymore. Houses don't make sense anymore. Yeah, housing is a great one. You know, anything in the, the finance industry, mm-hmm. that's, that could go either way at any time. Depends on, We've seen it happen multiple times in 2008. They, they talk about it in the 1619 project with the, the cotton industry and mm-hmm. the textile industry. Like these things happen when an overabundance of something is sourced primarily in just one location with zero competition worldwide. It's not necessarily monopoly because anybody can jump in, but if there's just one dominant force who can provide things at the lowest cost, eventually you're going to hit a wall. Right. Because you can't can, – there's no line of production that I can think of that has a zero – has a zero degree of like degrading returns at some point. You put enough out there into the market, ultimately that price is going to drop and you're not going to be able to make enough money to sustain the, the volume of capital that's required to keep yeah. the production at an upward scale to continue to pump out more and more and more. 
and then the market fails. Right. Eventually, eventually the market is saturated with whatever pro- product you're selling, you know, and so it's not worth a shit. Mm-hmm. And that's a you that happens all the time when you're talking about finance. Um, I think one of the better examples is like Venezuela. You know, when yep. Venezuela's economy economy fell out, people had literal wheelbarrows of cash that they had gotten from their banks that wasn't worth anything because their economy had just fallen out. They had put way too much money out there to try and bolster people so that they had money to spend. And and eventually, like I said, people had literal wheelbarrows of cash that is worth nothing. And they can't buy a fucking... A dozen eggs be with thirty thousand Venezuelan dollars because it just doesn't it doesn't mean anything. You oh, know? Yeah. My grandparents just got <clears throat> back from a trip to South America and they were doing uh some kind of cruise down at the very the Cape of like Argentina and they went to like Chile and stuff like that. And I forget which country it was, it might have been Chile, but it was like ten bucks got you like a hundred thousand pesos or whatever it was at, at that point. Like they have bill notes that are 10,000 Chilean pesos. And that's like 10 bucks or something like that. I don't know what the exchange rate is, but it's those numbers are out there, man. Japan is real similar. The yen, I mean, you things cost 15, 1500 yen to go buy a soda or something. That's, I don't know where all those numbers really come from. There's so Why they're so high. There's so much paper money. Yeah. And you're kind of hamstrung by the, the lowest common denominator that you have at one point. Like, or penny. Yeah. Cost more to make a penny than a penny's worth. Why the fuck does the penny still exist? Yeah, like, why? I don't understand it. Even in Canada, they don't have pennies anymore. They just have nickels. That's the lowest thing they have is nickels. Everything is rounded to five. Why the fuck are we still making pennies? Uh, I don't know. Why are we still using pennies? What a waste of fucking money. Because we like to carry everything down to the hundredth digit. Stupid. Stupid as it shit. Is, it doesn't make sense anymore. Because there's... Literally, if the currency you're making costs more to produce than what it's worth, dumb. What are you doing? That is make no sense. Right, right. Especially like a penny before, like it's like 1967 or something. Before then, there's like they're made of actual copper, like, mm-hmm. and it's like they're worth way more than one cent. It's like five cents or something like that. You get enough pennies before 1967, you got like a solid amount of cash, you know, just from fucking pennies. Like Maybe that's what it is. Stupid. Maybe it's all the old pennies out in existence, out in circulation still, that are worth way more than their actual, you know, printed value. Maybe that offsets the value of the other pennies. Denzel, what junior high did you go to? Fairview junior You went to Fairview? Okay. So, Ridgetop, there was a teacher named Mr. Garberg. Um, and do you, have you ever heard this person's name? I was going to say. Um, so, there was a teacher named Mr. Garberg, and he was like the earth science teacher, and he also taught like a space exploration class. And Ooh, yeah, he, he Mr. Garberg was fucking cool. Wore a kilt, you know, like at least once a week. He was one oh, of those guys, one right? Of those guys. And so he did a thing every year where you had to find a penny pre-1967 or post-1967. Mm. And then you would rub off two sides with a piece of sandpaper. And then he put it in some chemical solution. And whatever he put it in there would eat all of the zinc out of the inside of the penny. And so you're left with just this thin copper shell mm-hmm. that's on the outside outside of the penny and it's just this aluminum foil of copper that it, it was one of the coolest fucking things i ever saw yeah like, like that's gotta be a crime to i don't know the currency you know, <laughs> i mean who cares things uh i know they have them in seattle um and you put the penny in it and then you gotta like i think you oh, might like, like, flatten like flattens it yeah. down yeah yeah 
<laughs> and it costs like seventy five cents yeah, to, put, like, to flatten the penny down. <laughs> but you just do it because you got you got something. Yeah, and then you can do them in museums, and they have like four or five different ones, you know, that have different mm-hmm. logos and shit on them. Yeah, I think that's where I first saw mine. It was some museum somewhere. It's like, wait, so you're gonna charge me seventy five cents for a penny? Fifty cents. And I got to provide my own penny, first yeah. of all. You're not even so, giving me the penny. 51 cents. And then there's no electronics. To, yeah, you to, you're just a hand myself. You're doing all the work. You know? <laughs> and you're paying to do all the work, too. Yeah. I mean, once you like made your money back on whatever it costs to buy that thing, why not it just free? People are wasting their money anyways. Literally, yeah. you're wasting a penny to make something that's not worth anything except for sentimental value. It doesn't make sense. No, no one keeps those anyway. I was just yeah. gonna, I wonder if anyone has still has that. Like you make it, and you're you know. I remember I would. My mom used to take us to Seattle all the time. I, I forget where we would go, but they have one there. We would always beg her to do it. Yeah, she probably spent like a couple. Probably spent like ten dollars over the yeah. years doing yeah. it. For stuff that I couldn't tell you were a single. You put it in your pocket and you bring it home, and then who fucking knows what happens after that? Your parents throw it away when they find it in your pants in the laundry because they're like, (laughs) fucking stupid. Waste of 75 cents this was. 76 cents. (laughs) 76 cents, yeah. (laughs) Not that I'm pinching pennies over here. Denzel, let me ask you this. Um, Your name on Twitter, right? It's the Peanut King. Uh So, where does this come from? Um, So. Because I even called you the Peanut King in one of the posts this week. I didn't know where it came from. That's what, that's, <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to roll with yeah, it. No, you, you inspired my Instagram post last <laughs> night, too. But, uh, so, my uh, my younger siblings, I have three younger siblings. Two of them are allergic to nuts. How many children are in your family? Uh, I have five siblings. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I got two older brothers, two younger brothers, and a younger sister. But, One uh, girl, huh? Yeah. Oh, that Damn. poor child. I feel bad for her sometimes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Growing up with four sure. brothers. Yeah, no, it's awful. She's she's used to it by now. But so <laughs> my sister and uh the younger two brothers are twins. The youngest twin, they're allergic to peanuts. So me, we all make jokes about getting them like peanut butter and all. Every time I we're out the store, I ask my sister, "You want some Reese's?" <laughs> so when we were uh, we were um me and my brother marcus that's where that picture comes from uh we were in winko and we're like come on julian let's you know let's get some let's get some peanut butter and she got super pissed at us uh she knows it's a joke we, we laugh about it but then we took the uh we took the pictures and then um this around the time disney plus came out yeah so then the proud family movie was on yeah and they went to freaking Peanut Island or whatever <laughs> yeah, it's called. Yeah. And that dude, he, ca- he called himself the Peanut King. Like, like, this is it. This is what I was made for. So That's awesome. That's the whole story. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Right. Oh, my God. All right. So are you familiar with the Proud family? No. Oh, but something funny God. just happened. I, w- I just Googled Peanut King, right? And I'm no, getting I'm something about like Baltimore's most famous like drug kingpin. Oh, has His nickname shit. was the Peanut King. But I opened this article up from the Baltimore Sun, and an ad popped up for Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. <laughs> Just saying. Yikes. Just saying. That's weird. <clears throat> Speaking Computer of nose, bro. media fucking involvement. <laughs> Get that shit out of here. <clears throat> uh, so we wanted to ask you, Colin actually brought it up to me this week, so I'm going to steal his topic and we'll, we'll shift it more. this way. Um, because the topic that you brought was, was media effect of the masses, right? And you, mm-hmm. the upper left and salt of the streets are similar in the sense that we're both starting from the ground up to try and build something, 
right? How difficult do you guys find? I'm sure we talked about this a little bit the last time that you guys were mm-hmm. here, but how difficult do you guys find it to be trying to break into a market, especially involving people making music on SoundCloud that is Ooh. just saturated with content right now? Um, like, how are you guys approaching that to try and like get your name out there other than just making the best music you can, you know? So that's one thing that we recently, we had a couple conversations the past couple months, but we started looking at the whole SoundCloud thing. We're like, dude, we're putting a lot of energy into this music, man. Yeah. Like, we take time. We'll sit there. Like, there's songs that I've had, I have written and recorded for a couple of years that I'm just not ready to put out yet because I don't want to mm-hmm. put it out and not have it get the reception that I feel it deserves. Right. So we we sat down, we looked at it, and we all kind of came to the the conclusion that even if, no matter how great our music is, because we we're primarily putting it on SoundCloud, people will literally look at the fact that I shared a SoundCloud link, and then they'll make all their presumptions about my music. Because oh, you're yeah. just a SoundCloud rapper, yeah, this, bro. So, and, yeah. and this yeah. it's even more frustrating for me because I'm like, I'm not a rapper. Like I sing, man. Right, right. <laughs> but people, they just you know, the it, you have the they even made the joke in uh, Black Panther how you know, they're calling him a SoundCloud rapper. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, it's unfortunately it's a joke. I don't think there's a lot of good music on there. There's a lot of undiscovered artists on there. That there's are, many people who've got famous off of SoundCloud. Yeah, that are many re- people really good. But then I think now because oh, wow. they because those guys aren't using those platforms anymore. Um, I don't know. It's just seen because it's a, it's a really good platform for it's awesome. Oh yeah. yeah. But uh, some, there's great shit on SoundCloud. There's if you just go searching through and just browsing, you can find some really, really good shit on there that only four people have ever listened to. You know, oh, yeah. The, yeah, that's so heartbreaking to me too. Because I'll listen to, um, if you listen, if I have listened to a song that I know on SoundCloud and then it plays a random song afterwards, I'm like, yo, this mess is kind of nice. Then I'll go and see, and she's like, oh, this only has a hundred views, man. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. how come more people haven't heard this? So now we are at the point where we're investing in ourselves more and we're going to try to start putting our stuff on uh, Apple Music, uh, iTunes, if that's even a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Does that cost Amazon. money to do that? It does, it does, but the amount of money it costs yearly, like, it just, it makes sense to do simply just for mm-hmm. the fact that if I share, like, Jordan is in a, he has a, uh, my brother, Jordy Sam, he has a Pandora station now. Oh, really? Know, yeah, you know how serious that it like, like okay, I can look him really? up and it's playing his own music. People it's the same music that he's, he's putting on every other website or whatever. Right. But the fact that it okay, it's on Pandora or it's on Tidal, it's on uh Apple Music, it's on uh Amazon music. Mm-hmm. People are gonna take it that people much. care about that. Yeah, they care about it more. Yeah. So that's kinda where we're at now. So we invested in ourselves a little more. Um and yeah, so hopefully we're, we're going to be pushing those platforms even more. So, yeah. 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 I think that's platforming, like getting, just getting out there to as many places as you can. Right. Because what we're dealing with nowadays, and, and even in the podcast environment, podcasting is a little different because you can, you can put a podcast up anywhere. And for the most part, the vast, vast majority of any podcast platform are free. It's mm-hmm. just kind of been the thing since podcasts came out, but music, it, it's not that way. Right. And just the the sheer saturation of the market, it's it makes me wonder that the era of the gatekeeper, the agents, the you know, the agencies, all these things that like a fraction of the fraction of the fraction of the people that were trying to make it 
got in, right? But then you had somebody that would purposely just blow your shit up to the world and and make you a big deal, or at least try, right? But now with with an infinite amount of individual artists trying to do their particular thing, whatever they're doing, whether it's rap or hip hop or rock music or their acapella videos on fucking YouTube are everywhere now. There's there's so many different the the market is so saturated, especially in music, that it's that much is it it's gotta be even harder to be noticed now. Yep. The only chance I the only benefit <clears throat> I see compared to like the old gatekeeper mentality is that it's not up to like a person or a company to make the decision. It's just kind of it's almost more like luck of the draw. Who hears it? Who really likes it? And who's going to start spreading that out till it goes viral? And so in some ways, I feel like it's it's got to be a little better, but it's also got to be a little worse in some ways. And, you know, right, trying to find that balance is going to be – I just I – th- I think pushing content as much as possible, as long as it's high quality, you know, in the – I listen to a lot of, like, writing podcasts, like, to write a lot and, like, on the side – um, and they always say like when it you when you take part in a creative endeavor, whether it's podcasting or music or writing or anything, there's that you hold yourself back from releasing, say, those tracks you've been sitting on for two years because it's not quite ready, you think. But talk to me about your mindset with that. Like what's what's the advantage to holding back to making sure that you know this is exactly what you what what you want to put out? Versus, it's good enough. I need to put it out so I can go on to making the next one. You know, what are your thoughts behind that? Um, regardless, that toss up. Yeah, regardless, for me, I um, once I finish a song, even if I'm not fully done with it, I don't like sitting on one thing for that long. Mm-hmm. So I'm if I get it to a point, okay, I like it enough now, I'll revisit it later. Uh, when it comes to holding it back for releasing it, um, I. I, I, I make good music. I make, <laughs> I make I could, good music. I yeah. that. No, absolutely. Yeah. So you don't want to put out anything that's not good. Uh, right. Yeah, I don't want to put anything that's not good. But then I also understand, like, I feel like I'm going to get a little cocky here, but. Do okay. it. You, you, you know what your value is. No, you know I, what you're worth. I know. I, I know that my, my music should be, it should be heard by a lot more people. And I don't want to waste my time putting it on something. And just to have it sit there. Cause regard, it seems mm-hmm. like I've shared my links, you know, I've put it in different music pages and stuff. And a lot of people who might even have the same, they have the same dream as me. They'll be doing the same thing. So, okay. I put my link up. I'll email it to people, this and that. And, um, I get nothing back or like, and, and, and it sucks even more if I do just post my, uh, if I just post it on Twitter or something. I have people I went to high school with, man. Like, all right. Honestly, I don't care if that person specifically listens to it. Just retweet it. So someone that you know listens yes, to it. You know yeah, I, mean? I, I agree a thousand percent. Like, like, I'm not saying, like, if I share my links or something, I'm not expecting you to listen to it every time I share it. Right. Just, but if you share it, you might, it might come along someone who hasn't heard of me at all. Yeah. Boom. Oh, they like it. Now they're clicking through my stuff. Now they're sharing it. Right. So I think that's the thing that the oversaturation part where it's different just because, um, there is so many people trying to do it and you don't have to rely on, okay, I have to impress this one guy. Mm hmm. 
that takes some of the pressure off, but then the pressure is now in a different spot. Where okay, I don't have to impress this one guy. I gotta impress everybody. I gotta try to impress everyone. Oh, because anyone could be that guy. Yeah, and it yeah. literally comes down yeah. to I think it's crazy seeing how quick some people get famous off of songs that I'm like, dude, like what's his name, Lil Nas X, man. And oh. I, I am so I don't listen to him, but I'm so happy he took advantage of this the situation. Right. In. I'm like, this dude's making money. He has a name for himself going to the Grammys, this and that. Um, that song's okay. Like, right. it's, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's a good song, I guess, but, um, he took advantage of the situation and became a meme or whatever. Everyone started sharing it. Yeah. Kids freaking loved it and made a million remixes off of it. So, um, I don't know. It just, it really just seems like sometimes it just comes down just to just luck. Yeah. That's just how it sucks. Yeah. Cause I don't, I don't want to put something, Something that I put so much time into and just leave it up to chance. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I, I want to speak to when you're talking about sharing stuff on Twitter, right? And I think the thing that I find most frustrating about that is when, and I'm sure that you guys have all dealt with this, when you run into someone in public and they'll tell you like, oh man, like that last year that you made was fire. Like I love that last <laughs> thing. And you're like, then why didn't you retweet it? Right. Like, why didn't you share it on Facebook then? Like, I don't understand why you'll tell me how much you like this. Yeah. But you won't fucking share it. You're show not trying it to, to help me people, out, dog. Yeah. Put a comment on there, something, you know, so that it shows to other people. And it'd be one thing if it feels difficult to share it. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it's not difficult at all. You one know what click. I mean? Like, yeah. whenever, uh, anyone I see, like, anytime, uh, Makai, RJ, Eli, or Jordan, they post a link. On anything, just even if I'll just yep. share it real quick. You know what yeah. I mean? Even if I don't really like even look at it, look at it. Just cause, okay. I, all right, music link. All right, boom, share. It. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. I try and do the same thing um, for you guys in particular because I know you guys, you know. Um, but for a lot of the people I know that make shit, even if it's not something that I'm into, you know, I don't mm-hmm. hustle, bro. I don't. I'm down. Like as someone who's making shit, I know, you know, yeah. like yeah. No, when I see you guys posting new songs and stuff, I'm trying to like I'm retweeting it. Let me let me play it. Let me fucking put it on the story. Let me do something, you know. To that's yeah. It's it is. It's crazy how difficult it is just to get people you know to share your shit. You yeah, know, yeah. it is. And a problem that I, I, I fucking, it eats me all the time on Twitter, especially that it has the home function, you know, so people have their feed set to home instead of just what the latest tweets are. And so you're only seeing things on there that are popular, that are being interacted with by other people. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not switching it from home to latest, you're probably not even seeing my shit because no one is seeing it because everyone said on their homepage. And so it's not even coming up unless yeah. one of your friends is liking it, then it will show up on your homepage, you know, cause it's the most popular stuff. But like, unless you're getting people engaged no one's gonna see it anyway and you can't get anyone to engage if no one's seeing it you know it's like it's a horrible horrible cycle of not being able to get anything you know it's really fucking weird and the more and more people that you're following the less likely you're gonna see the stuff that like your actual friends and people that right. you actually know are posting because right. it's just gonna get lost in the maelstrom of your news feed yeah i was on i was on my instagram the other day and I was looking at my followers, and I didn't know that they did this. They go followers that you see most often. On your, and this is – I just – when I'm on Twitter, I just scroll. I yeah. You know what I mean? And then it had it broken up into categories and stuff. I'm like, wait, I didn't do this. You know what I mean? But it's their algorithm. However they situate it, um, I was like – because I 
I realize I really only see like the same 100 pages a day. You know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. I follow way more people than that. So right. why am I seeing like, you know what I mean? The same thing all the time. But yeah, I'm sure it's the same thing on Twitter. Too. Yeah. And it's like that on Facebook too. Um, that, you know, you have a bajillion friends on Facebook. You see the same thing from 20 people every time you go on there. You know, yeah. you're not seeing shit like, on there. And it's, it, right, it's, and it's not <laughs> like it. only those 20 of your friends are posting shit. Everyone is on fucking Facebook because yeah. they're always talking to you about fucking Facebook, but you're still only seeing 20 people's shit. I think that Twitter is just the most apparent about it that it says right up top, home. You know, it's not your latest tweets and you have to go up and click on the little star thing to go to your latest tweets instead of your Facebook and Instagram. They have it all in a weird back room somewhere that unless you go and click on your followers, then you won't know, you know, how it's set up like this. And Facebook, you have to do weird fucking algorithm things to fuck with it just to try and reset your friends list so that you see different shit. Like, it's so fucking weird, you know, that someone else has prioritized what you're going to see for you before you've even seen it. Yeah, you know, why the nature of the algorithm algorithm lifestyle we yeah, live now. It's just the shit that people are interacting with most that you're going to continue to see, which just makes it that much harder to try and get anything out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Breakthrough to anyone else. Right. That's kind of yeah. handed our 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 uh, our gatekeeper, you know, our traditional gatekeepers now. We've handed it to this digital algorithm. Yeah. It can either help you a lot or screw you over. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because, you know, like a lot of those, and we didn't like really name anyone in particular, but a lot of the SoundCloud rappers that have made it, they've been seen by other famous people who are already on SoundCloud, you know, and mm-hmm. another artist will put them on. Yeah. You know, like Justin Bieber's put people on. Fucking Usher put Justin Bieber on from seeing on YouTube, you know, yeah, and yep. shit like that. Like, I'm pretty sure that Justin Bieber, like, put Billie Eilish on, you know, and like shit like that. It's just a famous person, the right one person sees your shit and likes it, and they're like, oh, well. I'm going to, I'm going to do what I can to get this person going, you know, but you have, you don't have any way to control who sees it once you've put it yeah. out there, you know, even as hard as you hustle as hard as you fucking can, you can't force anyone to share anything. You can't, all you can do is fucking pay for Facebook and Instagram ads, you know, to try and expose it to other people. Like we, mm-hmm. we've done that on many different occasions. That's, that's another issue people have too, is they, if they see someone they know, with a sponsored ad. Yeah. Seems like they're even more likely not to click on it. I'm yeah. Like, Dude, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm doing everything I can to get this to you. The, like, the least you can do is respect my grind. You know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's one thing about, like, whenever I, whenever I see anyone I know at all chasing a dream yeah. at all, I'm like, Dude, like, go ahead. Like, I have, I went to school with people, they're barbers now. They freaking cutting hair yeah, since yeah. Uh, 10th grade. And then they're working in a barbershop or doing, ta- like, whatever it is. They, I'm like, Dude. I respect that heavy, man, because yeah. you mm-hmm. took the time, got yourself to where you needed to be. It's a little different in our aspect because they can be successful without, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? They can have, you know, 30 customers a week and they'll be good. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a little more tradesy versus yeah. artistic. We got to have Although millions they, of listeners to be able to make our nut and like live off of this, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. live off of this talent that this thing that we're making, this product, you know, that we're making mm-hmm. millions of listeners to even begin to try and get anywhere, you know, because even if you got a million people who are listening to your shit, especially if you're, if it's on SoundCloud, 
a million people paid zero cents to listen to what you had to listen to, you know? Yes. Like, you have to have that many, and I guess I can only really speak totally to the podcast, but you have to have so many followers to have even a fraction that are willing to pay you for the content that you're making, yeah. other than just consume it, you know? Yeah. Which is like, all well and good, I love, if even if we had millions of people listening and no one wanted to pay us, like, I would still be pretty happy that we had millions of people <laughs> listening, you know, mm-hmm. but... I would also really love to make a bunch of fucking money doing this. And not like, not because I want to have a bunch of money, but because that's like, you because would like I want to, be to know that there's value to this. Not you know? only that too, like, is that if people are, if people are paying, if you can make a living on off of this, that's only allowing you more energy, like more time to put more better, energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you, yeah. you guys put me in a situation where I can give back to you even more. Yeah. The, the, the whole thing goes. Through. Oh yeah. It's the, 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 the rising tide lifts all ships or something like that. Yeah. Whatever that fucking idiom is. I think that's it. I think you got it. I think so. I think you inadvertently nailed it. it. (laughs) People in glass houses sink ships or something, right? (laughs) Uh, Oh, shit, what was I going to say? But I just pulled up a quick little list of of artists that I have. SoundCloud rappers? Yeah. Post Malone? Post Malone, dog. Little Dicky? Post Malone, yeah. I I didn't know Little Dicky was on there. You know, so... I don't love Post Malone, and it took me years to even begin to understand, like, what the, the first one, I'm flossing, I'm flossing, are you? I, I like, Trent and Cody are showing this to me, and they're like, showing me the video, and he's just whipping around in Lambos, like, in the desert and stuff, and I'm like, I don't understand. Like, I don't get this. Like, I don't know, like, like, he's just flossing, like, he's balling. And I'm like, in the desert. But that's not enough for me. <laughs> I don't understand what the appeal is. Like this isn't enough for me. Yeah. And like I don't I don't get it. Like he's just making good music. I'm like, but it's it's not that good. Like that's like I and don't get it. Whenever I talk about artists that I don't think are good, sometimes it comes across as me hating. If I am, it's not them. You know what I mean? Like if someone's willing to pay you to do something. That you're putting minimal, dude. Do make it. your money, man. Yeah, like, make your money. I don't care. Um, but it's like, why though? Like, why? Why is so other people? Why? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Why are other people feeding you this much? I can see yeah. it being particularly hard in the realm of music because music is so subjective. A thousand people can listen to the same song and all have completely different takeaways. Yeah, yeah. You know some music genres people just aren't into so you're automatically like losing part of the population who just doesn't like hip-hop or rap music or people out there just refuse to listen to country music flat out no it's all garbage and it's fucking hate country music i've got pretty much on the whole i know a lot of people that do my supervisor listens to a lot of country music so yeah i i don't dislike it it's it's not something i'm gonna play on my own but like Mm -hmm. i got to the point where like if if we're working in separate rooms and he's playing the country music out loud, he'll hear me whistle along to it. It's a song <laughs> that I've never heard before prior to when he uh, when he started playing it. So um, I don't mind it, but that's not it's not my go to. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of songs that I don't like that will get ingrained in my brain because there's something that they're doing in whatever the beat is or whatever the you know the the melodics kind of are it's like something gets in there and it gets stuck in there even if i'm not a fan of the genre or something you're like fuck i can't i can't shake this song man there's nothing worse than singing along to a song that you hate yes yeah yes yeah one that's stuck in your head that's why is this that have that have i was playing 2k they always put a bunch of music and i was right forget what song i couldn't even couldn't even get close to it but I found myself singing it. I'm like, God dang it, man. Like, yeah, this, why am I doing this? I hate this song. <laughs> why am I singing it? 
Somebody's doing their job right because they got it stuck in your head, though. Yeah, good, good for that person. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. man. That's so funny to see Little Dicky on that list because his early stuff. I like Little Dicky. I like him, too. Dude, yeah. He's so much fun. But he's like, really funny. You know, he's super funny. You heard his the, the 90s song. Like, if you grew up in the 90s, I think it's called 90s Kids or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. That one's fucking perfect. But it's like, that song, you're not going to ever hear on the radio. You right. Hear you know, most of his stuff on the radio. Um, I think... I'm I'm trying to think if I ever I don't think I've ever heard a single little Dicky song. He's so. he is a he used the internet well. Yeah. Very well. Yeah. He there are some artists that are just like that, you know, like mm-hmm. um, Tyler the Creator. You know, years mm-hmm. went by before you would ever hear and it doesn't happen here. You know, you gotta be in somewhere like LA or something like that to hear a song like that on the radio. It just doesn't yeah. happen, you know, and for so long it's because the type of music he was making just was not fit for the radio. Yeah. And then by the time that he was making music that could be played on the radio, he had been in his own niche for so fucking long that it's like, you know, no one even knows who he is unless you love him for the last 10 years anyway. So yeah. it's, that was a weird, I don't know. I will say though that even though it's, it's probably harder than ever to try to get noticed and get attention and followership and try to be able to make a living on your own. But the fact that there are more content creators in every space now out there than ever before is it's, it gives me a good feeling that at one point in the future, we're going to figure out a way that more and more people can, can make a living doing that kind of thing. Even if it's small time, they can, you know, 45, 50K a year or something like that. Enough to live a comfortable life. You're not going to get rich and famous or anything. But, man, the more and more people that can can do that, we're going to have a much better economy and much better society. Fuck yeah. If I could if I could make exactly the same amount of money that I'm making right now, but mm-hmm. off of doing this instead, I would absolutely do it. I don't 100%. I don't need to be fucking rolling in stacks to no. be happy. I if I can support my family with what I'm doing, mm-hmm. I'll be more than happy. You know what I'm saying? That's I'm and, cool with that. I would love to have a bunch of money. That would be fucking awesome because the more money I have, not only I can't just do the stuff that I want, but I can start to give back to things that I want. I can give back to causes that I give a shit about. I can mm-hmm. try and enact things that are important to me. You can instead support of just, other creators, too. Instead of just trying to convince other people that they're important, you know? Mm-hmm. I can actually invest money in, well, I'm going to try and make sure that this gets done, you know? Not just convince other people that it should be done. I'm going to put my fucking money where my mouth is. I'm going to mm-hmm. make sure that it gets done, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, support other people who've helped. That's... Yeah, that's when uh, Patreon first came out. I yeah. got really into that, and a lot of creators, most of the creators that I liked on Patreon, have all migrated away due to some of the free speech issues that have come up. Policy you know. issues on Patreon. Yeah, but for the most part, I mean, there's artists and stuff that I like, and they'll put you know 25, 30 minute videos where they'll do like a whole painting in you know thirty minutes or something right in front of you and walk you through it. Like, Weird. I throw that dude five bucks yeah. a month. Hell yeah. Go after your fucking dream, man. I enjoy what you're doing. I don't want to be a hypocrite trying to ask for people's money to make content. To not be willing to give it. I yeah. won't do that yeah. to someone else, you know. Yeah. And I, I like the fact that more and more people are starting to kind of branch away from some of the traditional platforms. Go more like independent-based with their own website. Yeah. You know, even if it's very rudimentary, they're still 100% independent. They can do whatever the fuck they want. You know, Dave Rubin's got a cool thing going on right now called Locals.com. Um, you know who Bridget Fetessy is? Mm, I've heard that name before. Yeah, she's the former former Playboy writer. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. You know, and okay. she's got a she's got a great fucking YouTube channel called Dumpster Fire. It's so good. It's it's basically like kind of the stuff we do. We go over like what's happened over the week, but she does it in a hundred percent like make fun of trolley way, and it's fucking hilarious. And it's but it's slightly informative, which is great too. And she also does podcast stuff too. But I ended up signing up for because she got off Patreon, I think, and then. So I cut my support there, and when she started her own locals, I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to transfer my five bucks over there now. Yeah. And I would love to be in a position to be able to help other creators out. Mm -hmm. Because when you really think about it, whether it's music or podcasting or YouTube or whatever you're doing, the, the biggest problem we have is that saturation in the market, right? But if you, as a creator with any kind of cred whatsoever, can boost somebody up a little bit more and possibly get them to do the same thing, everybody wins. Yeah. And next thing you know, we have an entire Bernie Sanders talking about an economic revolution and shit. There's your fucking economic revolution right there. Give everybody the, the buying power to be independent and create what they want to create to be able to make a living like that would just be phenomenal. I don't, there's, it's a win win all around. I don't know if we can get people to start putting their money where their mouth I is. I think that's the thing. For some reason, a lot of people have a huge issue supporting small businesses. Mm-hmm. Small, small businesses are like, cause I was talking to, uh, I was talking to Jordan the other day. I was telling him like, man, like I'll spend, this is awful. This, <laughs> I, I will spend too much money on just nonsense. I think I went to Safeway the, like a couple weeks ago, I bought a bunch of donuts and ice cream and I bought like a lot of junk food. And when the, like the price came out, I'm like, man, like this is a huge waste of money. Yeah. But then if someone like drops an album or something like that, like, Hey, this is $7. What? Mm, I don't know about that. Eight bucks, bro. Come on. I don't, I don't know if I can, I, if I can afford, you know what I mean? But I think it's funny how, and then sometimes it's even just the fact that it's online, but $5 Mm -hmm. is nothing. I'll spend right. five. I spent fourteen dollars this morning on nonsense. And you don't even think about it. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, psh, McDonald's? That's nothing, man." Here, here yep. we go. You know what I mean? Or whatever it is, we're so willing to spend it on things that are going to come and go right away. Yeah. But when it comes to someone that can actually do good, if You're they investing in them for five dollars, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. this is an actual invest. Like, so yeah, I don't know. A- anytime that I can, like both both of my brothers are chasing their dreams. My oldest brother. He's down in Georgia now, and he is a basketball trainer. Right, nice. yeah. right. So I've seen you repost some of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what he's doing. He's doing well for himself, but I think it's I don't know. Some people will have a perception that what whatever your thing is, even no matter how much hard work you you put into it, they'll dismiss it as oh he's he's doing his little thing over there. You know I mean? Right, mm-hmm. right. No, I'm. I could be in a position where I'm doing a very big thing right. if people weren't stingy. If you weren't you know? so dismissive of what yeah, I'm doing. Because yeah. it's, yeah. it's you yeah. and other people that, yeah. I think the more and more people that come online, though, you know, we, I mean, I think we're at the beginning of a shift. I really do. Like, the the, the a la carte, com, com, you know, uh, economics, if you will, of all things entertainment now. Who out there... Is a you know a diehard cable cable TV watcher you know like versus yeah. Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and HBO Go and like all these different on demand streaming services that cater to 
you just get what you want to watch it or do with it when you want and how you want and all that good stuff. And it applies to all facets of entertainment now, whether it's informative stuff or, you know, just there's a billion history podcasts out there now. I mean, there's YouTube. There's so many people out there just trying to hustle and start something to create something that's entertaining that somebody will think is worth something. And the more and more people, I think, that do that and get on board that train, I think we'll start to see it shift at an exponential rate as we go into the future. But how how long it's going to take to get there, I don't know how many people are going to, to struggle and, and, and lose out. Yeah. And just have to go back to that crappy daytime job, punching the clock, nine to five, whatever bullshit it is, or, you know. Motherfuckers shouldn't have quit their day job. That's <laughs> true. I think that that element of – sorry, not to interrupt you. I think that that element of time almost works in the favor of the devoted. You know, the people who aren't devoted are, will mm-hmm. eventually drop out. You know, oh, yeah. After a fucking – if we didn't give a shit about this, we wouldn't be doing it in episode 80. You know, no. we would have hit episode 40 and been like, oh, we're not fucking making money. Fuck it. We're done. You yep. know, no, like we, we give a shit about this because we've made 80 episodes of this and we're not making any money. Like that's – we care about this. We care – about the idea of people being able to make their own informed opinion. We care enough that I've literally come on here before and bitched about people not consuming our product because they'll complain <laughs> about not knowing things when we're providing you the information and you refuse to consume it. For like, free. I'm literally putting it in front of you on my own fucking Facebook feed and the next post down is you being like, why can't I f- understand this? Super weird because last week I made a fucking episode that would explain <laughs> it if you would take... 10 fucking minutes and listen to this particular section that I've even put in quotations in the description so you know at what point in the podcast we talk about this. So you don't have to wait. You don't have to try and find it. I put it right here. All you got to do is scroll to that time and leave it and you'll be able to find it. But fucking for still. Yeah. For some reason, like, Mm -hmm. I just don't understand, you know, why all this is happening. You know, we're going to, we're going to spend. This whole time doing this, telling people about the coronavirus and all the whatever and democratic debates and motherfuckers are still going to buy seven packs of toilet paper, you know? And it's like, <laughs> I gotta have taste, man. Right here, you know? Yeah. I know. And people are like, give me, give me new music to listen to, you know? I, fuck, I put a, out a song last week that you still haven't fucking listened to, you know? So why don't you check this out? And then, nope. you know? Yeah. Maybe turn off the radio and that shit is a little bit. It, it gets to you. And I think that think that it, when it gets to you, it's important because it means you care. You know, mm-hmm. if you didn't care, it wouldn't bother you. You'd be like, all right, well, fuck them. You know, just fuck them. And, mm-hmm. you know, most of the time that's I'm able to like write it off as that. But I know that I give a shit because once every six months I will get shaking fucking mad because of <laughs> just people's willingness to like I literally be just ignorant, talked about you know? Yeah, I know. I like all I can, I everything else I could do is just drive to your house and fucking play it for you. You know, that's all else I could do could to do make it easier. With the yeah, house. that's all I can do is is literally play it for you and like cook cook your dinner at the same time so you have nothing else to do but listen to this. Like I I can't. You know, I can only do so much to like to make you listen to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, part of it though is just it's people's kind of you know mundane routines that you kind of are forced to get in when you're working that job that's 
you know, that you tears your soul apart because it's it's meaningless to you. All you're do, you're just doing it because it's a steady paycheck that's getting yeah. you by or whatever, and maybe the pay is good or whatever, but it's fucking killing you, or you know whatever it is, and you just want to come back home and you don't want to spend the time to experience new things. You just put on the fucking the office, whatever it is, yeah, and just <laughs> let it go. Just put and, on the office and let it go. Yeah, I mean it's it's a weird thing, man. I don't know. I don't know what to do about it. I think it's it's a societal thing that is easily fixed if you just change the mindset. Yeah. But getting people to change their mindset is not easy to do. Very stuck in their ways. I'll yeah. Yeah. And I think you got to you just got to keep hustling, you know? Yeah. You just kind of have to, you know, in the beginning of this year you and I had like a real like a deep talk about like we're just going to recommit to what we're doing and just try and make sure mm-hmm. we're investing the right amount of time and that we're doing what we need to do and you know help and support other people and just doing like what we can do at that time pretty much every time I talk to Makaya I'm like hey make a product like give let me give you my money like find <laughs> a way that I can give you my money because this is all well and good but let me give you $10. Like, find a way. Make a sweatshirt. Make a t-shirt. Give me yeah. a something that I can give you fucking money in exchange for. Like, let me, you know, like, let's let's do it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, yeah, so. that's the, my, that's the mindset. My friend actually made this. He designed it himself. Word. But I told, like, he's, he's really good uh, camera work, and then he's really good with, um, I don't know, uh, software he used. But he had a bunch of designs and stuff. And I remember that he made something like this when I was in high school. So I messaged him off to the side. I'm like, yo, I want one of those. He said, yeah. I don't have it anymore. And I'm like, we'll make one. Right, make me <laughs> and one, bitch. You, and I'll give you money for it. You know yeah. what I mean? So, but some, I don't know. For whatever reason, we people just have a hard time buying or buying things or putting money into things that aren't established. But I'm like, hard. like Walmart didn't start off as like a super, you know what I mean? Mm. What's that movie called? The Founder? Yeah, it showed how McDonald's started. Like yeah. it started off as a, you know, just a regular drive-through burger place. Yeah, and right. look what it is now. So like, in oh. every every major, I mean, they're on every continent, on the entire planet. Yeah, it's crazy. I have um in my garage. I you I, I drove around within the back of Land Rover for excuse me probably over a year. Um, box T-shirts that I made that I bought five of every size from small to. 3x in men's and women's and made salt of the streets t-shirts and like i was trying to sell them at one point and like sold a couple of them and then at a certain point like i'm just gonna have to eat this investment i'm just gonna give them to people you know like i'm just i'm not gonna ask you to buy them anymore just share it or something and i'll just give you one you know do this and i'll I'll just give you a t-shirt like Mm -hmm. it's yeah it it was surprisingly difficult to be like a twenty dollars t-shirt a handmade t-shirt made it ourselves like yeah yeah you just have to even, which is so weird, right? As like, like, you know, someone who you're making something and you're trying to like get someone to give you money. And you're like, why do you want this for free? Like, don't you see how hard I'm working on this? You don't just want to, you don't want to give me money for this because of like, I'm trying to make it. Instead, you only want me if I'm going to give it to you. You don't want to help me out on what I'm doing. Like, and that I think is weird. It's insane too. Cause some people feel like they're doing you a favor by trying to get it yeah. for free. Like, um, Jordan makes beats and he said he'll have, he'll, he can make them super easy, but you know, he'll make, take his time with it. And someone's like, Hey man, let me get that. I'm like, what? All right. Why am I going to give you right. this beat that I s- took time and, and use my talent to make 
to someone who's you're only going to get 50 views on your, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you're, you, unless you're in a position to truly help me get numbers. Why would I give this to you? I, if, if, yeah. if little Wayne comes along and wants my, my beat, go ahead. You can have it. If little Trevor or whoever down the street, <laughs> right. I don't know you, man. Right. Like you're, yeah. unless, unless you're, cause at that point, and, and they really, they, when they put it, they're like, like I'm doing you a favor, man. I'm putting it out there. I'm like, I can get 75 people listening <laughs> yeah. to my stuff today. Like yeah. that's not, that's not what I want. I want 75,000 listening right. to it. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. I get it. It's, and it's a weird world and it's all just starting to, I mean, I think we're in its infancy in content creation and we're just watching it blossom. I mean, just the looking at like where YouTube started to where YouTube is now. Now, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, the numbers on like how many podcasts are available now. It's like there's 800, 900,000 podcasts. Bad, bro. It's you know, bad. There's got to be at least probably fucking probably 10 times as many videos being uploaded on YouTube every day. Yeah. And it, everybody's out there trying to make something so that they can do something with their life that's not the traditional soul crushing bullshit. And there's money to be made. They're like, right. I uh, I was on YouTube yesterday, and I was I don't even know why I was watching. Like I mean, I, I do some carpentry stuff, but I was watching these. It was a couple, and they had bought um, shipping containers, and they were converting them into a house. And oh, I was, dude, yeah, yeah. And I was I like, that shit all day long. You know, I got, so cool. And I just I turned it. I was, it was you know it was interesting. Yeah. And then I started looking at. Uh, I went through and looked at all their. I didn't watch them all, but I just went through and like seeing how much views they were getting. And seeing where they start, I'm like, dude, these people are, these guys are in a position where they are making money right. from people like me who just, oh, well, now I know how to do that. You know? <laughs> right. like, you know? So I'm like, there's, there's money to be made. I do think it's, it's difficult depending on what you do. So I, when it comes to music, like you got to get a lot of streams. Oh, yeah. yeah. A lot of, that's why we yeah. put our, we decided and I don't think you have to make or get a bunch of streams on uh, SoundCloud in order to make money. Oh, yeah. On, um, on Spotify and all those other um, websites and stuff, it's a little different. So mm-hmm. it's not Damn. much, but so. all right. Well, I gotta go pee, and then we can move on to the next time. You guys do whatever. Word. Do whatever you want. I'll do whatever you. I want. I'm gonna fuck. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. So I think uh, we should talk about coronavirus next. Sounds good. So let me ask you this question: Are you are you freaked out about COVID nineteen? Freaked out? No, but. I am cautious, consciously concerned. Yeah, like you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not buying toilet paper by the million. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm, you know, what I mean, I'm, I have the same level of concern I would if the flu is going around. You know, what I mean? I'm yeah. not gonna. Well, go fuck, man! I went down to my doctor last week because I got feeling pretty nasty, and I was like, I'm just saying, <laughs> I just wanted to let you know and just make sure everything's cool. Let me let me get in there, and you know, she was telling me that not only is this coronavirus thing floating around but it's also like annual flu season so, so the flu smashing people and then on top of that there's like a just a typical stomach virus going around too yeah and it's like people are just getting super sick all over the place and i think having that that happen on top of the coronavirus stuff is causing everybody to fucking panic yeah no if it's uh yeah i think it's yeah, because that's that's one thing that was bothering me too. I'm like, all right, this is going around too, but then it is also it's it's flu season too. So yeah. people see other people coughing, and so I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna like get away from you because you're coughing in general. 
because I don't want the flu. I don't want no. the coronavirus either. I don't want to be around none of that. Yeah, like I, it does. It doesn't matter what you're sick with. I don't. I don't want to get sick with it too. But no. I think that doesn't help just because uh, some of the symptoms can be like somewhat similar. Mm-hmm. So people will take a dude. I'm coughing, man. This is this is it, man. I'm. Oh yeah. I got it. I mean, I got people that uh, that I know where their their bosses are saying they're telling their employees if you are coughing, period, don't come to work. Because we just, we don't want to take any chances. And then all of a sudden they're realizing that you can't operate like that because then everybody's, it's fucking flu season. Everybody's sick, man. Everybody's coughing. Yeah. Everybody's no. got a cold or something. Yeah. And I was, I was sick for the last like three weeks. I was just, I was just coughing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I didn't go to work for the last three weeks, I'd be very broke. Hell yeah. Uh, so can't, but, you can't make rent, can't make mortgage payments, yeah. can't. Get by, can't pay fucked bills, can't buy groceries. Right. I and mean, you still got to work. It's, it makes it that much harder. But the, I started, I had a conversation with some, some people in my office about this yesterday about this kind of state of panic that we're in. Oh, we're on the corona. Right? Yeah, we're on the corona. We Let's haven't, do it. we haven't gotten into the details. We're just That's all right. feeling around. Um, but this, this idea of, we have this thing going around right now, and the panic that's being um, – I want to be careful how I say this – at least in some way cultivated by the media is it's making me worried, but not because of like the coronavirus itself. It's due to the fact that if this is what it takes to start clearing out shelves at Walmart and Costco and the local grocery store and shit, how much more – of a scare do we need before we're in full-blown martial law, fucking the economy shutting down, everybody freaking the fuck out. War of the world mode. style panic. Like how we're so close to it already. How much more would we need to really like trying to find a good analogy just to let the floodgates loose and everybody just go full on batshit fucking crazy. Like that <clears throat> scares me more than anything. It's the fact that we're already to this state of panic enough when we don't even truly know what we're dealing with yet. What happens when we actually find out the real numbers at this point? If they're worse than we think they are, God. it's fucking game over. Yeah. I don't I'm that's what I'm worried about. I'm not worried about the Thanos click your fingers now this virus is here and half the population is like I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about the panic that's going to ensue when we, instead of it being a 3%, it's 5%. Whatever those numbers make up or something like that, if it's all these, the you know, we have a massive elderly population in America. Yeah. So that definitely <clears throat> might be high as fuck, but it might only be killing the elderly people that already have, you know, respiratory problems or heart problems or diabetes or whatever it is. You know, it, so... But if you're punching up that number to say, like, it's killing 10% of the people that get it. It's like, well, yeah, but the majority of people that are getting it in a severe case are all elderly people. The context of those numbers is flipped around and you could cause a fucking massive panic for no reason whatsoever. Right. And we're already there, I think. Right. The numbers are so... Um, all over the place. Are so And when they're so distorted by virtue of the fact that we don't know how many people actually have it, you know, yeah. that the whatever percentage they're putting the kill rate at now is likely not what it actually is because mm-hmm. we don't know how many people actually have it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. The longer you have, I mean, well, they're talking about like a two-week gestation period for this virus, you know. Yeah. yeah. 
give it four weeks and then we'll have a, like a, probably a way better idea of how many people actually fucking have it. But at that yeah. time, it's still going to have spread so much. You got to keep waiting. You know, there's mm-hmm. no way it's what well, the first case I think I have written down here that the first case was on the 31st of December in China. And the first one in America was on the 7th of January. Um, or no, no, I'm sorry. It was on the 19th of January it was the first case that we had in America, you know? It's not even been two full months yet. Like, that dude walked around for two weeks mm-hmm. getting people sick before he knew he was getting anyone sick. There's going to be so much spread before people are, like, understanding of what they're doing. And, oh, I've actually been sick for a week and now I just found out, you know. Mm-hmm. that There's, like, these are not fully accurate numbers. And it's not just because people aren't doing their job. It's because there's no way to know everyone who has the virus at this point, yep. you know? And yeah, there's been so many people as listed on Facebook and shit, you know, that are sharing comparison between, you know, COVID-19 and the flu, you know, they're like this kill rate and this kill rate and this many people infected and this many people infected. It's like, at this, this is not an apples to apples comparison. These two things that you're doing here, you know, that's you're only yeah. freaking yourself out. You're freaking other people out because you're sharing this type of shit and you're just making it worse, you know? Well, and the real problem is we, we call it the, the, the denominator. Yeah. This is all a fractional situation, right? You know, how many people are being tested and how many people are testing positive? And then from that number, then you can go into, okay, out of all those positive cases, how many people are dying? <laughs> Why are they dying? Are right. there complications? So trying to, we need to increase that first denominator. Yeah. You know, the more people that are getting tested, with, which right now the problem with being tested is kind of a, a lack of ability to be tested. Not so much for necessary lack of tests. That number is being boosted as we speak. There's a, they're bumping up the numbers in these test kits massively. The private, in, the private sector is now involved. So by the end of, this coming weeks, so by the time supposed you, to be a million new tests by the end of the weekend that have yeah. been shipped out to various state health departments mm-hmm. around the United States. But as of right now, shit. I mean, I saw the Kitsap Sun this morning. the The actual amount of test cases right now reaches a dozen, but all of those results are still pending. We don't know what's going on. But up until this point, the the threshold to get tested. I mean, you had to have a doctor's strong recommendation right, that you right. should be tested. And then then you have to go into the governmental side and go to an actual government facility to be tested at, you know, and it's probably going to change sooner rather than later. But um, the ability to be tested was, was very problematic at the beginning. And right. due to that, the numbers are already skewed because you're only testing people who you think have it already. You're not testing as many people as possible to figure out what the numbers truly are, which might be arbitrarily bumping the numbers one way or the other. Yeah. And it's, so we have no idea what we're dealing with, which is one, I mean, it's kind of cause for alarm because we don't know what we're dealing with, but at the same time, it's, it's not cause for alarm because we don't know what we're dealing with. Right. And the, the panic that cause for concern, you know, have open concern and be be understanding of what's going on, but be smart. You don't need to be stocking up on toilet paper and fucking Purell and shit. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't need to be clearing out Costco of fucking equipment. And now, like I just saw the first report this morning from the Seattle times that there was finally, 
not finally, but there was like one medical facility that said like, okay, we're actually starting to get low on masks now. And it's like, mm-hmm. and now all you assholes that bought all these fucking masks when you don't need them, you yeah. know, you have medical facilities that are going to start to run low on this shit that actually need it when people who don't need them are fucking buying them and they're hoarding up, you know, boxes and boxes of fucking of N95 masks just in case when in reality, you know, according to the the experts on this disease are what they know now. You know, the people that are being truly helped by a mask is people that are already sick so that yep. they're not continually spreading the disease and then people who are actively working with people who are sick so they're not inadvertently getting infected. Yeah. And there's yeah. all kinds of people who are like, oh, fuck you. I can take care of myself how I want and blah, blah, blah. My health is important. And it's like, that's all well and good, but you have people who are being fucking coughed in their mouth by people who have coronavirus and you still think that you need a mask more than they do. And I don't understand that justification, you know? I have... <clears throat> yeah, apparently, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a fucking scientist or a doctor, but apparently the, the effect of a healthy person wearing a mask is, it's rather arbitrary in whether or not you're going to contract it or not. <laughs> the only thing it's, it's like people are contracting it's thought by droplets that are spread when people cough or sneeze. Mm-hmm. And so they get onto an area and you touch it and then you touch your mouth and you get it or it just gets in your mouth, yeah. you know? And so that's like, they're wearing it to stop the shit from leaving the mask. And then the people who are working there are wearing it to stop the shit from getting in their mask, you know? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, if you're just walking around, like, that's not going to stop you, you know? I, that's mm-hmm. really weird. Sure. I saw a woman at Costco yesterday who had rubber gloves on. And I was like, that yep. makes more sense to me than wearing a fucking mask. Because you're going to throw them away when you leave. And you're probably not going to touch your face with your rubber gloves on, you know? I'm like, I sure hope so. Well, I think it's a little extreme. It makes more sense than wearing a mask, you know, at least in, in modern practice of it. You know, in application, it makes more sense. See, I'm already but, screwed because I got the beard and I just... I, I play with the beard all day long. All the time. All the time. already. I even, I found during the pre-show, I kept, I'm like, dang it, man. (laughs) (laughs) And I, yeah, I touch my face a lot, specifically when I'm thinking, you know, if Mm -hmm. I'm thinking real hard, I'll just, I'll touch my face, I'll do this, Mm -hmm. there's all kinds of stuff. And there's only, I'm just washing my hands a lot. There's only so much I can do about it, especially with as much as, especially preparing for the show like this. You know, I'm sitting on my couch for fucking hours, 11 o'clock last night, and I'm just thinking and thinking and thinking. Like, I'm I'm sitting there touching my face. Like, there's only so much to be done about it, you know, that I'm just trying to be as healthy as possible. Like, just I wash my hands a lot before anyway because I don't like when I start to feel like my hands are, like, sweaty at all or, like, have anything on them. I really, really, really don't like that feeling at all so i wash my hands a lot as it is and i've just stepped it up you know extra lotion too because my hands are so goddamn dry from washing all the time that's Um, that's a real thing yeah so so let's hit a timeline real quick and then we'll go back because it's a pretty quick timeline as far as um excuse me so the first thing I have here is on December 31st, 2019, China began to report a cluster of pneumonia with people associated with the Hunan seafood wholesale market in Wuhan, right? Wuhan. And I want to take a step here just for a second in, in, in order to try and be as objective as possible, right? So there yeah. are a couple of different theories as to where this is coming from, right? And the two most prevalent ones, I guess the most prevalent one I've seen is that, well, there's a lot of people saying it's coming from eating weird fucking meat, which doesn't seem to be the case you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. it seems to have they're attributing it to this market because the people who got sick all went to this market right and so i 
saw one that was talking about, saw an article that was talking about it's possible that it came from bats, but not from people eating bats because bats have a high number of these coronaviruses as it is. Mm -hmm. And so the common thinking, uh, because I guess this coronavirus shares similarities with a pangolin virus and also with a bat virus, right? Mm -hmm. And so one school of thought is that bat bat shit essentially got onto something and got onto a pangolin or got onto whatever or a pangolin sneezed on someone or sneezed on something and somehow that person got those droplets from the pangolin or from the bat in their mouth not generally thinking it's because they were eating them even though people do eat pangolins and they do eat bats mm-hmm. that's not the common school of thought behind it is because it's from consumption it's the general thought like i said is because some bat shit got onto something that someone ate or someone touched some bat shit and then touched their face or they got sneezed on by a pangolin or a pangolin whatever the fuck pangolins do you know what a pangolin is I don't it know. is these weird looking little creature it is the only mute it is the only mammal with scales Right. So it is like a little anteater looking thing. It also kind of looks like an armadillo. It has these little armored plate things. Oh, yeah. And, um, it has like weird practices in, um, in African and Asian mythology that, you know, you eat it if you want to like get a bigger dick and like for vitality and stuff. And you eat the scales for whatever and traditional Chinese medicine and weird shit. So they're poached like, horribly 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 poached and so they're sold all the time in these meat markets illegally you know they're just black markets sold so people can eat them or they can do whatever with the scales or whatever the fuck so a pangolin is this weird looking animal um and are you looking up a picture of a pangolin yeah yeah and so yeah so the the common thinking at least as of now is that somehow yeah that is a a pangolin and so these are the yeah they look like little armored anteater and so so a pangolin yeah is the only mammal that has scales um i learned that today and so that's every day yeah and so that's the common school of thought is that somehow you know people were infecting this market however However, there is another school of thought that I don't want to scare anyone, but this is the one that I personally prescribe to myself, right? There's a biological research facility in Wuhan that's like not super far from this market, right? And the common thinking on the disease now is that it has mutated from the SARS virus, right? Which is something that was super common in China in 2014, huge global outbreak in 2014. We talked about this a little bit earlier. The CDC has actually confirmed that now on their website. So it's, they're calling it SARS CoV 2. Word. So, how fucking cool is that? I had my inside source tell me that shit last night, That's motherfucker. Right. Anyway, so. Um, I think this was just updated this morning. My personal school of thought, right, is that um, somehow, you know, this SARS virus that they're working on trying to find uh, a cure for SARS, you know, because mm-hmm. people still get it, not common, but they still get it, you know, mm-hmm. but these type of lung infections, respiratory infections are still super common, especially in China, you know, personally, I theorize that somehow this disease, this virus left the biological research research facility and was brought into the market inadvertently. And at that time, it was then spread, whether it was passed to an animal and then spread or whether someone Mm -hmm. just coughed on something and it spread or whatever the fuck, right? My personal school of thought is that it came into the market and then left with multiple people. I don't – there's all kinds of weird stories, right? There was a story a couple weeks ago and I was – 
I was f- physically upset trying to understand what was being laid out, right? Because there was a, a, a scientist who like worked at Harvard and he also had, you know, a contract with, with the Chinese government. And so he was fucking taking money from the Chinese government to do biological research and also doing research here. And then he got in trouble because he wasn't telling the United States government he was taking money from the Chinese government, you know, and so he had affiliations with this biological research facility in Wuhan. And then there's like these two Chinese officials that are connected to the military right that were caught one of them caught trying to smuggle biological research material back into china like in his socks and then one woman who had lied on her visa application about her intent on being here and she's working in this biological research facility that this scientist had set up right so this information is all spelled out just like that right and then at the end it's like this is some, you know, fucking spy novel shit and blah, blah, blah. But I can't understand what the narrative is that's being put forward with this information, right? I understand this information and it's, it's factually correct. Mm-hmm. There's no question about that. All these three people were arrested. These things are true, but I don't understand what the narrative is that's being pushed. And I couldn't get anybody who had shared that to explain to me what they were trying to say. I'll tell um, you. And so that's the one, you know, is that there's some, you know, conspiracy Uh that these people are, you know, that they're crafting a virus that's then being released on the public in an effort to something, you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, But I couldn't get anyone who prescribed to that thought Uh or shared that like meme thing to explain to me what they were trying to get at, you know? Yeah. And now this is obviously just pulling off of what you're telling me, but given what we know about China's, um, their affiliation, if you will, their responsibility with stealing intellectual property, corporate espionage, you know, it's not necessarily always like a, a, a malicious thing as far as like trying to create the next super weapon or something yeah. like that. It, it would be not out of the realm of possibility in my mind for some, this research facility in China to be trying to get as much info as they can and be stealing shit back and forth and trying to, get stuff into China and then, you know, back and forth. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of, that could have happened. That would be in keeping with how China has been running, you know, all of their intellectual property over the last few decades. Yeah. You know, it's what's built them into the country they are now. I don't see why that, you know, what they do in the tech realm and the military realm and the spatial realm and all this shit. I don't see why it wouldn't carry over into biological research as well. Right. You know, I really don't see that. And so those people getting picked up like that, it would make sense to me that that could be a stealing intellectual property. Yeah. Yeah. They could be trying to get ahead and steal some research so that you could try to, you know, even if it's in the best of intentions, trying to get there so you can work on your own cures for some shit. Maybe we don't have the same protocols. Maybe some shit got loose. Who knows? Before we continue, do you have any theories, founded or unfounded, in fact, on where this came from? <laughs> founded or unfounded? Uh, I heard a bunch of them. Yeah. I heard um, I heard someone who heard from someone else. They said. <laughs> I heard from someone They uh They said that they believe um, this is a government's attempt to uh regulate population or something like that. The so, Thanos project. But li- yeah. I and, dig it. I'm a big fan. This person had also said that it's also an attempt to get people to 
buy things from stores. Uh, I heard this from someone else. <laughs> Try and bolster the market, huh? And I'm and I'm like, what? I don't know. It sounded really stupid. The stock market's right? going to shit. That's not working. Yeah, very yeah well. no, that's what I was. I'm like, <laughs> if anything, it's, it's making it worse, but. Oh, old yeah. boy Trump sitting in the office going, man, the economy's starting to tank. I got an election coming up. Coronavirus time. <laughs> My Everybody grandma, in there, let's boost the economy. I need some numbers. My grandma called me last night and she's talking to me, you know, about Super Tuesday and all the stuff. And she said, she's like, I really think that like coronavirus might beat him, you know? And so I, at first I thought she was saying like she thought that the president was going to catch the coronavirus. Oh, yeah. And so I was like, oh, grandma. And she said, I'm serious. She said, I think that like, so if the stock market continues to do what it's doing, and if this is not handled correctly, like mm-hmm. this could seriously compromise Donald Trump's position where he was at before to like really be in a good spot to maybe win, you know, in the next election. Like mm-hmm. if this is not handled correctly, this could have serious consequences as far as him being elected the next time around, you know. Right. And which you know it may or may not be a good thing. It's, I mean, you know. yeah, it's it's a you know that's twenty twenty talking. But I thought that that was interesting. You know that she said that, and I don't think that that's totally incorrect. You know, if if the effort of containment that's happening right now completely is lost, if it's mm-hmm. and that's there's a lot of people who say that containment is is a waste of time anyway. But the it, two weeks, bro, it, a two week incubation right. period before any symptoms start. Showing, I'm telling you right now, we all fucking got it if we don't have it already. Yeah. I mean, we're all going to get it if we don't have it already. And whether or not it manifests in an actual physical ailment, I I don't know if that's really going to be the case or not. You might just, you know, you get a little sniffle for a little while and you feel like shit for a few days and then your body fights it off and you're good. But you're never going to know that you truly have it unless they're fucking... I mean, the rate we're going, who knows? There might be lines at every major store to be able to test it before you get in, or who, who yeah. the fuck knows? Yeah. But I'm thinking with a two week incubation period, if we're seeing the numbers we're seeing now, you know, those things are drastically higher. Yeah. In reality. But I think whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, time will tell. But. Um, so sorry, let me finish. I can just have three more points on the timeline and, Go ahead. and then we'll just oh, yeah. keep doing what we're doing. So, I'm gonna um, yeah, yeah. So after the, after China reported this cluster of pneumonia on the 7th of January, the virus, uh, COVID-19 was confirmed in this cluster of Chinese pneumonia people, you know, <laughs> coughing up lungs and shit. Um, on the 19th of January was the first case in America of someone having the coronavirus and it was a 35 year old guy in Snohomish County um, who had been traveling to Wuhan and then came back and had like heard about the virus while he was over there but wasn't feeling sick until he got back and so after he was feeling sick for a couple of days he went to the doctor and was like hey I heard about this shit while I was over there and I think I might be having this and so I was reading actually um an article posted in like the New England Journal of Medicine or something. It's like an actual like journalistic piece that was going over this guy's particular case. And he was in the hospital for like a week or something like that. And at the end, it started to look like pneumonia, but then they were able to fuck it and turn it around and fix it. But it's neither here nor there. Um, but then after that, the 29th of February was the first U.S. death that was reported, which was someone in that facility in Kirkland um, was the first person in the United States to die. And that facility in Kirkland, as you know, and everyone else in Washington knows, has been just the fucking epicenter 
for coronavirus in the United States. There's like, I think the number is 14 people that have died now. And there's over 300 confirmed cases in the United States of people with coronavirus. It's like almost a hundred in Washington itself, like 89 or something like that. I think, um, California is starting to get a bunch of new cases. New York has a bunch of cases. Florida, Maryland, it's just, it's starting to pop up everywhere. Yeah. They're getting more and more. And there's actually, I heard today when I was watching the president of the CDC, everyone on that cruise ship has coronavirus pretty much. Yes. And so they're trying to decide whether they're just going to leave everyone on there and like try and solve it there or bring everyone onto land and try and solve it here. And, um, <laughs> the president being a stupid fucking asshole was like, oh, I don't really know that I want them here because I don't know that I really need the numbers to double just because a bunch of people came off of a cruise ship and now all of a sudden we have twice as many cases of corona. Mm-hmm. Bitch, they're off of California. They're here anyway. It doesn't matter whether or not they're on fucking United States land or they're on a cruise ship owned by an American company. They're fucking here, dog. You don't get to try and fight it. Like, this motherfucker. <laughs> I, I could see what he's thinking about. Like, we don't want to take the risk of them coming ashore, having a failures in quarantine protocol. Yeah, but protocol. in classic Trumpian fashion, he expresses yeah. it as, I don't want my statistics to be fucking off, you know? It's I don't want my RBI to be skewed because I let too many fucking... That's too much. I just can't, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, he was also, like, greatly downplayed the amount of cases that are in America. He said there's, like, 150 when there's over mm-hmm. 300 confirmed cases of the United States coronavirus. And see, and- I would rather him, like... True numbers. Yeah. But try yeah. to downplay the true numbers. And let's be truthful Don't about just it. Lie about but it. let's just let's tamp down what we're hearing from the fucking media, how yeah. this is all end of times. I I wanna go through I gotta double check it, but I'm pretty sure I saw um fucking Emperor Cuomo today, yeah, declare state of emergency for New York State. James so, did that after the first person died here. Yeah. Um and because it's important to, for people to understand. I think we've talked about this with other things before. A state of emergency doesn't mean panic time. What that does from a, a, a state governmental level is ensures that you can receive um, disaster funding and stuff like that from the federal government. So it enables all these new financing avenues to come forth. So that way you can, you can actually be able to have some money to throw around. But it's it just because a state of emergency is declared doesn't mean it's like end of times martial laws right around the corner. And that's where we got this uh, because since then, since these things have happened, there has been eight billion dollars in mm-hmm. federal funding that's been passed down to help fight the coronavirus. And I, I think for, signed into law yesterday, if I remember. For, yeah, yeah. For the life of me, I could not find. Um, anywhere to attribute where the money is coming from, right? Like if, whether or not it's being reallocated from somewhere else into this. And it sounds like they're just pulling $8 million, $8 billion out of their ass and they're using it for this. Well, they and got it. So the next time the Throw budget comes the around, they're like, Hey, don't forget this fucking eight billion that we drew up for the coronavirus. And so. <laughs> Ain't no free lunches, bro. It's got to come yeah, from somewhere. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> like, it's not even being... You're not even taking it from somewhere else. You're just making it up. You're just adding it on to everything else, you know? Well, I think when you live in a, you know, a system where you can have 20-some fucking trillion dollars in debt, what's another $8 billion? Yeah. Fuck it. 
Who cares? It means nothing. <laughs> and yeah. there was the it's only all person, ones and zeros now. The only person who voted no in the Senate voted no because mm-hmm. he wanted the money to be taken out of current government programs and not just be made up mm-hmm. and spent. That's like why he voted no was because he wanted the money to be taken out of the State Department and like two other places instead of just making it up. So like I can at least <laughs> understand that that he's like mm-hmm. let's try and be accountable for this when it comes down to it. Mm-hmm. But he's of getting just, demonized in oh, the media yeah. because. How dare you vote of it, vote against coronavirus fucking funding? This shouldn't be political. This is important. This is about people's health. And it's like, yeah, I know. That's why I'm saying, like, this is garbage. I need it to – I just want to pull it from somewhere. Yeah. Pull it from DOD. I don't give a fuck. I want to use real Who money. Cares? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I want to use – well, at least as real as it is, you know, now. But I do have a quick side note before we move into any more topics. So yes. just give me a heads up whenever we're – Okay. Feeling done with Corona. Okay. Um, so let's see. There we talked about. There was initially problems with testing. People not having mm-hmm. access to enough testing. And there was a weird rumor going around that South Korea was able to test people on the spot. That they could drive around and they were able to test people and instantly be able to tell them. That has since been debunked. Yeah. South Korea is driving around to collect samples hmm. and then driving those samples back to their testing facilities instead of having shit be mailed or anything like that. They have people whose job it is to go and collect samples. And so people are being tested faster because the samples are being collected faster, but they're not testing them on the spot. They're not able to tell you within moments if you have the virus or not. They're just collecting more samples. How would you feel if tomorrow you showed up to work and your boss was like, so, uh, I got a new job for Cough you. Cough into this cup. <laughs> I need for you me. to. I need you to drive around town <laughs> and swab people's mouths who we think might have coronavirus. <laughs> this is on you now, man. Also, Good we're running luck. low on masks. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep it together. I, in that article I read this morning from the Seattle Times, I guess whatever facility it was that said they were running low tried to send out some email where they were like, "Well." We're just only going to have the patients wear masks now. So the providers don't need to wear them, just only the patients. And the, the nurses and stuff were like, you got me fucked up if you think I'm not going to wear yeah, a mask. Yeah. And so they were like, okay, okay, we'll restart. Like, <laughs> let's instead just try and wear one per shift, you know, just wear the same one the entire time. That's and not so right It's either. not not any better. No, but yeah, I know the people who work there were like, you have got me fucked up if you think that I'm not going to wear a mask while I'm fucking Treating people with coronavirus. So, and to bring, just to harken back to our socialism talk earlier. Yeah. With as upset as everybody is with the federal government trying to handle, which, and I think in the broad scheme of things, the federal government is doing okay at trying to do it. Doing a relatively good job. Yeah. You know? But still, like, if you're not satisfied with how this is happening, but you want your government, the government to completely run the entire medical system. How do you feel about that now? Oh, I think the best part is seeing people that are saying the exact opposite. They're saying, don't you think that, you know, universal health care would be really beneficial right now? I'm sorry. Aren't you shitting all over the government for the way that they're handling this? But like I said, you, but you want them to be the ones that's handling everyone being tested, right? Uh, for everything. Doesn't make any fucking sense, dude. No. I know. I'm, I'm, I don't know. Have you seen anything like that? Anybody advocate using this as a platform to advocate for Medicare for all? 
No, not not in that aspect. Yeah. yeah, maybe I'm. I'm. My mom is obviously follow a lot of political reporters and whatnot, mm-hmm. so I'm sure that that's part of. Yeah, there's a lot of people using this as justification for a universal healthcare system that thinking that this type of shit wouldn't happen. Yeah. You know, if the government ran our healthcare, mm-hmm. which I don't know that I necessarily yeah, buy. I'm not sure. <laughs> I do. I mean, because that's the biggest problem that everyone everyone has had as far as testing is that. The only people that could test effectively was the CDC. Mm-hmm. And so it was having to be done through the federal government. And I, if they ran everything, it wouldn't be done any faster. You know, I mean, everyone, the, the samples were being collected locally, passed to the state health department, and then from there passed to the CDC to the federal health department. Mm-hmm. That is exactly how it would happen if the government owned every one of those entities. Like, it wouldn't be done any differently just because they owned every single one of those things. They still have to be collected in person. They still have to be mailed because it's a physical swab, a physical item that you're testing, not data that's being input from this swab. It's Mm -hmm. the actual sample has to be tested, you know? Like, it's not like you can just email the results or, you know, or the sample to the fucking CDC. Like... It has to be sent there. Someone has to take it there. Someone has to handle it physically to test this. And it's weird. My last reading on one of these might have been the, I don't think it was a Seattle Times article, but it might have been a New York Times article that I had pulled up. Um, they had talked about that uh, companies like LabCorp now, who do a ton of medical testing yeah. in the private sector, they're coming online very, very soon to be able to test these things. And so we won't have to be sending them to our government agency test facilities anymore. We'll be running right. it in the private sector. And they would be doing the same thing there that I was talking about in South Korea. Yeah. They're going to be able to travel around and collect samples way mm-hmm. faster to be able to get that shit done. And it'd be much easier for you to go into your local doctor, your regular primary care doctor, and then just like they do with like your lab work, send the blood off. It'll be there that day. And then you'll get test results within, a, you know, 48 hours or some shit. Uh-oh. Wifey's calling me. Uh-oh. BRB boys. She just left, so now I'm worried. Oh. Yeah. All right. Carry well, um, as far as the federal response, right, there are a lot of people who are like, taking shots at the federal government for the way they're handling it. Yeah. Um, there's been a lot of people in an effort – for containment, you know, a lot of companies, Microsoft, Amazon, that are telling people to work from home, you know, and a, like a big pushback that has come from that is like, oh, well, you know, I don't make enough money to stay home from work and, you know, I'm going to be, it's going to compromise my whatever. And I, I have a son and a wife and I'm the only one that works to yeah. provide for the three of us. Yeah, missing some If, days, if yeah. I'm going to get sick, I'm going to stay the fuck home. Yeah. I'm not going to continue to go to work because... I'm not gonna, I'm gonna figure it the fuck out. I'm not gonna risk the health of my family because I wanna make a fucking point about I don't make enough money because of who the president is or the way the government is structured or fucking whatever the fuck, you know? So, in an effort to try and combat that, there's been a lot of people, um, a lot of companies seeking guidance from the government on how they're gonna handle that, you know, Mm -hmm. sick days and stuff like that. And a lot of states, um, there's actually the federal family medical leave act that a lot lot of people are gonna be able to access, but I guess a lot of bigger corporations are also saying that they're not gonna count people's sick days for these times. So people who only get, you know, two weeks of vacation time or whatever year are concerned, they're gonna have to use they're two weeks of vacation. So a lot of bigger companies are saying they're not going to take people's vacation. They're just going to give them the time off, you know, because you can't, if you're going to get, if you're going to die, you know, you can't, (laughs) you can't tell people to keep going to work, you know? Yeah. So there's a lot of, a lot of companies that are 
that are not taking people's sick days. A lot of companies that are selling, setting up ways for people to telecommute so they can work from home and just do shit over webcams, you know, to try and a lot of efforts to try and make it easier for people to work from home because there's been so much pushback about not going to work. Yeah. Um, so a lot of bigger medical companies that are waiving copays for people to go in and be tested and see doctors if they think that they have the virus, Mm -hmm. which is another thing that people were saying, oh, I don't have money. I can't afford to go and get tested. I can't afford to do this. I can't afford to... I I have seen a lot of that. Yeah, and that's all kinds of that shit. That's like... That's all well and good, you know, but again, do you want to die or do you want to like the thing that I think is really interesting and maybe a lot of people just don't know this, you know, but like if you don't have money or you don't have insurance and you go to a hospital, you can in this area, you can apply for what's called charity care. And it's just called that here. Everywhere has it, but it's just called that here. Mm -hmm. If you don't have money you still have a right to medical services so as to not die or not have a horribly fucked up life for the rest of your life. Yeah. So you can go and receive your services. And if you truly, you don't have money, it's based off of income. You just apply for charity care and they will literally wipe your medical debt away. They, they will get rid of it. If you, if you don't have money, if you (laughs) cannot pay them, they don't expect you to pay them. Like that's a real thing. You know, having a baby costs, $60,000. The the actual medical cost, if you go out of pocket and pay for it all, will cost $60,000, right? (laughs) I don't make $60,000 a year. So when our son was born, I paid for what I could in insurance and you're still left, you know, with $30,000 of shit that you have to pay for. I don't have $30,000. So it's, we applied for charity care and the hospital was like, oh, word, you really don't have any money. They run your credit. They look at your pay stubs. They look at your income, how much money you have, what your bills are. And they're like, you're not lying. You actually don't have the money to pay for this. That's you know, a lot of money to pay for it. <laughs> it's fucking insane. To have a baby is an absurd cost. Um, yeah, it's not something that anyone should take lightly. Is everything all right? Yeah, car problems. Ugh. It's still running. Her car? Yeah. She, get, she gets real, real nervous whenever there's a car issue. And I go, she, she knows I'm recording. She won't call me unless it's yeah. something wrong. That's <laughs> uh, that's reasonable. When I, the last like three or four weeks of driving the land before I got the truck, I was nervous every time I started. You know, like it's just, something is going to break. I am sure of it. Like, yeah. I, I am I'm <laughs> certain that something is going to break. Yeah. Mm. Good times. As much as I, we talked about, as much as I didn't love buying a new car, I'm happy to have a yeah. car that I don't have to worry about it breaking, you know? Yeah. Once the, the final sale goes through for the house, that's all we're waiting for right now is for that to happen. So then we can go get another car. I just don't want to fuck anything up financially and be like, throw the debt to income ratio off or some shit, get a new car. But it's yeah. going to be, it's, we're going to be right in your alley. We're just going to be like, all right. Let's go to the dealership because we're picking something up today. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that's exactly how that happens. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so I think that is pretty much as much as I have as far as coronavirus. Actually, actually, before we continue, before, right? Or before we move on to another topic, should be said, everyone just calm the fuck down. Mm-hmm. Just calm the fuck down. Wash your fucking hands. Don't be dirty little motherfuckers, you know, just don't try to touch your face as much. If you're going to eat something, wash your hands first, wash your hands after. Wash your hands if you're out in public, you know, I like, 
just be clean. Like, just don't be dirty, you know? It's like, it's <laughs> good so, hygiene. That's what things so about, simple. Of, about a lot of people is how dirty they are. Yes, <laughs> it's gross, dude. Just be clean. Like, it's shocking to me that anybody even goes to a public restroom and doesn't wash their hands as it is, you know? You don't know what's in there. Bro, <laughs> no, hundreds of people every day putting their hands all over that shit, and you just don't give a fuck? Like, no, I can't. I cannot. I can't, bro. I can't. <laughs> I don't can't. even like, like, even at work, there's only like 45 people that work with me, but still, there are still people that will go to the bathroom and then leave without washing their hands. How, bro? How are you doing that? I don't get it. Like, and then they'll go and eat or something. I don't, I don't understand it. They like the taste of Fumunda cheese. I think it's really oh, gross. So wash your hands. The people, the vast majority of people that are, Dying are people that are old or have compromised immune systems. I learned on the way over here that men are actually more likely to get the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Not by like seven to one or anything, you know, but they're just slightly more likely to get it. There has been very few deaths of anyone under 30 and no deaths under the age of nine. Yeah, right? that's the one that's kind of really confusing right now. Because even with the flu. Yeah, so check this. Toddlers and stuff are very so prone to that. Check this, right? And it's because, from my understanding, there are a series of, I think, nine different known coronaviruses in existence, right? And children just carry around like six of them. They just have them in them. They're things that kids get all the time. And so kids already have this natural immunity to these various different types of coronaviruses that die off as you get older. So they're and like pre-immune. Right. Yeah. They're just set. They're and so, so children, yeah, who get, who are getting it are just getting a cold. They're getting a light cold, a really light flu. You know, they're not getting pneumonia. They're not getting super crazy sick. They're not mm-hmm. dying. But like I said, no one under nine. No one under nine has died, which is fucking weird. Usually yeah. it's old people and infants. Those are the people that are dying all the time. The no flu babies. every year kills a lot of yeah. young young little toddlers and yeah. babies and stuff. No no babies. So, oh yeah, it's the elderly <laughs> and good. then and then people who have more than three pre existing health conditions are more likely to come down with the coronavirus mm-hmm. in a serious way. Yeah. Um, like respiratory re- Respiratory mm-hmm. issues, COPD, yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, exactly. And just people with compromised immune systems. Yeah. yeah. And that's why the the pre-existing conditions are important. Because if you have three pre-existing conditions when you get it, you're pretty compromised just yeah. by virtue of how you're walking around and living your life. And yeah. so – Your whole life uh, is kind of uh, on edge. Your whole life is just, <laughs> it's just a booger bubble. So, booger. Um, <clears throat> Yeah. Oh, oh boy. So I think that that's it. Like I said, just be clean. Just be careful mm-hmm. and just be clean. And f- all the regular shit they tell you, cover your fucking mouth and oh, do don't, don't touch other people. I've had and- to call so many people out lately because lately because they start to cough into their hand in their hand, and then yeah. they're just like, "All right, back to work." I'm like, "Yeah, okay." First of all, dude. Stop what you're fucking doing. First, go wash your hands. <laughs> yes. And when you do that, I'm going to lice all up your entire workstation, bro. I hope you can deal with the sticky keyboard because <laughs> that's fucked up. You did this to yourself, all right? <laughs> if anything, maybe you'll learn a lesson. Um, so there was one little tidbit of information that I saw come across the wire yesterday. I wanted to throw at you before we moved on to like 2020 stuff. Um, you hear Mick Mulvaney is uh, not long for the White House anymore. Already gone, bro. He's gone now. Yeah. And yeah, he's going to be the envoy to North Ireland. And Mark Meadows 
He's Mark the new Meadow. chief of staff. Where is that coming from? What? Mark we- Meadows loves to S the president's D. That's where that comes from. He is his number one. His number D-S-er. one guy. Yeah. He's always. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw that come across. I was like, what the. Why you do. I mean, you got to have balls to think that like. All right, well, I'm going to bring in a new chief of staff now because I know I'm going to be in for another four years anyways. I'm going to need this guy. It's like either that or this dude, he's got less than – well, I guess he's got like a year basically, a little less than a year. That he, he was never be. even confirmed. He was just the acting exactly. secretary of staff like, or acting chief of staff. And so I'm a little confused about this because Mark Meadows, is he not in Congress anymore? Yes, he's actively serving in Congress. So, so his congressional so, seat is vacant. So there's going to have to be a special election, election. I would imagine, to fill his seat for mm-hmm. the next what? It's March. Yeah. So, so like fucking, basically a yearish. Yeah. I at the most, I mean, elections are in November. Mm-hmm. And so then you, you could write it out <laughs> through the transition or whatever, but yeah. still, what what are you doing? You guys, he must know. He thinks he knows something that nobody else does. Yeah. He thinks so, he's got a job for the next five years. Right. As opposed to the next eight months. Mm-hmm. That's fucking weird. But speaking of elections. Yeah, so Denzel, um, do you have an opportunity to watch some of the 2020 debate that I sent you? That's all right. <laughs> so, no, do no. You, let me ask you this before we start this. this the last couple have, have been fucking um, fights. Do you have any issues politically that are like really important to you like something second amendment for example like for me the second amendment is big and so as far as the democratic primary went i couldn't bring myself to vote for anyone who was willing to try and bring forward an assault weapons ban or forced buybacks or anything like that i'm not willing to consider it so is there anything like that for you that's like a big issue that is kind of like your cornerstone issue politically no man I've just, no i i feel immature but I'm not into politics. Like I, that's it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. Like I, I'll see what comes across or whatever. I'll see, which I mean, even some of that stuff. That's not always great information that's being put out there and, and and how they put it out there. But I don't, I don't really take the time to like. I watch, I watch some of it, but uh, it just, uh, it was just a bunch of grown people arguing, and I was like, I don't yep. really like. Yeah. And, and then every opportunity to. Uh, to knock someone else down. I was like, yeah, this is... That one in particular, yeah, this last debate in particular was like super, super ferocious. And it was because oh, yeah. it was the last debate before Super Tuesday. And so everyone was trying to just take any swings that they could to try and get some more bolstering. Yep. So Super Tuesday was... Interesting. Last Tuesday. <laughs> and Super Tuesday is a day in which 14 states hold their primaries and caucuses, right? And so here's everyone's civics lessons for the day, right? The primary process, we've talked about this before, the primary process and the caucus process is how each party decides who their candidate is going to be for the general election, right? So the Republican primaries are happening right now also, but the president is is going to be who the Republican candidate mm-hmm. is because it's all but unheard of for someone to actually primary the president and run against them and take the nomination. I don't think yeah. that that's ever happened before. Because, yeah, because basically what it is, the, the party that's in power at the time generally is the the one that has you know the White House as well. And so they have their guy in. They don't want to risk anybody coming in to upturn the apple cart. And so they're going to stick with their guy. He's already in. He's, yeah. you know, the 
the statistics on a sitting president getting reelected are way better than a new guy trying to come in. And so at this point, yeah, the it's important also to understand that the two parties run their primary processes very, very different. Yes. Republican primary process, uh, we mentioned it, I think, in the pre-show. But, we talked about it a little bit. Yeah. yeah, but the Democratic Party has a different way of doing it. Republicans are much simpler. If you are a Republican running in a Republican primary, so you're trying to compete to be the Republican nominee for president, um, if you win a state, if you win a a plurality or majority of the vote. If you win 51% of the vote, you get all the delegates from that state assigned to you. It's a winner take all system in the Republican party and the democratic side. If you break a 15% percent threshold, you get a percentage, you get delegates after that 15% threshold based off of the, the districts and stuff that you had gotten. So you could win 16% in one district and 14% in another district not meet that threshold, but still be able to get a delegate from that district. And so it's a cumulative effort. Um, so that way, looking at what's happened up until Super Tuesday, the delegates were kind of evenly distributed between like three people, more or less. And so everybody starts to collect their delegates, collect their delegates. And at the end of the day, after all the primaries done, we have this big democratic national convention where they they pool all the delegates together the people who have the most kind of all the delegates get behind them and then that's their nominee going forward against the actual presidential election um and every state has a different number of delegates that they're worth depending on the population uh and so these are the results from super tuesday and so it shows you up top how many delegates each state has Give me some and, numbers real and quick. These are yeah the the voting percentages for how they turned out right. So Bernie Sanders he's the senator from Vermont and so he won Vermont by fifty percent. Um, and so <clears throat> when he's talking about the fifteen percent for the delegates, right? You have to receive fifteen percent in a state mm-hmm. to be awarded those delegates. Mm-hmm. But that's also kind of a wishy washy number because. If you didn't win 15% in this state, so Mike, Mike Bloomberg only won 9.4% in Vermont, so he... He doesn't get any delegates. But yes, if, if this is Virginia, right, and all these little bubbles are different districts, mm-hmm. if he won 15% in this district, then even though he didn't get 15% in Virginia, he'll still get one delegate from that district because he got 15% in the one district, which is weird because it seems like it's contradictory that if you don't get 15 in the state, you're not supposed to get anyone unless, Uh you know, there's so, so even though Tulsi Gabbard, right, she, she's got one less than 1% in like all these different states. She still ended up with like a handful of delegates because in some of those different counties, she got got 15%. Uh Yeah. So I think American Samoa, um, she got one. Along with... There's no delegates for American Samoa. Oh, um, I no, no delegates for American Samoa. Um, so, so Bernie Sanders won Vermont. Biden took Virginia, North Carolina, Alabama, Maine, Massachusetts, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Arkansas. Bernie Sanders took Colorado. And then Biden took Minnesota and Texas. And Bernie Sanders then won Utah and California. California has 415 delegates. They get a lot. Right? Um, and so once all of the voting is done, the delegates are dispersed in the Democratic side. They're dispersed based on the percentage of the vote that you received. 
So you will receive a proportionate amount of the delegates based on this boat. And the heftier win you have against your opponent, the more delegates you'll get. Because it's based on your share of the percentage. Super fucking complicated. And that's why so many people prefer the Republican side. Because if you win... A sh- uh, the majority of the of this vote, you get all the delegates for that stake. Fuck the fifteen percent. Fuck any of this other nonsense. You get the most. You get it all. Yeah. And that's so. The Republican primaries <clears throat> are way fucking simpler than than the Democratic ones. And that's why so many people, even in the Democratic Party, take issue with the way that this is done. Is because it just mm-hmm. doesn't really make any fucking sense. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. And the caucuses. That's even worse. Is, a, is even worse. It's a physical process where if we're going to go to the caucus, we will go and show up to the caucus building in our district, which is like the town hall or maybe even just a fucking theater or something. Mm-hmm. And there will be different groups of people standing in different parts of this ballroom. And we will go and stand with the people that we're putting our vote towards and we'll be counted. And you have to reach that 15%. And then whoever does it, they have their it's called a uh their reshuffle they're inviable they're not a viable candidate they've not reached viability and so they go to a second round and everyone who hasn't reached 15 percent, all of their supporters go to another group of someone who has reached 15 percent. and so there's the two rounds and then whoever has the most physical people standing in different rooms in the state gets votes based on those percentages mm-hmm. fucking stupid and, and yeah. there was so much problem this year in the iowa caucus because <laughs> they like put out a new app that everyone was supposed to use but the yeah. app didn't work and no one could report it and so there's just flooded telephone lines and no one could get results for the caucus so and like two iowa, days had gone by and no yeah. one knew who won and Iowa is the very first state yeah. to be yeah. to in line throughout this entire you know, primary process. And so everybody was watching it with, you know, just staring at this thing. Everybody's super involved. They were just waiting for numbers to come in. And they're watching fucking 22-year-old yeah. volunteers flipping coins to see who gets fucking – it is madness. Really it's bad. utter madness. Really, I have really a bad. feeling this will be the last caucusing – that Iowa will do at least, at least Iowa. And so the way that it's worked out from Super Tuesday is that Joe Biden has 664 delegates. Bernie Sanders has 573 and Elizabeth Warren has 64. She dropped out of the race earlier this week. So come convention time in June, mm-hmm. which is when the party actually picks their candidate, her delegates will be given to, I believe, whoever she chooses. Yeah. Um, she gets to pick who her delegates go to and then she just gives them to yeah. them. So they'll likely go to Bernie Sanders because they line up closer ideologically. Mm-hmm. That's why, like, Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg, as soon as they suspended their campaigns, they endorsed Joe Biden. So they're saying that, hey, all these delegates that we've collected over this time, because they've Which both won like big in some... I mean, they've both yeah. won relatively okay. I think Mayor states. Pete had, like, 15 delegates, and then yeah. I think Amy Klobuchar had, like, seven or eight. She yeah, she picked two. a lot up during New Hampshire, I think. Yeah. That was a big yeah. one for her. But, yeah, they're, all those delegates are going to go to Joe Biden when it comes time for convention time. Yeah. Um and you know it was it was a really interesting race. You ever have you ever heard of the five thirty eight people? That's oh, a great that's a great sound on mic, yeah. by the way. Oh, you're good, bro. I could listen to this at like night to try to go to bed. I love that. <laughs> just pouring water. Yeah, I love. It. I might piss the bed, but whatever. At least I'll sleep good. Yeah, have you ever uh, heard of five thirty eight? They're a media source um, mm-hmm. affiliated with ABC, and now, they're 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're very, very focused on like polling numbers and, mm-hmm. um, they uh, have like this thing polling they call models. The model. and, yeah, yeah, the model. Yeah. So they have a computer program that they plug in all these different numbers into voting percentages and projected mm-hmm. voting percentages that will spit out, you know, run all the different numbers as many times as it can and then spits out a likelihood that one candidate will yeah. win the presidential race. And they do the same thing with like sports and shit too. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll show you betting odds on sports and shit like that. 538 is pretty cool. They're a bunch of nerd or number crunching nerds. Yeah. And yeah. that's w- really what they do. But the people who host the podcast is, uh, <laughs> Nate Silver, Galen Druk, yep. Nate Silver, Micah Cohn, yep. and, uh, Miss Lady. Claire, um... Claire McCaskill? No. No, no, that's not it. <laughs> what the fuck is her name? I don't know. I it hear doesn't it matter. Week. Anyway. Yeah. Bunch of nerdy, nerdy white fuckers that are sitting in a room yes. crunching numbers. And, sounds fun. And it's, oh, yeah. It's, it's interesting if you're trying to get an idea of, like, where you think the race is going to go. Mm-hmm. But if you're not, like, interested in politics, you're like, this is the most <laughs> boring fucking thing I've ever heard. But... Because um, their, their modeling is probably the best in the game. Yeah. And yeah. it has... Just the more and more data that we can collect now in the information age, it's even improving their model more and more. Uh, Denzel, I'm going to show you a picture of the the guy that created this model, and you're going to go, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, I hadn't so- seen Nate Silver in person since – or up until like – there was like two debates ago he was on talking about it. And I was like, oh, that's what you look like? That totally makes sense. Yeah. He's um, just this fucking goofy, disheveled-looking – that's him. Uh, yep. That's him. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. He, he, yeah, he did. He's a numbers guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so as far as the Democratic field says now, because like I said, Super Tuesday was last week. Um, and then a bunch of people dropped out after that. Um, Elizabeth Warren dropped out. Michael Bloomberg dropped out. Uh, Amy Klobuchar dropped out. Mayor Pete. And so the only three active candidates in the Democratic Party, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Tulsi Gabbard. Right, and Tulsi Gabbard's got no chance in hell. The highest percentage that she got in any of these states was one point seven percent, and that was in Oklahoma. Um, And so she received some delegates, like a small handful Mm -hmm. of delegates, um, just based off of her polling percentage in those. She has two delegates, so. Yikes. She's really in line. Um, Elizabeth Warren had 64. Mike Bloomberg had 61. Mayor Pete had 26. And Amy Klobuchar had seven. Damn, I said seven. Seven? That's good. Yeah, she had seven. Um, and so those, like I said, will all be redistributed to these other candidates come come convention time. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually kind of excited for the next debate, not because of the people who are going to be in it, but because there's only going to be two people on stage. And so it won't be so many people fucking bitching and yelling and like yeah. doing all the whatever, mm-hmm. but Tulsi's trying hard right now Yeah, to get in. She had tweeted something, I think last night or the night before or something that was basically asking Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden to be like, Hey, can you help me change the rules of the DNC so that I can actually get in on this next debate with you guys? And I don't think anybody's going to help her out because she's not pulling barely 1%, maybe, if right. that. 
if not a percentage of, but well, and I feel like if they're to do that, then all the people who've just suspended their campaigns mm-hmm. are going to like, kick back up, yeah, and try and go back to the debate. But um, so I have some notes that I wrote down here from the last debate, and we can kind of go mm-hmm. over these, and then you know, obviously the next time there's a debate, we'll talk about it. I mean, the first thing that I, I guess, we'll just kind of try and talk about Bernie and Biden, since they'll be the only ones yeah. that are in the next one. But I will first- say real quick before we go, the after Super Tuesday, the five thirty eight, yeah. Um, Polling odds at this point shifted drastically to the point now where they've got Biden at 88%. They've got a contested convention at only 9% now. Bernie at 2%. Tulsi at zero. Whereas the day of Super Tuesday, the vast majority, I don't want to say vast, it was like a 35 percentile, was to a contested convention where nobody had a plurality of the majority of yeah votes. and so that's like what he's now saying the contested changed. convention is where no one has enough to be just counted the candidate mm-hmm. um and so there is like reshuffling and you know people go around and shake hands and kiss babies and just try and convince mm-hmm. people to change their delegate vote um and the- you think about it right if if three people come into the convention right everybody's about 33 percent ish but somebody out there's got like 35 the party doesn't want to necessarily just give their nomination to the person with 35 because there's still 66% of the population that didn't vote for them. So it's, so then they, they do that shuffling around and yeah. they try to make deals and shit to see who gets, whose delegates can go where. And then at well, the end of the convention, there's one person. And the big problem that comes at the convention is that. In regards to the electoral college, there are things that are called super delegates. Yeah. And super delegates are people who were once elected officials or are currently elected officials in those particular states mm-hmm. who are not beholden to the voters. They can place their delegate vote however they want. Mm-hmm. Whereas normally anyone can be a delegate. You just have to run and be, and just be selected by the people of that district to be a delegate. So you could be a delegate. But the difference is, however we in your district vote, that's how you have to place your delegate vote. Mm-hmm. But a superdelegate, Derek Kilmer, who's our current representative, Jay Inslee, who's the governor, Patty Murray, um, Maria Cantwell, those are the, both the senators. They're all superdelegates. So if it comes to the point where we are at a contested convention and, you know, there needs to be votes reshuffled for someone to get picked, they can just change their mind. And even if mm-hmm. our whole entire state has voted for Joe Biden, but Bernie Sanders needs a little bit more, they can be like, oh, we're just going to vote for, for Bernie Sanders instead. They mm-hmm. can just change their vote. Even though, even if 90% or 100% of the state voted for Joe Biden, they can still change their mind and do whatever they want. Seems fair, huge, right? Huge fucking problem. Yeah, yeah. It's totally fair. I don't like that at all. Huge yeah. fucking problem. And so many people who have issues with the electoral college, especially youth, right? Huge youth push against the electoral college because they generally don't feel like their vote counts. I, I feel like that's that's a little. It's, it is for reasons of the super delegates that mm-hmm. that happens. It is not because of the system itself. It's because of the way that it has been tweaked and fucked to be used by people who have more money than everyone else. Yep. Uh-huh. So the problem that people have with the electoral college, whether they know it or not, is not the system itself, right? Because at its core, like I said, you choose who your delegate is. You you get to choose whether or not you take part in that process. It's completely up to you, and people rarely do because they just don't give a shit. You know, people don't uh-huh. vote for local initiatives. They don't vote for their comptroller or their local representative because they don't give a shit. Yeah. But those are the things that impact your life more than anything else. Because if you have a delegate that you can't trust, 
then what the fuck does your vote mean? You're choosing this person to represent you directly. And if you can't trust them, then you, what's the fucking point? Yeah. You know? So if you're not choosing who your delegate is, then you have just some random person from your community that can do kind of what they want because you're not going to vote anyway, you know? And, and I think now is a perfect time to say that our, uh, the Washington state primary takes place on March the 10th, Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. So the day after you're hearing this, make sure to get out there and this is, vote. this Tuesday is what's called big Tuesday. Yeah. Super Tuesday. And then big Tuesday There's and big Tuesday. Yeah. Is seven states. Did you, I don't take this as pressure in any way. Did you take part in our primary this year? Did you vote? In the primary? I didn't. Okay, that's fine. Are you registered to vote in the primary? Are you registered to vote in general? Because a lot of people don't know this. Once you register to vote, which you can do online, you're then registered for your state and federal elections. Mm -hmm. And in Washington, we are one of the three, four states now, I think, that allow people to vote by mail for every single election, whether it is local or federal. Mm -hmm. Super uncommon. So we are very lucky to live in a state where all you got to do is sign up and they'll send you your ballot every year and a voter's pamphlet. And so you can just read through the things and learn about it and then vote. Mm -hmm. Are you registered to vote? It's okay if you're not. I am. (laughs) Yeah. So a lot of people who don't take part in the primary, it's especially if you don't know how it works, it doesn't really make any sense. What's the fucking point? You know? So, so I don't really blame anyone for not taking part in the primary. I of course tell people that they should, because like I said, I personally feel that local elections affect you way more than anything you're going to vote for federally. Um, But you know, um, I ask you because I turned my ballot in last week and on the ballot there for the primary, there is about 15 fucking candidates that Mm -hmm. are on there because when they were sent out and printed like three months ago, there was a shitload of people in the Democratic field. My boy Uh, Andrew Yang was still on there. Yeah, yeah. So there's a whole bunch of people that you can still vote for even though it won't matter because that's like still who's on our ballot yeah um, i ended up voting for tulsi gabbard because um because she's a silver fox uh tulsi gabbard <laughs> is super pretty i don't know if you know what she looks like um oh but, we can yeah. we can yep we will find <laughs> she's got an tulsi amazing gabbard. instagram feed. um she she likes to post like videos and stuff like herself working out and shit like that mm-hmm. so, um, which is good because she's you know she's still part of the national guard she's got to stay in shape and you know, it's a good. I think it's good. I don't fucking work out, so I'm a super hypocrite. But it's nice to see like our elected officials out there, just you know, trying to stay in shape and stay healthy, and yeah, yeah. you know, put out good vibes. And and it she doesn't help that she's highly attractive in the first place. But she's also in this uh, legal battle right now with the Clinton Foundation, uh, among other people. Like I think Google too. She's in. Uh, she's got a lawsuit against Google as well. So she's kind of fighting the system while she's staying in the race. Yeah, because, because. Uh, Hillary Clinton said that called her a Russian asset. Um, mm-hmm. Called Tulsi Gabbard a Russian asset, um, implying obviously that she was purchased by the Russian government and was running in their favor, which is not true. So she's suing the Clinton Foundation, among yes, other people for the Clinton Foundation is for defamation for yeah. trying to tarnish her public image, and the Google lawsuit has to do with them refusing to accept her ad payments and like like trying to push down her ad revenue so that people weren't seeing her ads which mm-hmm. is super fucked up and yeah, um, they did a thing during one of the earlier debates where they were like testing it and they told everybody you know do this or whatever and yeah they, they could show the google search numbers for tulsi gabbard were through the fucking roof 
but like the hits on all her ads and stuff after that were like massively suppressed. And mm-hmm. so like the numbers didn't add up. So she's suing them over that. Do Which, you, do you know anything about the candidates that are currently running about Joe Biden or, or Bernie Sanders? Surface level stuff. Just surface yeah. stuff. You know, yeah. Joe Biden, because he has 100% name recognition from being the vice president beforehand. Probably. I yes. would assume. Yeah. yeah. He's just, and that's, that's the one thing about Joe Biden that everybody can say is that one of his biggest assets, if you will, going forth this election, because he's been very, very hands off in a lot of like what we call the ground game and having teams out in all these different states trying to get people to vote for you and all this stuff. He's, he had one field office in California. That's it. One building in all of California that was yeah. running his campaign. But he's still pulling <clears throat> down massive numbers because people know who he is. Yeah. So, you know, what his policy positions are at this point, they're definitely not necessarily as radical as Bernie Sanders's are. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a lot of the same type of stuff. I'm trying to think of anything in particular that knew that he's adopted. Well, let's run through some of these notes that I have for the debate, right? Let's so the first thing that I have written down for Biden is that he was talking about, and he's talked about it before, that under a Joe Biden presidency, um, he would allow families and individuals to go after gun manufacturers to yes. sue them for wrongful death, right? And so... Which does make sense. So what that means, right, is that if I fucking... If I shot you, right, then your parents can go and sue Glock for a wrongful death because I used a Glock to shoot you. Mm-hmm. So Glock is at risk of having to pay out for what, probably a million dollars at least in your wrongful death lawsuit because I chose to use a Glock instead of a Smith and Wesson or a Colt or a whatever. Mm-hmm. I chose a Glock to shoot you with. And so Glock is now liable for now, my choice in yeah. firearm. Now carry that precedent over to like, the car manufacturers. A saw, a hammer, husky mm-hmm. hammers. People are killed with hammers all the time. And that's <laughs> might sound stupid that people are like, oh, you can use a hammer. Like people kill people with hammers all the time. It happens all the time. Husky doesn't get sued because someone uses a framing hammer to bash someone's fucking head in. Yeah. <laughs> because it doesn't make any fucking yeah, sense. No, you can you can use any number of tools in a really fucked up way. I mean, technically, know? this bottle's unbreakable. I can smash somebody's skull with this. Maybe. Yeah. No one's going to sue Nalgene afterwards because he used a fucking water bottle to kill someone, you know? You might try. <laughs> so, right, right, yeah, no, I guess you're right. Um, so, it might so, be good advertisement. While I obviously don't support or, or promote anyone being shot or killed using a firearm, you know, to go after the manufacturer's of a tool because of the way that someone chose to use it, yeah, I think is nonsensical. Doesn't seem fair either. Um, yeah. And after Super Tuesday, after this debate, after Super Tuesday, um, Joe Biden gets endorsed by Amy Klobuchar, by Mayor Pete, and then Beto O'Rourke, um, who was someone who tried to run for. Yeah. He tried to run for a while. Yeah. He tried to run for president. He also tried to run for Senate in texas and lost um and what he was a representative right and it then was a state rep a state yeah. rep right yeah. that's what it was at okay. the state house so he's never held a federal office before mm-hmm. um and he ran largely on a gun platform because he's from the same area when the shooting happened in el paso at that walmart um he lives in that district and so he like reinvigorated his campaign and ran like pretty much solely on gun violence and you know he was the one there was clips of him going around hell yes we are going to take your ak-47s and your ar-15s and we are going to do this and we are we're going to go door to door and we're going to have buybacks 
obviously was not a very popular message. So he had to drop out of the race pretty quickly. So Joe Biden, after Beto O'Rourke endorses him, he's standing on stage with him. And they're fucking arm in arm. And he says, and I'm going to put you in charge of the guns. <laughs> and everyone collectively in the world is like, oh, what? what? Because that's why he's not running for president anymore is because we didn't like what the fuck he was saying about taking people's guns away. Yeah. So not only does Joe Biden intend on allowing people to sue gun manufacturers for wrongful death he also intends on putting someone in place to handle gun violence who has stated his intent is to ban semi-automatic weapons from and, the united states yep, and take them all back so that's a thing so that's new um and very concerning very very concerning um not something i'm in favor of nope. um that's a hard no vote. He, yeah, yeah. And and he tried to, during this debate, Joe Biden tried to take shots at Bernie Sanders for voting against a bill that would allow people to sue gun manufacturers, which I think is, is a good vote, you know, against that bill. I don't think that that's necessarily a good thing. Um, there were a lot of people that talked about getting rid of the filibuster. Do you know what a filibuster is? Um, I I'm sure you've heard the term before. I've heard but, the term. Um, and so filibuster is when a bill is introduced on the floor of the House or the Senate, there is X amount of time that it needs to be debated for um, before it can be voted on. And so if there is not like kind of an agreement reached by the end of this debate time, you know, you can just kind of continue to go and go and go and eventually it will die on the floor because you haven't voted in time. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that's what a filibuster is, is you just, just refuse to quit yeah, talking. You stand up there and you talk on. and talk and talk and talk and talk. And the one of the more recent ones was, uh, I don't remember what it was even for, but Nancy Pelosi talked for like 11 hours or some yeah. such shit on the floor. Yeah. Just went and went and went and yep. went. No piss breaks, no nothing. It's very Eleven hours straight. It is Especially right, especially for somebody so, her size and age. Super tiny lady, yeah. Wild. Um, and so there's for eleven hours to pontificate on everything and anything. There's a couple of candidates, Mayor Pete, Elizabeth Warren, and Amy Klobuchar, that were running on a partial platform of getting rid of the filibuster, right? And there's been a couple of aspects of the government in which the filibuster has been exiled already, right? Mm. Um, but some of them, like, it just... What are the only ones that are left? It really just has to do with... I think right now the only place that it's really, really a problematic area is the the judicial nominees. Yeah. And, they're like, that's still allowed... You're still allowed to filibuster in that. Yeah. And so and when that's you- the big concern is because if, you know, President Trump and the Republicans have already put put up two different Supreme Court justices and the idea that, you know, for you remember Brett Kavanaugh? When he was nominated, he was like, there was all these rumors coming out about how he, he was he ran a fucking train on some, some alleged that he gang raped and, a woman that he was in school with, right? And so there was like yeah. congressional hearings about it. And then after there was no physical evidence that could be provided, partially because the claims were like years. 30 years ago. Oh, um, and yeah. so after he was confirmed because there was no physical evidence, like six months later, the woman who testified, whoa, Christina Blasey Ford, she had two women that she said could corroborate her story with Brett Kavanaugh. And like six months after this, those two women were like, I don't remember that happening at all. 
So her whole deal was like just completely fucking destroyed by these two women who she said could definitely corroborate her story. And they're like, that never happened. And so there was a time in which a man was almost deprived of a seat in the Supreme Court that he seemed to kind of be justified in sitting in because of a claim that someone made that could not be validated at all, right? Yeah. And that went on which, for a long time. And we we talked about it for months, <laughs> which it really fucked me up because at that time, I didn't support the claim that that woman was making, but was like so torn because I was like, I don't understand though why someone would say this if it wasn't true. You know, and so I was seriously on the tilt of like, fuck him, because I don't know why she would say this if it isn't true, you know, fucking fool me once. Right. Because it turns out she's fucking lying. Like she's not telling the truth. And I'm sitting here trying to really be as objective as possible by virtue of what we're doing here. I'm trying to be as objective as possible. Hashtag believe all women, bro. Still, like, I don't. Why would she say this if it isn't true? You know? I was like, no, nah, fuck him. No, nah, man, I can't get out on that. And now. And so that's the yeah. worry about the filibuster. They want to get rid of that so mm-hmm. that, you know, at the end of the day, one party can't just push in a nominee into the judicial system just because somebody gets up there and starts talking over and over and over again. And, right, what comes with that is when someone is filibustering, it takes a vote of. 60 members in the Senate to stop that and push a vote. Mm-hmm. Really hard to do if there's 51 Republicans and 49 Democrats. Really hard to get nine people to come over to your side so that you can continue. Yeah. And so the idea behind it is if you get rid of the filibuster, you only need a 51 majority. And so you can just jam shit right through and you don't have to, don't have to worry about what anybody else thinks on the other side. You can just do what you want. Mm-hmm. Which is like, you know, if, if that's what your goal is, then that's good. But it's not good for what's best for the American people because if the filibuster was gone, whether or not you agree with who Brett Kavanaugh is as a person, he would have been deprived of the seat in the Supreme Court because of what seems to be a lie from someone who wanted to stop him from holding the seat, you know? And to date, we would probably have an empty seat. On yeah. The court. Yeah. I would imagine that. Yeah. We and would I mean, still you can look someone. back for like the insider people like me and you that, that saw like, during the the last few year, the last year of the Obama administration, they were trying to get Merrick Garland put in. Yeah, to one of the positions that was open at the time, but due to Mitch McConnell being in charge of the Senate, he was able to kind of just say, "No, we're not going to do that." And so they <sighs> Democrats feel screwed that they didn't get a pick, and Trump got two picks, and now if he's going to be on there for another four years, the Republicans might be in power for another four years. And we're looking at the age of some of those people on the Supreme Court, and they're going, oh, we're going to lose our majority. We're going to lose our majority, in their words, on the Supreme Court. Because some, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg may not last another four years or something like that. And then there'll be another conservative judge put in place. And now our entire judicial system is going to be totally fucked. And, you know, abortions are going to become illegal and doctors are going to get the fuck death sentence. And, there's a lot of hyperbole put out there and extreme hyperbole. Yeah. That people use just in reference to whoever is sitting on the court at the time. But thankfully I don't think Joe Biden is an advocate for getting rid of the filibuster. I don't think so. Um, he, the only people that I have written down are Pete Warren and Klobuchar. So I'd imagine that if he was, then I would have, and thank God none of them are running anymore. Yeah. Um, Bernie Sanders as well called for an assault weapons ban. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, it doesn't seem like 
at least as far as the Democratic Party is going right now, that's something that you can really get away from, you know? Um, yeah. At least as far as, like, having that in their policy. Um, the next thing I have written down here is that during that debate, Bernie Sanders took a lot of heat for things that he had said in regard to socialistic and communistic regimes in the past, um, especially or specifically being asked about like Fidel Castro and like what happened in Cuba. And when asked about that, he was talking about some positive aspects of the Castro regime, specifically um, the literacy programs that they had in place, making sure that I think they had like a hundred percent literacy rate at one point in time, you know, Mm -hmm. everyone on the Island of Cuba could read and write um, and things like that. And so he took a lot of heat for that, for identifying positive aspects of what is widely regarded as a horrible, horrible period in Cuban time, you know, where people are being murdered and they're literally leaving on fucking car doors and shit to try and flow to America to have a better life. So he took a lot of shit for that. Um, and <clears throat> so I wanted to ask you both um, if you felt that there was any merit in identifying positive aspects of horrible regimes, right? Of horrible past presidencies, dictators, I mean, you know, groups of people, any, 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 whatever. Do you think that there is merit in identifying those things, not in an effort to paint over, you know, the terrible things that happened there, but to identify any type of positive positivity from that? Um, I mean, it sounds weird to point out something positive from something so negative, but right. Sometimes it is what it is, and if all right, yeah. say this whole situation was crappy, but in this situation, the whole thing I'm not I'm not I'm not getting rid of what the whole thing was, but right. If we go to this small, you know, I mean, you zoom in, yep, you know, I mean, as close as you can. It's it's weird bringing something positive from such a negative uh, situation, but right, yeah, I mean, it just sounds weird. I'm I'm kind of right there with you. I mean it. It's important to, like, if Bernie Sanders is so obsessed with this literacy program they had during, you know, in Cuba during the Castro regime. Okay. Well, let's, let's look at it. Now let's look at the full breadth of the context to how it was working, for what reasons, who did it really help? You know, a literacy program in the United States is not basically going to help anybody. Yeah. It's, it's, we have a literacy program now. It's called primary school. That's public school, what it is, yeah. You know, and not everybody makes it through, but that's because our public school system is kind of fucked. But that doesn't mean that you can't look at things from past regimes or administrations or anything to try to find if something was working. Yeah. If something was working, you can pull it out of that system and make it your own. I don't see what the problem is. The big problem is, is that it sounds really shitty to say on a debate stage mm-hmm. without a, a time and a place to sit down and have the proper context and the proper conversation about those things. All that gets lost is like, well, he's fucking supporting, you know, he supports education programs from the Cuba regime. This fucking right. little communist loves this guy. And, and once he started to take heed for that, he tried to kind of clarify and use America as an example, right? Uh-huh. And saying, like, <laughs> when he started talking about the literacy program, people booed him. He kept, like, literal yeah. audible boos, and he stopped, and he said, oh, really? Really, right? And so then he started talking about America, and he said, I'm just saying that I think it might be helpful 
to identify, you know, when you're talking about regimes being over, tipped over in other countries and militaristic overthrows and coup d'etats, it might be useful to take a look at the way that America has influenced other countries as far as toppling regimes to put people in place that we think would be better suited, you know? Mm-hmm. Caught even more shit for that, for trying to use America's undeniable black backdoor weird you know black ops shit to fuck other countries like it's i understand you know but you're Mm -hmm. correct that on a debate stage when you have 90 seconds that's not enough time to provide the nuance to explain why it's Mm -hmm. valuable to understand the horrible ways america has affected other countries you know time and a place time and a place and this ain't the time nor the place yeah yeah and because i i agree i think that they're it's not inherently bad to try and draw positivity from other things that have been terrible. You know, there's like, though, it's, it's like a joke, a joke. He's saying, like, at least Mussolini had the trains running on time, you know, killed millions of people, hundreds of thousands of people, but at least the trains are running on time. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's, it's a joke, but there's, there's something positive that be, that can be taken from it that, like you said, you, you can take that and tweak it to possibly fit an America that might work here, you know? Yeah. And <clears throat> so I, I think that it's interesting. I think it was an interesting blunder by someone who's been involved in politics for so long, you know, to not see that he doesn't have that opportunity. Whatever he's trying to explain here, mm-hmm. you don't have that time and you have to know that, you know. It's cuz he's a really bad politician though. That's a, at least to me in my mind. Bernie Sanders is not a good politician. What he's makes a good that? he's a good kind of uh he can whip people up into a frenzy. He can he can build coalitions. He's he's a movement leader. He's not a politician. What makes you say that? He is not a very good speaker. All he can do to – there's a reason like a, a talented politician like Pete Buttigieg could, could find a way in 90 seconds to say, hey, the Cuban regime was terrible. And, but we looked into this thing and there was some very, there's some good aspects that he was running that we might be able to utilize if we took some of the, the learnings or something like a better politician could tap into it and say it the right way as to not get booed off the stage. Yeah. But Bernie Sanders just is not a good politician. He is, he, he has, his voting track record is very, very minimal. He doesn't do a lot in the Senate. He he just has never really been a a kind of a go getter as far as being a politician and getting mm-hmm. bills done and so, you know it's, it's all worth these things. it's worth stating um, that you're just to your point of him being a good leader, you know, the, or a good yeah. like policy or whatever it was that you said that mm-hmm. he. Well, his voting record is spotty. You're right. There's been periods of time where he's just not voted for shit. You know, he's yeah. always been very out front about the things that he believed in, always been very vocal about what he believed in. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that's made him compromise his voting record because he's chosen to vote against things that were popular yep. for one aspect or another or chosen not to vote at all for one reason or another. Um, it's the same reason he yeah. behind the guy that didn't vote for the coronavirus funding because he right. thought that we should have a place where this funding is coming from. It's It's the – it's the votes of conscious consciousness or whatever it is that I'm not voting on this, not because I don't like the end means that we're trying to get to. It's just there's shit in that bill that I don't agree with that should be there. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever the case may be. So that might be the reasoning behind his inaction in the Senate. But at the end of the day, when you're running for president, you got to show that you can also be a politician to get things done, not just, be a movement leader who says all the right, you know, slogans and gets people fired up to 
And he doesn't even get him fired up enough to come out to the polls as much as he think he does. Right. So let's talk about that for a minute, right? Because Bernie Sanders' whole deal, at least part of his whole deal this, this whole time, has been I'm the guy that can get the youth voter turnout, right? I can mm-hmm. get kids to show up. And we've seen that in his rallies, right? You're seeing thousands of of youth there people that are under 30 over eight over 18 that you know are in that demographic that he's talking about but i also learned yesterday that in every single super tuesday state all 14 of them youth voter turnout was down compared to 2016 Yep, And so this whole time, Bernie Sanders has been running on this platform of I can get people to turn out. And it looked that way because his rallies have been fucking huge. But for some reason, people still aren't showing up, right? And you wouldn't think that based on what you're seeing on social media. You know, people are all over fucking Bernie Sanders. They're constantly talking about constant videos, ads, all kinds of shit. You know, so you wouldn't think that based on the way that people are talking about it. But for some reason... Kids still aren't showing up to go and vote, you know? And it's not, I actually texted Morgan the other day because I, she's the first Bernie bro that I thought of. And I was trying to figure out why this could possibly be, right? So he ran through, talked about it for a long time, just different ideas of why this could be, right? And so he thought, well, maybe registration. Well, it can't be that because you can register to vote online. So it's not like you have to go down to City Hall between the hours of nine and three to fill out a form to make sure you're registered to vote. You can register online. At that point, you just have to show up, right? Mm -hmm. As far as polling goes, polling starts at like 7 in the morning and goes until like 9 o'clock at night, especially in places like California. Unless you're working a 24-hour shift, they have wide enough polling hours that you can definitely show up before work, after work, on your lunch break, on your something. Mm -hmm. There's time there, a big enough window that you can show up to vote. All you have to do is show up and vote, right? I'm having a real hard time understanding how this is is f- translating over to that, right? And so the one thing I could try and attribute it to was the apathy being displayed towards the system itself, right? And even that only partially attributes it to me, right? Because if I'm thinking – if I'm trying to put my mind in a 19-year-old – 18-year-old progressive kid, right? This is the first year that I get to vote – like, really matters to me. I'm really into Bernie Sanders. Like, I really want to do it, right? However, I've been told for the last fucking eight years at least, you know, by the other people that I'm on social media with, that the Electoral College is bullshit and my vote doesn't matter anyway because the last two presidents have lost, you know, the popular vote. and Or Barack was fine, but like, George Bush never won the popular vote. Donald mm-hmm. Trump didn't win the popular vote. They're still the president, you know? They're like, oh, my vote doesn't matter anyway because even if I, you know, you win the popular vote, you're still not going to win, right? Mm-hmm. Just a misunderstanding of the electoral college, but there's still that sentiment that it doesn't matter, right? And so the only thing, like I said, I could try to attribute to is, I mean, teen, I'm going to show up to a Bernie Sanders rally. So if you're watching the video, you can't deny that he has support because we're here. But mm-hmm. fuck their electoral college. I'm not going to show up because it's a waste of my time anyway, right? Which only half makes sense because you can't expect Bernie Sanders to change the system if he's not the president. Right. And yeah. so by not taking part in the system to put him at the head of it, you're never going to put him in a place to change it. Right. So it's illogical thinking, but I also, and this is personal, right? But I, I also, feel like you're going way too deep already, though. So check, right? But I also think that if you 
are 18 years old or whatever year old and you truly believe that America needs a socialistic revolution to like kickstart us, then you're not thinking totally sanely anyway, you know? <laughs> and so this illogical thought of, well, I'm going to show up and su- support them on video, but then not vote because fuck the system. Like, may make a weird type of convoluted sense in your mind, you know, that, well, I just want a revolution, so fuck it. You know, we're just trying to turn the system over. You know? That's the only thing I could I could try and figure out. I don't know. And th- it's that complicated. The it took me that long to try and figure out what the fucking deal is, you know? Well, I think the, the real problem here is that it's probably really not that complicated. It's just apathetic voters are just, they're just uninterested. There, there's, and I fucking don't blame them either. It is so hard to stay informed, to listen to the garbage that we have to listen to on a day-to-day basis and weed through the fucking bias, listen to people like Denzel you were talking about earlier, just a bunch of old-ass motherfuckers yelling and and (laughs) arguing on each other in like five or six little fucking screens on TV, not saying anything of real substance. Why would somebody not be discouraged to go out and actually do your part? And on top of that, you have people like me who live in a very, very, very blue state who know that if I was going to vote for Trump, my state's a hard blue state. There is absolutely no way that my vote is really going to matter at the end of the day. Still my civic duty to go out there and do what I want to do and vote my conscience or whatever it is. But it's, it's real hard to try to take time off work out of your day to be like, all right, let me go down. Let me go vote, even though it kind of doesn't fucking matter. Or I just don't give two shits because the whole system fucked up anyways. People just don't care a lot. That's what I was going to say. I think it's just, yeah, I think it's just as simple as they just don't yeah. care enough to go out and actually do it. Actually you go to a rally. Up. You go to a rally. It's a fun time. You're getting out there. Your dude's fucking throwing out his slogans. Have you ever watched the Trump rally before? It is one of the most entertaining things you'll ever witness. <laughs> it's the fucking dude, crazy. Yeah. The dude is a, he is a machine. If he's, if he wasn't into all this fucked up shit that he's doing now, he should be – he'd be killing it as a stand-up comedian. Yeah. And Joe just, just sits there yeah. and just goes. Joe Rogan and, and many other comedians have talked about that. It is it is legitimate stand-up comedy. The Like the actual – It's so wild. Like the, the formula behind it. Like making uh-huh. up nicknames for people and just fucking talking and making fun of people and doing like yeah. all these things. Like the timing is impeccable. I'm telling you, you should watch one. Not because they're like – like God, I love the president. You yeah, know, but because it's it, – No, no. It's like – there, yeah, there is no substance to it, but like no. the words, just the, the watching it is fucking, it's surreal. It is, it is so weird to see people that I think if you caught them on a normal day in a regular state of mind would probably admit to you that the president is really kind of a piece of shit. You know, <laughs> but they're at this rally and they're so fucking wrapped up that they're yeah, that they're yeah, gonna yeah, scream yeah. "Make America Great Again" and USA <laughs> for an hour and a half. It is the weirdest fucking thing I have ever seen. It is Wild. it's very strange. And yeah, every one of his fucking things are live streamed on YouTube. Yeah, and they're all on there. They are it's worth peeping just for a few minutes, just yeah. to like yeah. see. It's yeah, hilarious. it's jump into really the middle of weird. video and just watch five <laughs> ten minutes of it. You're like, you'll probably be laughing your ass off. First of all. Because he is hilarious as long as you yeah. kind of step back and not think about right. what he's actually yeah, saying. Because it's true. If you really just try to take it at, at face value instead of like applying what he's saying as like, oh, how would this work as a policy? Like, yeah. It's really kind of funny. Like, it's it's a fucking joke, dude. It's really weird. That's the it's key just, to his, yeah. I think that's the key to his kind of populist, you know, 
He he played the media better than anybody else that's there. I mean, he absolutely took it for what it was and ran with it. Yeah. It's it's very interesting. (sighs) So let's talk about that, right? Let's talk on a more uh, subjectorial way about... Is that even a word? Subjectorial? If it isn't, it is now, baby. It is now. Sounds good. Um, about media influence, right? And yes. I have a really good example that I want to use for this. Um, because this links to the topic that you brought. The, the way that media covers things directly influences the way that people take them in. Especially because so many people just read headlines yep. and don't actually read the article, right? So, this is a really incredible example of that. You will understand totally and I will bring you in on, right? So, there's a guy named Eric Prince who oh, yeah. is or was the head of a company called Blackwater that was a defense contractor for the United States, right? And they've been involved in the war in Middle East essentially since it started in different capacities, security, protecting people, whatever, right? A lot of allegations of Blackwater and the people who work for them doing really fucked up shit in the Middle East. And so mm-hmm. they don't really operate there anymore. I don't think Blackwater even exists. I think that Eric Prince owns a completely different company now. Anyway, his sister is a woman named Betsy DeVos, who is the Secretary of Education, right? Eric Prince is a horrible, horrible, horrible human being. His sister is like this with the president. Uh-huh. Eric Prince, in turn, is like this with the president, right? So, I fucking hate Eric Prince. I've been talking out against Eric Prince the whole time we've been doing I fucking hate him. I think he's a horrible person. He tried to pitch the Trump administration on privatizing the war in Afghanistan. So withdraw all the troops and instead give me a contract and I'll put my dudes in there and we will run the war in Afghanistan and we will manage it privately and you just pay us. Mm-hmm. Right? We'll take care of business. Fuck Eric Prince, right? <laughs> so, so an article today, right? As I'm getting ready, it's like, 9.30 probably. So I'm fucking eating a little bit. I'm getting all my stuff together. Article from the New York Times. Eric Prince hired British and United States spies to infiltrate liberal companies and campaigns since 2016, right? Whoa. What the fuck? You're telling me that this guy actually used legitimate spies to infiltrate Democratic and liberal campaigns to influence what's going on? Holy shit, Right. Hold on, babe. I gotta go take a shit. I gotta go read this article. So I'm sitting in the bathroom. So I'm sitting in the bathroom. Word. I'm gonna read this article now, right? So I bust out the article. Let me hear even more evidence about Eric Prince is a piece of shit. So, start reading this article. Have you ever heard of Project Veritas? No. Project Veritas is a media company. People fucking hate them and they also fucking love them, right? They have exposed some really nasty, dirty shit, right? Project Veritas is a deep, undercover reporting company and they've exposed people who worked at Planned Parenthood that were selling baby fetuses to scientific companies for profit for that particular Planned Parenthood. They've exposed things like that. They exposed a woman who, or not a woman, but a reporter for for NBC, I think, and not her, but her bosses and how she had Mm -hmm. said she knew about Harvey Weinstein or fucking (laughs) Jeffrey Epstein like two years before any of this stuff happened and her bosses found out and made her kill the story. Wouldn't let her report on it. She knew it was happening. Wouldn't let her report on it, right? Got the video. She got caught on a hot mic before she's recording, so she's just talking about it just like to other producers there, but the camera is rolling. And so they got the footage because of a whistleblower who worked at that company leaked it to Project Veritas and they released this footage exposing that the head of these companies knew about what was happening with Jeffrey Epstein and chose not to do anything about it. Uh 
Project Veritas compromise our uh, our ability to to interview yeah. the the royal family or some shit yeah. after the wedding. It so was Project Veritas, regardless of you know what you think about James O'Keefe, who is the founder, do very important work in the United States. Mm-hmm. But people don't like that they record people secretly, and they just they have some kind of underhanded tactics to get this information. Mm-hmm. But they have not reported anything that turned out being a lie afterwards. All of this has been confirmed after they've released it. So, turns out, right, this article is really about how Eric Prince used British, like, MI6 spies and CIA agents, old ones, to help train James O'Keefe and people who worked at Project Veritas and they used those skills to infiltrate the Bernie Sanders campaign, MSNBC, you know, all this shit, right? So this article that the headline says Eric Prince hired ex-spies to infiltrate these campaigns, in reality, it's a story about how he hired people to work for his company who used to work for them because he believes in Project Veritas. He was using his employees to teach them better spying techniques to be better at their job. Bitch, I love Project Veritas. I hate Eric Prince. So you've written this article in a way to make it seem like he's influencing all this other shit in which he's helping Project Veritas do shit that's important. But because the New York Times is left-leaning and fucks with Bernie Sanders, Project Veritas just put out a project like a month ago about Bernie Sanders' campaign and just all these weird fucked up ideologies they have in them. Oh, yeah. Dude on tape talking about how excited he is to be able to start throwing people into the gulags after – you know, the socialist paradise becomes a reality. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. And you're like a like a paid campaign staffer. Yeah. And like I don't and I don't remember his exact position, but he was a pretty high up in yeah. campaign. But. And so because the New York Times and Bernie Sanders' campaign match up ideologically, mm-hmm. they have deceptively written this headline to try and completely turn this perception of Eric Prince, who, like I said, is a horrible piece of shit as it is. Yep. But it's not doing what they've written in this headline. You, so know? you don't need to lie about him to make him look like a No, because he's shit. fucking terrible as it is. That's the weird thing, is that he's already such a piece of shit. Yeah. And so... Just one example, right? Because this happens all of the fucking time. Mm-hmm. But it's so prevalent that it happened to me this morning before I fucking came here. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, they're just putting shit out that is a third of the reality of what the article mm-hmm. is, you know? There's a hair if of that. truth to it. Yeah. And it's, it seems weird to me that that's even legal. That you're able to just to I feel deceptive to me. I uh-huh. think that that's deceptive, and it seems strange to me that that is allowed to happen at all. Yep, you know, and it can completely shift the focus off of what is important. You know, and it's it's maybe important in some people's minds that Eric Prince and his company are the people that are teaching James O'Keefe and Project Veritas these skills. But at the end of the day, when they're exposing things that people should have knowledge of. Does it really fucking matter who taught them how to place a camera and how to hold it behind a cup so that it doesn't look like it's a camera? Does it really fucking matter? You know? I don't think that it does, and I hate Eric Prince, and I still don't think that it matters that he's the one that taught them these skills, you know? Kind of harkens back to that, uh, if there's a good thing to find in a shitty regime, why not look at it? Yeah. So, Denzel, being that this was definitely your baby topic... What are some of the, the the media malpractice things that that most concern you that piss you off the most or 
or whatever. Yeah, what made you want to bring this? Um, well, because I just see it all the time. I see it with uh, people I have on Facebook. They will share um, articles either from non-credible sources, <laughs> yeah. Just, just yeah. nonsense. I've seen people share articles from um, The Onion. Oh, my God. Yes. It's bad, right? And they'll be like, dude, whatever it is, they'll be freaking out about it. And then anytime someone should, like, I'll, I'll click on it just to see, how, like, okay, is this credible at all? And these people are, like, running with it. You know what I mean? I seen some dude. Um, it was real bad when, uh, right after Kobe Bryant died. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, that mess was pit Because they were putting out a bunch of false information. Anyone, everyone was trying to capitalize on something. They were like, oh, I, I can put out a, a fake article, a fake tweet, something like that. A bunch of fake information. And there was so much of that going around that day. Yeah. Um, they had like reports that like his family, like his whole family was on there. Yeah. And they had reports that like, they had reports that Rick Fox was on there too. And it's just I'm like, why, why are these getting out there? And it's one thing if T- TMZ reports it, they're, they're pretty good sometimes, but yeah. Especially for, um, as far as like celebrity news, yeah. you know, TMZ and the Daily Mail for celebrity news, you can actually kind of count on them for generally, you know, mm-hmm. for, but yeah, that, that in particular, you're right, was really fucking bad. But then there's a couple like, like news, uh, I forget what webs or what, um, news it was, but, uh, it was, uh, they had said they put out on their actual, um, Gosh, their news channel. I don't know. Yeah, they, but they put out there that his whole family died. Yeah, and I'm like, you, you guys don't know this. Yeah, why, no. and why are you guys putting it out there? And then, so that's that's one that bothers me is when the media itself does it, but then people will also they'll take uh they'll just take the article, read whatever's in the um whatever the title is, and then run with it. Yeah, so without having any real knowledge. They'll go around and, like, for instance, if you've read the article you read this morning, if you just read the title and then started, it came here, yeah. and you started, mm-hmm. you know, talking about it, you formed your opinions about it, and then now that's one person, you share it, and then if you had any sort of, of your own opinions on it, some people are going to take what you said and just run with it from there. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Dude, I, I saw something. I'm trying to find the fucking video. I thought I saved it. I guess I didn't because I'm a total piece of shit. <laughs> but there was a... There's something floating around the Facebook or the Twitterverse yesterday, and it has something to do with one of the pres- presidential candidates, and it was like this super, super old clip from like three years ago, and these people are sending super, it back super out there. Super, old clip from like three years ago. <laughs> oh, dude. You know what I mean. In the, that in was the, just really funny. <laughs> in the current media landscape yeah, no, that we have three years ago it's like a fucking eternity yeah, no. all right <laughs> just the amount of qualifiers is super super old clip and it, it, it bothers me that i didn't save it but because it was just another example of media malpractice that somebody from a, a media network had originally retweeted this thing from like three years ago talking as if it had just happened yep and i don't remember what the fuck it was but i saw it again last night and I was super fucking stoned by the end of the night. I'm laying in bed and I'm like, I probably shouldn't fuck with this. Let's just save it for later. <laughs> but, you know, I try not to smoke and tweet, but, um, but it's just something that I like. I wanted to reach out to these people. It's like, do you not remember this? I, I follow you. I know you were involved in this same space three fucking years ago. And I know you saw it when everybody called it out as fucking bullshit and out of, totally out of context and all this shit. I think it had to do with Biden calling somebody some fucking weird 
you know, 1920s name again, something like that. And I was like, it's so old. Everybody understands where that is, but you're presenting that to everybody. Now that you have a fucking following and you're presenting that out as like, hey, this just is fucking happening right now, guys. Yeah. And, and most Three pe- years ago. Yeah, most people, ju- that's another thing that bothers me too, is that, um, and it, our articles or whatever, they'll come back into circulation. Yeah. And once again, yeah. people are just reading the title without, re- yeah, every, anytime I click on an article, uh, the first thing I go to is, is see if it's a credible source. All right. If it is, all right. When was this posted? Yeah. What's and, the date on Because I seen something, um, this bothers me. Whenever a celebrity dies, everyone does everything in their power to, um, take away from it. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Like, that's so why I seen a bunch of people were like, man, like military personnel die every day. Right. Right. Like, yeah, they do. So I seen this one that said like 15, uh, I'm doing the same thing because I don't even remember what it said. <laughs> it said it said some uh, some people in the military had died in a helicopter accident. Everyone was like, "See, blah blah, it happens all the time." You click the article; it's 15 years old. I'm yeah. like, I'm sure people mourned this properly when it happened right. too. But now you're sharing this is, and got people thinking that oh, this happened this week. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. well, and I think that it's interesting you bring that up, Brett. And I wanted to ask you about this while you were here. Um, when Kobe died, right there, because another aspect of that is when someone dies, they'll try and take away from it by bringing up shit from their past. You know that, and there's uh, many different schools of thought on it. You know about well, if someone's gonna die, we should look at their life as a whole. You know, and then other people are like, well, he's dead. Let's just. Let's be sad that he's gone, you know, and yeah, we'll just move on. And we'll yeah. dig into the yeah the finer points of his life, you know, at mm-hmm. another time, you know. So obviously, when Kobe died, there's all these people that are like, "Oh, you're gonna mourn a rapist, and you're gonna do this, and you're what about that time that you did this, you know?" And I don't. Do you think that the day of Kobe Bryant's death and the day of his daughter's death is the appropriate time to not. to discuss the nuances of you know of his possible lapses in morality and not to like diminish you know the idea of somebody being raped is just like a lapse in morality but you know to try and handle it or word it as gently as possible to honor somebody who fucking died two months ago you know yeah i mean does it really feel like the appropriate time to discuss something like that no it's that's just people looking for any way to to get attention on themselves yeah who were doing it in a way where they're thinking they're being positive towards him too but uh I like people were making up. Uh, I don't want to say making up, but there was no confirmation at all. They had said um, that ESPN confirmed that when they got to the uh, to the crash site, his daughter was in his arms. I'm like, there's no way to confirm that, You're right? Considering that if you if you look at the evidence, it's likely it didn't happen because helicopter. Considering going, that they crashed into a fucking hot, mountain at 150 miles per hour. It's likely no one was holding on to anything. You yeah. Know what I mean, so, but they're putting that out there, but I don't know. They, they do it all the time. Anytime someone, anytime someone dies, they always try to dig out or it's either when they die or they're getting ready to do something. Yeah. Big. Yeah. They always got to look at the uh, bad things because they did the same thing with Paul Walker. When yeah. He died. When yeah. he died, they're like, he was dating a super young, which that's a little weird to me. Right. I'm like, all right. This guy just also died, he's though. fucking dead. Yeah, like, yeah. How about let's look at the more important part. Right. You know what I mean? It pissed me off. I thought I remembered who tweeted that shit last night, and it's not in her tweet. Oh, God damn it! Um, it was so yeah, good am, too. Again, not to wash over. You know, I don't. I'm not a huge basketball guy, so I don't know, you know all the details of you know Kobe Bryant's past. I don't. 
none of my business, you know. Um, all I know but, is that those rape allegation stuff and all that it was all acquitted. Yeah, it was acquitted of. And and the same thing happens like with Ben Roethlisberger, you know, like Ben Roethlisberger oh, yeah. was acquitted of his charges, but still they're like, oh, he fucking raped all these women. It's like. He went to court, like you know, mm-hmm. he, he went to court, you know, and you can form your opinion based off of what you think happened all the time, you know. But the, in, yeah. in the end, we have to accept what was done, you know, and what what was decided. And he was decided in a court that he was innocent, you know, that mm-hmm. he was acquitted. And like something similar happened with Mike Bloomberg, right? The last time that he was on stage, Elizabeth Warren accused him of telling one of his former employees to kill it, right? To go and have an abortion if they wanted to have his job there. He's he's already testified under oath about that and and testified under oath penalty of perjury that he never said that. Mm-hmm. But and that was years ago, but yeah. it still got brought up and used as a as a barb against him even though under penalty of perjury of a decade in prison. Yeah. He said he never said that, but for some reason we're still going to act like that's the truth, you know, even though he fucking testified that he never said it, you know? And it's like, you, you see, you have someone who was acquitted of these charges, but you still want to bring that up when he's dead for what? To try and take away from what? You know, I don't, regardless, and again, not to paint over his past, but regardless of what's happened in Kobe Bryant's past, that does not take away from any of the positivity that he has exhibited yeah. since then, you know, if no. not before that. And I know he has a beautiful family. He's done so much for basketball, for kids, yeah. for at-risk oh, youth, yeah. for for anybody, you know. Like, for, I mean, that day, there was murals up all over fucking L.A. Oh, huge over. ones, too. Yeah. Everywhere. It was like, boom. That dude was a fucking hero to those people, man. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't know. It frustrates me, too, just because not only was that – that happened – Early, early on in his career. I don't want to make light of the situation at all, but he had moved past it. Whoever it was that, whoever else was involved in the situation, they have come to some conclusion in that moment. You know what I mean? Happened a while ago. Like you said, since then, that, that was a heartbreaking part is that his daughter died too, but seeing what he was doing for that team or whatever and how much he enjoyed, like he was inspiring everyone around. Oh yeah. Um, we, had, we weren't talking about that the rape situation for years, 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 years. and then yep. we bring it up when he dies. Yep, yeah. I think it's a little different because I was thinking about they did, did the same thing with Michael Jackson too. Yeah, when he died, yeah. at least people were always saying that. Like once the, he was accused of that stuff, people had always been saying that. They've yeah. always been saying mm-hmm. there's always been the jokes about him. Right, being, you know, I I don't agree with them personally, but um, there there's always been those jokes when he. When he died, it was like they're obviously going to bring right. it up still. Here it comes. Plus, right. But at least it was constantly talked about the whole time. With Kobe Bryant, no one was talking about it for years. And the second he dies, boom. Oh, oh yeah. Remember he did that one thing? Yeah, you could almost hope to expect more, you know. But then when it happens, you're like, well, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, yeah. you know, because this is, this is the media. You know, this is. This is the way that they handle things like this, you know, and it doesn't make it any easier and it doesn't make it any better. It makes it just as makes it worse, you yeah. know, that this yeah. is just what you're known for. I can't expect you to cover this in a positive and objective light because you're going to try and spin it in whatever way is going to work best for you, you know, and it's dark. It's dark that we can't even appreciate the positivity that someone has brought out of their life and affected so many other people. Mm-hmm. 
in a moment that they've died. That's you the, know, and uh, give it a week, and then let's talk about yeah. his whole life. You know, give it a little bit of fucking time to just appreciate who he was, because mm-hmm. at this point he still has children and a wife who just lost their dad and their husband. Yep. You know, so let's take a fucking minute. And be just a little bit sensitive to the fact that he just fucking died in a horrible plane crash with his fucking daughter. Oh, yeah. You know? Let's take a goddamn minute. Yeah. You know? And it that doesn't seem like it's... Like, that doesn't seem like it's too much to ask for, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's not like it's just because it's Kobe Bryant. Because, like I said, I don't watch basketball. I don't have a connection with Kobe Bryant like like you do or like many other people do. I don't have that connection. I still don't think that it's the right time mm-hmm. to be digging into his fucking past when he just died with his daughter, yeah, you know? Yeah. Give him some fucking time. Give it a minute, you know? And there's a little bit of a difference, I think, if somebody just dies of old age. Kind of right, you know, a fucking tragedy. You're examining like their life at that point, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah, he died in a horrible fucking accident with his daughter, probably 40 years before he would ever even consider that he might die. You know, yeah. he's like 45 or whatever. When he like yeah, still yeah. young, yeah. you know, it's got a being that healthy and that athletic. You get a long time of healthy life before yeah. you even consider that you might start to die. Yeah, you know, freaking Bill Russell is still alive, what I'm over, rolling around a wheelchair, man. <laughs> yeah. So. so I, I mean. Yeah, I think that there's definitely an element of truth to that, that when someone dies at 97 just because they were 97, you know, yeah, it's yeah. different. Let's look yeah. at their whole life, you know, not well, that even then, not that it that's the appropriate time mm-hmm. to be like, what about this time when he raped all these bitches? Like, mm-hmm. that's another but, thing that bothers you know? me too, is that they always, um, they, they always go back to the one negative thing and then they try to label anyone for the worst thing they've ever done. Yeah. I'm not saying, I don't want to justify the worst thing that anyone's ever done, but they said that this is after, um, XXX Tentacion had died a few years ago. After he died, everyone was calling him a woman beater or whatever. I guess him and his girlfriend had had some domestic disputes or whatever. Um, and they're labeling him as that. Obviously he was young. He didn't have time to redeem himself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then I seen something that said, if you, if you were to label, uh, a lot of great people. I didn't necessarily like the examples they use because I don't think XXX and Tassion was right. going to be a Malcolm X or anything. But they said if you if you label that the worst thing they did, Malcolm X was a he was a gang member and a woman beater. Yeah. If, if he would have died at the age of twenty, that's what he would have been known for. Yeah. Or if you but nowadays if you want to label him for the worst thing he did. That is what he was, but right, you know, you and, gotta, yeah. and you can agree or disagree with Malcolm X's ideologies as he expressed them, you know. But but you're right to you look at him as a whole, yeah. you know. He, not a horrible person, you know. Maybe, like I said, maybe had ideologies that people don't agree with, you know. Mm-hmm. Obviously, him and him and Martin Luther King had same goal with very different ways of going about it, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like it, it doesn't. It doesn't make him a horrible fucking shit person because of the past that he has. You know, I think that brings up a super important point of how long has to go by, you know, before your past is no longer indicative of who you are now. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't I I'm only 25. But I mean, when I was in school, I was fucking I was selling drugs. I was stealing shit from people I didn't know from my family, from anybody. I was doing anything that I could, you know, and I was I never like sold meth or anything like that. But like I've dealt with a lot of different drugs. and I dealt with a lot of different people in a lot of different ways. And, you know, I came from 
from a place where you know we were I was on food stamps and we were on housing we had we had a nice house that we had no business being in because we got wrapped up in the housing crisis and we lost our house and you know to try and keep it for 10 years we were on you know I had state health insurance and we were on food stamps and I was on free lunch at school and you know we my mom was working two jobs just to try and keep our house you know so I didn't have money I was doing shit that is not looked positively upon because I was trying to have something and be happy and trying to find a place for myself and find some type of productivity, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't, is, is that now, you know, now that like I was talking about with now that I'm searching for a new career path, you know, is, is that, is that indicative of who I am today? You know, are, are my past yeah. mistakes? Yeah. That's, you know, am I not able to try and be something different to try and be something more positive mm-hmm. because I've done that in the past, you know, yep. for a lot of people too, it takes those situations to grow from them. Right. And then allow them to be who they are today. So like I, I got suspended. Ninth grade was the worst year of school for me ever. I got suspended three times for some stuff. I'm not proud of. However, I look at myself now, I'm like, okay, I probably should have understood it then, but I for sure understand it now. Right. And I think that I am a better person now for having to gone through the consequences of what I did in high school. If someone, and someone easily could, they could go back and be like, okay, okay, regardless of anything good that I I will potentially do in my life, and go back to this point and be like, yeah, but you did this, so you're a bad person. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not a bad person. I did a bad thing. Yeah, you're probably yeah. a better person today than you could have been because you lived those experiences yep. back then. And because there are so many different sets of morals in the world, you know, there's no equitable one for one comparison of, Mm-mm. oh, well, if you've done one bad thing, then do four good things and that will wash away this one bad thing and then you're neutralized and you're fine. You know, for whatever you've done in the past, whatever I've done, you know, there's any number of people who've sold worse drugs than I have that would be like, I couldn't care any less that you sold X amount of pot or pills or whatever in your lifetime. That doesn't affect who you are. Someone else who's never smoked pot, never had a drink, never done anything who might say, you're a fucking criminal and you should be in prison because you sold drugs to kids. You know, I I don't think that that's the case. I don't think that I belong in prison. You know, I, but like you said, had I not, had I not dealt with thousands of dollars and ounces of weed at one time, I would not have been able to be in that and step out of it and say, that's maybe not the best choice that I could be making at this time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's those are the things when, when you have handfuls or backpack fulls of other people's shit, you know, at the time you're like, I'm just going to get a bunch of money for this. Like, I'm going to be able to get rid of these items for this much money. I can get rid of this for this and get rid of this for this, you know. Now it's fucking horrible. I had my car broken into, uh, like like four years ago and nothing was really stolen. They took like my pipe out of my car. So it was some kids, you know, because I had like a change cup with at least 20 bucks in it. They didn't take the change cup. They took the pipe and like a bowl of weed, you know, in the center console. They just took, it was just like kids, you know, but I still was so pissed off. I'm like, but this is what I get. You know, this is, this is the universe's way of showing me like, you're an asshole, you know, and at that, at, and not like as a whole, but you were an asshole, you know, you did these things, how you feel right now, just having your pipe stolen and your weed stolen. This is how this person felt when you stole their cell phone out of their car and you stole $70 out of their car and you stole their radio out of their car and you stole this out of their car and their jacket and they're this and they're this. They felt like this, but way fucking worse because you stole way more than just their fucking $20 pipe and their bowl of weed out of their car. 
Mm-hmm. You know, but it's like if that had just happened to me and I had never stole anything, it wouldn't have hit me the same way as it did then for me to have a true reflective moment at five in the morning before I go to work. that I'm like, I have made some really poor choices in my life and I'm glad I'm not still doing this today, you know, mm-hmm. and it's and it makes you more apathetic or sympathetic to the people that yes. would do something like yes, that. Yes, because like when you told me that someone broke into your car. The first thing I thought is like, fuck, you know, that's, that was me. You know, that was me five years ago, seven years ago, because I couldn't decide for myself that that wasn't the right thing to do, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's really shitty that happened. It's fucking horrible happened to you because you're a great guy. And it's fucking horrible that it happened in general because it's shitty that it happens, you know? Yeah. But I also have to try and not judge that person as a whole for what they did because I understand what it's like to be in that place, you know, to feel like that's the option that you have and that's the best way to go. You know, one of those at the end of the day, just fucking kids. Yeah. Because that's what it is. Kids are dumb. They, (laughs) they always are because they just don't have the, the decades of experience to realize what's good and what's bad. Yeah. Their brains aren't fully formed. I mean, I was going to bring this guy up. You guys were talking about like bad people doing good things now and what kind of outweighs. Have you ever heard of a guy named Majid Nuaz? Yes. He's kind of in the IDW circles a little bit. Yeah. Stuff like that. He's a British national now. But I mean, this dude is a. He's on TV, right? He's uh, on British radio. Okay. But But he makes TV appearances. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. 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 I know Uh, who this guy is. But this dude, he's a. He used to be a legit terrorist. Oh, wow. Yeah, he yeah. had joined a terrorist cell and was a terrorist for a while, and saw the light one day, got out, and now his entire life is devoted to getting people out of extremist cells and speaking about the dangers of extremism and all this shit. I mean, the dude is—he's an amazing human being now, but he didn't used to be. But if we just kept that, you know, Kobe Bryant raped that chick one time. He's a rapist forever. Yeah. Well, this dude's a fucking terrorist. And all the good that he's doing, converting white supremacists and pulling people out of fucking, you know, Islamic terrorist groups. And none of that, you don't you don't regard that at all in his kind of like his stock at the end of the day. Like what outweighs the good and the bad. I mean, he was young and he was impressionable. And he was disenfranchised. He got scooped up in a bad spot, found home in, in a gang, essentially, and then found his way out of it and decided that he needs to start getting other people out, too. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people now that, that still threaten his life because he's a fucking terrorist. And then you got legit terrorists actually trying to kill him. Like It's it's so fucked up the way we, we do that nowadays. And I don't know where this comes from, necessarily. Um but this this idea that we we label people it's Louis C.K. We'll say yeah. Louis C.K. did some fucked up shit, right? Horrible shit. You know From, about Louis C.K. Oh, uh, that's the comedian that yeah, was, was like, like beaten off in front of people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, apparently, <laughs> all the all these situations <laughs> that he was in were like reasonably consensual, um, from the sounds of it. And they're fucking nasty. But at right. the end of the day, now that that's kind of done and settled and all this stuff, like he's trying to make his career come back. And there's just, there's seemingly no road to redemption for anybody when they make any kind of fuck up. 
Which sucks because Louis C.K. is really fucking funny. He is. Like, I don't know if you ever listened to his comedy before. No, he's, he's funny. Really yeah. fucking funny. Mm-hmm. And most comedians are, they're usually funny because they've had a fucked up life. Yeah. yeah. You know, they've done some fucked up shit, which is why they're funny. But, I mean, are we just supposed to start labeling people for the stupid shit we when we did when we were kids and shit like that? And, like, it doesn't make any sense to do that. You're not providing any room for growth. There's people fucking... Oh, my God. Why am I not remembering his name? Biggest comedian on the planet right now. Kevin Hart. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I was say. Yeah. Yeah. Pulled those <laughs> those tweets from like... That's um, annoying. Oh, my God. Man, the pulling man. the tweets thing. The tweets is bad. People say some stupid shit on Twitter, man. They did that to um, James Gunn, too. Yeah. The director mm, yeah. of you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. 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 And then it was a big throwdown. I'm like, well, who's going to side with James Gunn? Because he's an evil, sexist piece of shit. And a bunch whatever. of the actors from from those movies were like, "Fucking, yeah. I am." A lot of yeah, a lot yeah. of them were like um, a lot of them were gonna. They're getting ready to um, to walk away from the third movie. They're yeah. like, "I'm gonna. I don't care if I'm breaking contracts. Screw yeah. this. Fuck them." Because you guys are you. It. I like Twitter. I hate it for that reason. Though. Yeah. It got me to the point. Where I want to delete my Twitter and start over. <laughs> Just it's bad. I yeah. know I have some stuff on there that I'm like. If something like if I ever got to a point where I have influence and mm-hmm. someone wanted to go back and start reading that stuff, see, I would never do that though. Um, I because ha- I know you've talked about this before, yes, right? Yeah, and yeah. I don't think I've said a bunch of fucked up shit, but I, I'm an idiot, so I probably did. <laughs> but I will, t- I will die on that fucking hill to say like I don't care if that was four years ago. Okay, I have grown since then, and I think that's bad. And if anything, I'd rather you have that called out and try to throw me under the bus for that shit so I can tell you that you're an idiot. Because who were you four or five years ago? What kind of dumbass shit did you say? Yeah. You're saying that no one is allowed to be a better person today than 11 years ago? Yeah. Fuck you. And you're I a think, piece of shit. I think the only reason I scrubbed myself, right? Because when we first started doing this, I absolutely yep. did. I went through my Instagram, <laughs> through like the tweets that I could find. Now my Twitter because... I tweet so much yeah, I can't that I, tweet. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but I went through my Instagram and like when I was younger, right. And we actually talked about this the last time that you guys were on here. I used to like nigga all the time. Right. And just cause I was 16, 17, 18 and whatever, think that it's acceptable, think that it's cool, think that it's whatever. I had some black friends that they said they didn't care. So I was like, well, that's in, that's the past right there. That's the N word pass. Yeah. You know? And so I have. Any number of tweets and fucking pictures have been like, you know, me and the niggas, you know, shit like that. It's like, shouldn't be saying things like that, you know, because that's unacceptable. But I was 18 at the time, and so I was posting shit like that on, you know, as captions for pictures or something as simple as, like, music lyrics, you know, which is something that I would own up to. I don't know if I've posted music lyrics, I haven't, I don't, fuck you, you know. But, <laughs> but like, times that I've used it, you know, I, I knew that if we're going to get famous one day... There's no escaping that, you know, of all the different things that I could try and justify. There's no justification for having used the N-word, even with a a soft A or, you know, there's no, as a white dude, I'm even part Mexican. I'm actually brown and people don't like for to be like, oh, you're a quarter brown. Who fucking cares? Like, if it counts enough for the government, it fucking counts. I'm I'm allowed to identify as Mexican, even if you don't think that I'm enough. I'm allowed to identify as Mexican. I'm allowed to do that. As someone who's a quarter Mexican, I'm allowed to uh, to identify and embrace that, right? Oh, yeah. And I'm, that's not a justification for me using the N-word. I'm just 
that's a tangent. But anyway, um, do we draw the line at I, one in uh, one thousand twenty-four? <laughs> something like that. Um, but I, he says that because Elizabeth Warren. I don't know if you know about this. She oh. said for a long time that she was Native American, mm. um, and like got into college saying that she was Native American, and then when she was running, did a DNA test. She is one one thousand and ninety-fourth Native American. Or yeah, something at like the that. most, it counts. Man. It, it counts. Not <laughs> enough to get into school. Yes. Yes. So so. You know, I went her. through like and I scrubbed that shit and I changed the captions that I could on Instagram, you know, anything that had that on there. Um, and she went kind of back on Twitter and, you know, tried to delete some tweets. But like I said, I tweet so much that it's just, yeah, um, only so much to do, you know, um, that uh, because I knew that that particular offense socially is not something that. I could justify uh-huh. five years from now, ten years from now. You know, there's no way well, to... Well, even looking back now, you're like, well, I want to go back and change those. Yeah. So if somebody screenshotted that shit yeah. and then is holding on to it for a while and be like, I'm going to drop this shit. He used to say <laughs> right, that. Now right, right. Now it's like, Which I'm, yeah. am- I'm amazed that... Because uh, when they found James Gunn's tweets... That was like 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. I I don't even know how it's done. Yeah. I'm amazed that he was able to get to them so quick himself. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they're already screenshotted and stuff, but Mm -hmm. I'm amazed that he was able to get to them and delete them. I'm like, geez, man. And some people care so much about tarnishing someone else's life, career, whatever it may be. It's that cancel culture. And and it's, it's, it's different when the person doesn't think they did anything wrong. R. Mm-hmm. Kelly swears up and down that he's an innocent person. Oh, God. So crazy, so, right? R. Kelly. So, like, that's one person I'm like, all right. Like, trip, yeah. trip, trip, yeah. R. Kelly. <laughs> he should be canceled for sure. But I think <laughs> when, anytime you see someone that's gone through and, and like the Kevin Hart thing when they brought up the tweets about uh, his homophobic tweets or whatever. Jokes he, about his kids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I do think comedians get some leeway with what they say. <laughs> totally. They're, they're, I mean... They say some stuff, yeah, but and I, they use it as a cop out. But they get that by virtue of their career. So, mm-hmm. but even with that, Kevin Hart is uh, before this stuff came to light already. He'd already apologized for that. Yeah, you know? and so then when they asked him to apologize again, he's like, "No, I'm not doing." This is when he was getting ready to host the Oscars. He's like, "No, I'm not apologizing again." Right. I did this already. You guys are choosing to to just now see this and not see anything else. Like, I don't know. It's it's frustrating that. We will look at someone's career, and if they're doing well at all, all right, what, what did they do wrong? How can I right? It all? And it's, it's take these people down. It's so disingenuous and so unobjective, you know. Because I, when I think about like said, the stuff that like I scrub from my own shit, you know, I feel confident that if ten years from now. I'm out and I'm fucking gallivanting and I'm making all the fucking money, you know, and someone comes to you because you were on our show and we're earlier and they're like, how do you feel about, about Don from salt of the streets having used the N word on his Twitter when he was in high school? You know, I feel confident that you would be like, why the fuck do I care about that? Like, yeah, I don't like, I've been on his show X amount of time since that happened. And I don't, I feel like you probably don't think that I'm a racist, you know, and I don't think that me having used those words when I was in high school makes me a racist. You know, I don't like it's, it's ignorance. That's just dumb yeah. shit, you know, that like that kids fucking do because they don't fully understand, you know, like the history and the context behind shit like that, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't, so even though I'm only a quarter Mexican or whatever, I don't, I'm not, I'm not ride or die Mexican, you know, I don't, it's, it is what it is, you know? I'm but still, Mexican like if someone, if someone called me a spick, like I, I don't, 
I am not so deeply identified with my Mexican heritage that I'm like, that's a slight against my people and every person who's ever existed. But like, he can't say shit like that. Like, that's not okay. It's fucking, it's ignorance, you know, to say, to say shit like that is ignorance that gets less and less acceptable the older you get, you know? So yeah, if I, 10 years from now I was famous and I start deciding that I'm going to say the N-word again. You know, there's that's, that's a the huge issue. difference yeah. between that and pulling up tweets from when I was fucking 17 Dude. to, you know, be like, well, I can't believe you ever said shit like this. Like, fuck me either. I don't, I have no idea. Like, yeah. I don't. I forget who the um, basketball player was, but he was white basketball player. When he was in college, had a career game, great game. The next, like within hours of that, there's people retweeting his old tweets about he was quoting song lyrics. Yeah. They use the M word. And we were ta- they were talking on sports shows for like a week. I'm like, okay. And he was in college at the time. I think he was in like eighth grade when he was making these tweets. Bro, if you looked at me when I was in eighth grade and judged me, I, you know what I mean? Like, Dude. I'm not, I'm not the same. You're not the same. You're not the mm-hmm. same. People change. People yeah. get better. People grow up and mature. Right. And it's annoying that people are held to the standards of, you know, like I'm, right. I'm, I'm way past this. You yeah. Know mm-hmm. I mean? And ain't nobody out there calling somebody out and trying to cancel somebody's life. That doesn't have skeletons in their own closet. Yeah. It's so hypocritical. This entire movement behind cancel culture is the most asinine thing I've ever seen displayed in our society. Everybody lives in a glass house, dog. And yeah, Yeah. it's it's not good. And it's It's only going to get more transparent. Especially the longer. People need to start having some fucking empathy. Yeah. That's what they need to have, man. Especially the longer that this data is cataloged, you know, Uh the more and more windows people get in those houses. Like the, yeah. Baby Dax is going to grow up in a world where his first tweet is going to be recorded forever. Yeah. Yeah. If Twitter still is around. Yeah. He's not going to have anything that's not recorded the moment that he fucking puts Uh it out on the internet, you know? And that's going to be a new thing that we got to teach this this next generation coming up like you need to be smart about this yeah because it doesn't like you said comedians get kind of like that certain pass you know but if you're not a comedian to to have tweeted a joke you know is is damn near unacceptable it's it's cancel worthy because you can't say oh well that was a joke like oh well how do i know that like you don't i am telling you it was a joke like i don't i don't know it's it's Maybe a joke it because joke. I'm not Sorry. a because I'm not a racist, and this is a joke about a black person. Like I don't, I'm not a racist. What do you mean you don't know if it's a joke? You know, there's dude by the name of Colin Moriarty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of his, and he got he used to work in the gaming industry, the gaming uh, editorial industries, write articles, and you know do all this. He stuff. used to work at a huge company, huge company, and then he he co-founded and you know grew this massively huge and i can't remember the name of it now like, kind of like, funny is that kind what, of funny that's what it was yeah. yeah like he helped create that and build it into what it is and you heard of that before i think so yeah it's got it's a i think it's a gamer yeah it was like thing, a gaming right? like a review and blogging website and they were yeah. a group and so they would play games and live stream and shit like that but also write articles and stuff at the same time yeah well one day a few years ago he woke up on international women's day and decided to write a tweet 
And it was oh shit because was, all so the simple. women just to con- all the women that year decided that for International Women's Day it was a day without a woman is a what day it was a woman. so that every was woman was. was they were gonna not be on social media for a day you know mm-hmm. and they're not going to work and they're not you know all of things yeah. so that mm-hmm. everyone can understand what it's like to live without women you know mm-hmm. so and he had tweeted something to the effect a nice short tweet is like oh a day without women. It was like, ah, oh, it's nice and quiet and relaxing or some shit like that. Yeah, right? like, ah, oh, like, silence. Oh. Hashtag a day without a woman. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> well, his career was ended by the end of the day. Oh, wow. And he was forced to kind of strike out on his own. And luckily enough, his tweet had gone so viral. Some of the uh, the free speech people kind of like brought him in and helped kind of give him a, a boosted platform. And now he's off doing his own thing. And he's got a big old a bunch of shit that he does. And he's yeah. very successful. And, yeah. But that's, I mean, that was... Two or three years ago? Oh, longer than, longer than that. Oh, yeah, longer than that. Yeah, that's before we started doing any of this. Yeah. Yeah, so shit. Yeah, that was back at the... It's probably five or six days. years ago. Yeah. Jeez. And I just remember that happening, and all of a sudden, I, I hear him on, like, the Dave Rubin show, and I find out who this dude is, and I'm like, fuck, man, one little tweet, one little tweet can ruin your whole fucking life. And, and, like he, had, and he had helped found that group, Almost Funny, or oh, Kind yeah. of Funny. Yeah. He had helped found that. Yeah, he was one of the original... There from the beginning, and they nope. just... Cut him right the fuck out. Mm-hmm. And it's just for something so benign. Yeah. I it's a joke that so was actually weird. really funny. <laughs> right. I, I don't I don't think it's it's not the worst joke in the world. He could have made it the much yeah. way worse. Yeah. If you if you take away half the population, and regardless of the gender, right. it's yeah. going to be quieter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> To be quieter—that's <laughs> really uh, funny. I mean, objectively, that yeah. is totally right. I love yeah. it. It was very interesting. Yeah, I remember when that happened. It's bad news all around for that. It job. is, and that's just the fucking world we live in nowadays, man. It is. Yeah. It's it's fucking strange times. <laughs> so, um, I think that we should probably hit a quick sports and get out of here. We yep. intended on trying to obviously hit the 1619. Doesn't work out every time. This is kind of how it works when we come here is that, you know, we hit as much as we can. Um, so we'll have to have you on again real soon. We'll not wait another 2 years before we have you on again. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> yeah, so um, like I said, we'll hit we'll hit some sports real quick and mm-hmm. move on. Um, we wanted to. <laughs> this might sound fucked up. But we wanted to have a fucking black person here, and we talked about sixteen nineteen because the whole thing is about slavery and the way that it's affected America, and it feels a little disingenuous for two white dudes to talk about how they don't agree with this particular project about slavery. You know, mm-hmm. so we can talk about it real quick that if you if you want to read, and we'd love to have you on again sometime mm-hmm. to talk about these things and other things, obviously. But um, the two essays that we dealt with, the first one I really didn't appreciate mm-hmm. really kind of strictly for the lack of historical context that came with it. Um, the second one I thought was fucking really good and insanely thought provoking. Yeah. Um, but the first one detailed man among many things. Yeah. How an idea that I didn't agree with that when Thomas Jefferson was writing the Declaration of Independence, he penned it in a way just so to ensure that black people were left out and slavery is able to be perpetuated with this document, mm-hmm. right? Which I don't think is evident in the text of the document itself, um, but I also think with that totally paints over 
Thomas Jefferson's personal history of having written for decades about his personal struggles with the system of slavery. Like it's, it, it, there, there is no shortage of books written by Thomas Jefferson about him personally struggling with owning people and mm-hmm. struggling with the idea of owning people being unjust, you know, but existing in a time where this is the system that's alive. And it doesn't, I am not by any means trying to wipe away the fact that he owned people. He did, he did, you know, mm-hmm. but I think to not address the fact that he had personal moral quandaries about it, I don't think gives proper credit to him as a person. Mm-hmm. And I think that as one of the founding fathers of this country, he deserves more respect than to isolate one part of his life and ignore the other parts of it. It's cancel culture. You know, and it's like that I'm not by any means trying to justify him having taken part in the system of slavery. There's yeah. no justification for it, you know, mm-hmm. but, but to try and make it seem like he was doing his best to pen these words to make sure that it would be perpetuated. I don't think it's true. You know, and I think cut is cut directly against by his own writings, mm-hmm. you know, and I, you can only give so much credit to something that someone wrote them, wrote themselves, especially 400 years ago, you know, but you, know, you have to kind of take it on its face that that is truly what he was experiencing inside and not just say, Oh, well, he's just fucking writing that to try and save face when, why would for he what reason? Yeah, I don't know. Do for that. what reason does he need to pretend yeah. that he is having this moral quandary? You know. Um, so I will say though, as a whole, just generally to talk about this real quick, um, there is a lot of contextual background in a lot of this stuff that I think was is very very important to to include. In the study of slavery versus stuff that we would learn in school yeah. that doesn't touch on any of this stuff. And because it, it speaks more to the reality of what had happened, and you know, not to jump all of a sudden to judgments and decide that, you know, America is systematically racist because it was found on racism and all this stuff. I mean, again, you're you're leaving no room for growth and, and understanding and all that good stuff. But throughout this the entirety of these essays that I've read so far is there's a lot of great stuff there, and it's almost just in the way that it's presented that I have disagreements with. Right, because the first one is almost, and I would love, even if you're not, if you don't come back on for us to talk, I'd love if you read it and for mm-hmm. you and I to just be able to talk about it because I think it's really interesting. I'd love to hear what you think. But I felt like the first essay was almost written trying to express the narrative that. Every white person was in favor of slavery from the moment that the country was founded pretty much until today. Even beforehand. And I don't think that that's the case. And again, I'm not trying to rewrite history myself and say, well, you know, only some white people wanted slavery. Like, I'm not saying it was a huge majority, but to act like that there wasn't any white people that disagreed with the system of slavery is, is incorrect. That's invalid historically, you know? And... I'm not sure if it's just by choice or an accident, but every abolitionist quoted in the first essay is black. There's not a single white abolitionist that's to be spoken of, which is historically inaccurate. You know, there, mm-hmm. there were people at the founding, at the writing of the declaration that didn't agree with slavery. Thomas Jefferson being one of them, you know, but again, when you're 
and not to justify, but it, you have to look at it in the proper historical context to try and understand mm-hmm. where the state of mind was. You know, again, it doesn't justify any of this because it, it's an inherently bad thing to own another person, you know. But if you have a group of 30 dudes in a room in 17 whatever, and they're trying to write a founding document for the country and only three of them don't agree with slavery you're probably not going to get it written in there that slavery shouldn't exist if Mm -hmm. only three of you don't agree with it you know and again it doesn't i hate to keep qualifying but it doesn't justify it you know but if you don't look at it with the proper context of course it looks horribly fucking racist from the very beginning you know it looks like there is no saving grace for america from the beginning you know Mm -hmm. you have to that's why that context is so important. You know, it's so fucking important. Um, and I, I just didn't feel like this first one was written mm. with the right amount of context to be able to really understand the. It's more of almost an op-ed too, because they're all op-eds. They're all they're yeah. all op-eds. Yeah. But as we went into like the capitalism one, which was the following one, that thing is loaded oh, with citations. So- good denzel giving us links yeah yeah the first one the first one also didn't like because there was no sources attributed at one point there and i'm i can't say whether or not it happened or not because i wasn't fucking there but at one point they lay out a quote from a quote you know whether or not it is or not i don't know but a quote from abraham lincoln sitting with a small congregation of black men that are abolitionists you know during um not reconstruction because he was fucking dead during that time, but during, you know, towards the end of his life. And he's trying to talk about what reconstruction is going to look like. And he says to these black men, I think five dudes, you know, I've secured a bunch of funding and I'm going to make a country for you guys because I think that your very presence here is, is going to be disturbing for the rest of the people in America. Hmm. I understand that at one point, Abraham Lincoln subscribed to the colonization ideal that it, that there was a whole bunch of people that thought that black people would be happier living in a place by themselves after slavery is abolished, right? Black people, white people, for any number of reasons, whether or not it's true, whatever, right? But if you're going to tell me that Abraham Lincoln told a group of black men that your very presence in America is going to be disturbing to the peace, your very freedom here, your very existence, if you're going to tell me he said that, I need some type of quote, some type of source yeah. so that I know where that came from. You know, mm-hmm. and again, I'm not saying it never happened or it couldn't have happened. But if or you're going to tell me that happened, it. if you're going to put it in quotations that he said to these guys, your very existence here is troubling. You got to fucking tell me where that's from. You have yeah. to tell me who wrote that down because yeah. that cuts against what I've learned about. He, the man owns slaves. You know, he's not perfect, but it, it also cuts against the way that his ideals are written historically, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying I'm unwilling to accept it, but if you don't provide some type of citation for it, I don't have any way to attribute that, you yeah. know? Especially when the other essays are chock full of citations. Fuck yeah! There are <laughs> the all kinds of shit all up in it. Yeah, the second one, the second one was so fucking good. It was about essentially how the brutality of American communism started. Capitalism. Yeah, capitalism, <laughs> communism. The brutality of American capitalism started, it says it on the plantation, right? And so mm-hmm. it talks about, is so incredibly fucking interesting, right? That definitely it, not wrong. No, no, definitely not wrong, right? Because it, it compares directly this cotton crisis of like 1867 to the housing crisis of 2008, right? And in 1867, all of these white dudes 
owned all this land because you know the Louisiana purchase had happened and all these different huge land purchases. So they're just giving land away for just cents on the dollar, you know? So people can go there, you can buy it for piss cheap and you just plant it there and then you sell whatever you plant it, right? Mm-hmm. So at this time, all these plantation owners have so much fucking land and they're growing all this cotton to try because there's so much land, land isn't worth shit, you know? And so mm-hmm. the only thing that they had that was worth money are the slaves that they owned and the cotton that they owned. And the more that cotton was worth, the more that slaves were worth, right? And so they are able to go to banks in different states and use their slaves as collateral for loans to buy more land to increase the size of their plantation. So at a certain mm-hmm. point, the banks had loaned out like three times as much cash as they had backed in gold right which is the exact same thing that happens during the lending crisis and so because they have all this debt they're taking their debt they're repatching repackaging it as bonds and selling it to people and so you're going to help me pay off my debt and then in 10 years i'll give you the interest payment from this right Mm -hmm. but you can't sell someone something based on something that's sitting on a balloon you know so all these cotton prices are so inflated and so they're using the slaves they have as collateral against these loans, but the prices or the value of these slaves are inflated with the market. Mm, and so yep. the moment the bottom of the cotton market drops out, and it's not worth anything anymore. They had this, I don't know, I, this sounds really fucked up, but they, you know, they had people that they had paid like $1,200 for that now like worth 60 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. And so they've lost all this money. I'm sorry, this just feels very disingenuous, but like they've lost all this money on this investment. And so the banks, lost all this money because the collateral they had against it is now worth mm-hmm. nothing, you know, but they can't try and go and reclaim all the money on off of these loans because no one has it anyway. So the government just bails out the whole industry. Yep. It is literally the exact same thing that happened in 2008, that all of these people were getting loans they should never have got because they had credit that was for shit, but they're being bolstered up by government-backed loans. And once the companies have all this debt, they repackage it as subprime loans to give more people loans to just get more money. So they have loan based off of loan based off of loan. And when the market falls out, no one has any money. Yikes. It is yeah. literally <laughs> the exact same thing. And I obviously didn't learn about that in school, but to see step for fucking step, the same thing happened 200 years later it's like, how the fuck did you guys not know that this is what was going to happen? Like, this already happened in a shittier, more horrific way. How did you not know that this is how this would turn out? Yeah. You know? And they knew. they. It was just a matter of just when it was going to happen. Can it, I get in there, make my nut yeah. before the bottom drops out? And the big, the big like tagline for the 2008 financial crisis was the, the banks are too big to fail. You know, they're too Mm -hmm. big to fail. We can't let them fail because then no one will have any money. The credit system goes to shit. Stock market goes to shit. And this article, it's so expertly written after he explains all this stuff. It says the cotton industry was too big to fail. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh my God. Like, that's (laughs) it, bro. This one was the second one was so fucking good. Dark, you know, dark Very to hear dark. about a trade obviously built on the value of someone's ability to work picking a fucking plant. Yeah. But oh, and like, like breaking it down to, I mean, because they, what they ultimately do is yeah. relate it to the corporate culture of business nowadays. Yes. And like the same type of data and spreadsheets that they were tracking back then based off of people's like ability to do. X amount of work in this capacity, but then if they, 
you know, if you work them too hard, then, you know, it, it throws all the numbers off and the system fails. And so then you, you know, it's so fucked up, but you could see those exact same practices carried over into the modern day corporate world. Yeah. We have people's productivity, like everything logged out just so that they have people's productivity down to, like I said, just data points. You know, yeah. they know if we're just a group of, of fucking mm-hmm. slaves, they know exactly how much we are expected to pick per day based off yep. of our age and our gender and all these different weird qualifying qualities that they know we have personalized quotas for each person. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's the exact same thing that's applied today in a corporate structure that if you work in an office, I know exactly how much work I can expect you to put out based off of the work that you've put out in the past, you know? Yeah. So if we set this, it was really weird. It yeah. was really, really weird. And it's, it's <clears throat> so fucking good. Yeah. I mean, everything about it is, I mean, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. And you could see that the, the modern machine that we have to deal with now with companies like fucking Walmart and Google and Amazon, the way the corporate structure was created around the, on the plantation. Profit. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's the fact that you have, data-driven business, yeah, right? And the, the fact that you can take people and then turn them into a series of multiple data points distances you from their humanity even more, which allows you to justify everything else that you do behind it. And it's you combine that with just the, the gross corporate structure as it is, yeah, and you're just like, fuck, dude, that's disgusting. And it's also that responsible for how we became like the the economic powerhouse that we are today because those structures that were created to run those those original corporate entities still exist today because they have to and to be able to manage that amount of it sounds terrible but people and machinery and time and all these different employees that you have that track all these numbers and lawyers and all this crazy shit it's all factored in and it's the same exact shit they use today Jeez. And it's fucking wild. It blew my mind reading that shit last night. It, it was very interesting. It was very, very interesting. I'll definitely have to check it out. Yeah, yeah. There's a podcast that goes along with it, too. And what I'm realizing now, c- comparing the podcast to the, the actual essays, um, the podcast gets people in who wrote these essays and just has them talk in general about what they wrote. But the real meat and potatoes is in their actual essays and their the ones that one out of three that I've read was fantastic so far. <clears throat> and I read a hell of those, a lot more. Yeah, I read those first two. Um, and the third one is about like, is oh. about perceived physical and physiological differences between black people and white people mm-hmm. and how they may or may not be taught today. And they used like a really small study to talk about people being taught weird stereotypical things about the differences between black people and white people. But it's like they test like 300 doctors, you know? And so it's certainly, you can't say that it's not being taught, but when there's thousands and thousands of doctors in the United States, how big a reflection is this one group of people you tested compared to the vast majority Mm -hmm. or the whole of the people that are here. Um, So I wasn't able to get through that one because I was trying to read the study that it was based off of. The third essay was super duper short. Um, the longest part was the studies yeah. that it was based on. So I was trying to read the studies. Well, and their citations the are very problematic too. Those, yeah. like you said, the studies themselves are garbage. The, the journal in which they reference the AMA ethics journal is also talking about 
you know, it, they have articles on their website now about how, um, transgender bias plays into doctors ability to treat their patients. I'm going, I'm pretty sure most doctors don't give a fuck who or what or whatever the fuck you think you are. They're going to be in there. You have a problem. They're going to try to make you better. That's, but I don't know. I'm not a fucking doctor. I mean, my wife's cousin just got done with doctor school. So I'm going to ask her. I was like, did they ever teach you in school that black people's skin is thicker than white people's? Because I feel like that's kind of bullshit. But I don't know. I'm not a doctor. You know, because it's, they just throw out all these claims and they have these, tiny little tiny little insignificant studies to try to prove their data point i don't think i don't think you're right buddy not on this one do you have any thoughts on these essays with information as we've um, shown here i know that was a lot to, to no the, the the comparisons to the the um the housing crisis that, mm-hmm. was, that was very interesting to me it so. fucking blew my mind yeah yeah uh, i'm i'm definitely gonna check them out so they're the, all definitely worth, worth the read yeah you know they're long so you need a little bit of time to sit down but it's totally worth it took me like three days i don't have i don't have that much time having a fucking one-year-old that's running around all the time i don't have as much time to sit down and like read an article you know so it took me a couple of days to have enough time collectively to get through the first one. Mm-hmm. The second one was a little easier to read. It wasn't quite as long. Third one took like five minutes. It was super short, but yeah. it was the data inside of it that's more problematic that I, I'm i just not understanding of it yet and need yeah. a better grasp of that. But um, yeah. I don't know. Sports. Sports. Yeah, so we'll just fucking run through this real quick. So uh, the Combine was last week, and the draft is like – 40 days from now or something like that. Ooh. So the draft is getting fucking got some mighty close. Up. What? You got some nice ducks coming up? Yeah. Yeah. Justin Herbert uh, is looking like, let's see, this particular projection that I had here, I think, has him going third overall. Uh, what position? Quarterback. Ooh. Quarterback. Looking like he's going to go to the Chargers, is at least how this one has it hmm. projected. Um, talking about Philip Rivers. Going to Tennessee. I've heard about. So who's going to go to New England? One, I've heard about him going to um, the Raiders to Las Vegas. Um, yeah, I've heard about Tom Brady going about every team except the Patriots. Yeah. Um, Sorry, but, that yeah, yeah. I've heard about him going. I've heard about him going to Tennessee. I've heard about him going to San Diego. I've heard about him. All I'm saying is, if Tom Brady Miami, gets traded. I'll believe it when I see it. Well, so it's not a trade, right? The, he's, his contract is done. So if oh, he leaves, okay. he's leaving on, on free agency. And that's why this is such a big discussion is because he has decided now that he wants to get paid. Tom Brady for years has allowed New England to pay him lower amounts of money to surround him with talent. And that's part of how he's got six rings is by willing to take less money so they can pay the people around him. Now, he's at the point that he says, listen, bitch, I want my nut now. Yeah. So, he's looking for like 30 mil a year. I heard that LA or Las Vegas is getting ready to offer him 65 fully guaranteed for two years. Jesus. They're willing to to pay him 32 a year guaranteed. To try and win in the next two years. And this is the Raiders. I do, yeah, I do not see the Raiders going to the bowl in the next two years. Oh, no. Not at all. No. To pay Tom Brady $30, 65000000 million would be 
so fucking stupid. I, well, I don't blame them though. They're, they want, they essentially, this is a, a newer franchise. They're moving it someplace else and kind of start from scratch realistically, yeah. right? So they want to try to get some heavy power in there to try to establish themselves as the fucking, the Las Vegas Raiders. We're here. We mean fucking business. Let's throw some dollars at this guy and we can make a name for ourselves in the next two years. And then we can get anybody we fucking want. Yeah. Maybe. It's probably a bad gamble, but it's also Vegas. A lot of bad gambles going on in Vegas. Yeah. So there's a lot of speculation about where he's going to go. Um, there's also like they're working on the new collective bargaining agreement for the NFL and the NFLPA right now. And so they're talking. It's looking like they're going to add a game to the season. It's looking like it's going to be a 17-game season, an 18-week season. Um, I'm not going to complain. A lot of players are not happy about it, you know, because there's going to be an extra game. That's a lot of them think that if there's going to be an extra game added, you should make it an 18-week season and also add an extra bye week. So two bye weeks, one extra game. I don't – I, I mean, think that makes a lot of sense. At the rate, people get injured. All the time. I think that's probably yeah. a good idea. No, I, I think mean, that there's definitely some merit to that. I obviously would love a longer NFL season, um, but football is a hard game to play, and to play it for 16 games with only one week break in between all of that, if you Multiple stay healthy, years at a time. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, it takes a toll so, on your body. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't blame anyone for not being happy at the idea of just one extra game without any extra rest or anything mm-hmm. like that, you know. Um, but I believe the way, they, <laughs> believe the way that it would work out with one extra game is they would make preseason one week shorter, which I, I could think do that. Will also complicate things because they already have it so that like the cuts have to be made before. Like at the end of the fourth game anyway. And so we used to see the whole team for like three quarters during that last game. They don't play at all now because you have to look at your whole squad to see who you're going to keep and who you're going to cut. Mm-hmm. So I think that it, I don't know. I'd be concerned about the, the time for the players to get back in the swing of things. If there's only two quarters collectively over two weeks that they're going to play at three quarter speed before the season kicks back up. But mm-hmm. Did they say what the purpose for adding an extra game was. Money, bro. Money. Of okay. course. Money. It's the NFL. It's all yeah. about money. Cardi B, money. That's it, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, just to just to get paid, you know. I'm sure they'll raise the salary cap a little bit on the new CBA, but a lot of players are asking there has to be a majority vote among all the voting players. So there's a lot of people Asking Aaron Rodgers sent an email to his entire team asking them to not vote yes or to vote no on the collective bargaining agreement. A lot of people not happy about it. Mm. Um, some speculation that the Patriots only haven't reached out to Tom Brady because they're waiting for the new collective bargaining agreement so they know how much money they have to work with to pay him. Mm-hmm. Whether or not I agree with that, I don't know. But. I heard that he had a conversation with um, the coach and that did not go well. Really? At all. Yeah, I heard there, there, was, a, there was a phone conversation Uh-oh. that didn't end well at all. So. Uh-oh. Well, if the Super Bowl can tell us anything, Tom Brady's not going anywhere just yet. <laughs> yeah. Brought to you by Hulu. As far as trades and movement, um, I believe that Tuesday – is the opening of the legal tampering period, and then free agency starts on the 16th. I All I'm 14th. saying is, legal tampering sounds very strange. 
Yes. So, so there's a small window because prior to the, to the actual start of free agency, to talk to a player, to even discuss football Mm. is considered tampering. Got it. And so you can't talk about anything. You can't talk about schedules. You can't talk about plays. You can't talk about money, salary caps, nothing. Interesting. So there's like three days before free agency actually opens that there's a legal tampering window where you can kind of talk to people about, you know, if you're trying to restructure three contracts so you can pay someone else, you got to talk to those three dudes before free agency opens up so that when that first day kicks off, you can have that offer out there. So there's a legal tampering period so you can try and fuck with your salary cap, fuck with people's salaries, their contracts, mm-hmm. make sure you got the money that you got. Um Makes sense. So, we'll see how that turns out. Yeah, so the next time that we're here, live show, we're going to have a fuckload of sports to talk about. People will love that shit, though. Yeah. Um, so, there's a D-end, Yannick Ngakwe, who plays for the Jaguars, and he got franchise tagged like two weeks ago, but he is not interested at all playing in Jacksonville. So, there's <laughs> lots of talk about him possibly going to Seattle. I would love to see him in Seattle. So reportedly, Jadavian Clowney is going to ask for like $32 million or some such shit to fucking play at the end next year. That's all well and good, but motherfucker, you got like four sacks last year. I'm not paying you $32 million <laughs> to fucking fuck around on the line by yourself. I would rather pay two dudes. Unique Ngakwe had like nine sacks last year and had just as many tackles for loss and just as... I would mm-hmm. rather have Ngakwe all the way. I loved Damon Clowney, but he did not perform last year here mm-hmm. like I expected him to. And I would rather have some people with some less money. That's I listened to the Brock and Salk podcast. <clears throat> they were going over a bunch of different dudes that were out there for not that much money. Bruce Irvin and people like that that could, oh, yeah. could possibly be picked up for a discount that will provide you a better sack total than you got last year with who you have here. We paid Ziggy Ansah and Damon Clowney a bunch of money to come here and fucking shit their pants for half the season. You know, they didn't play for like half the year. <laughs> Huge waste of fucking money. Not happy about it. So, um, tell. yeah, I would rather have, you know, some people with a little bit uh, lower salary requirements. I'd be cool with that. Uh, the Panthers are shopping their guard, and they just traded him somewhere. I just seen that. I hate the way that this guy sets up his shit. This is like the best... Source for fucking NFL news, though, is this particular JPA football. This guy, I don't know who the fuck he is, just some guy that has a, an I follow, Yeah, I follow a bunch of guys like this yeah. for uh, NBA. That's, the, that's how I get all my NBA. It, it is the yeah. best shit, bro, yeah. Uh, the Chargers wide receiver, Travis Benjamin... You got cut from the wall that says that they mutually parting ways. Um, his sure. best year came in 2015. It's like me and all my girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. His best year was in 2015. He had 966 yards and five TDs. He's 30 years old. Um, he's not bad, so we'll see where he ends up. Um, the Broncos and the Jaguars have agreed on a trade that will send A.J. Boye to Denver for a 2024th round pick. A.J. Boye is one of the better corners in the league, and the fact that Denver just got him for a fourth round pick as a fucking bargain because <laughs> when when his opposite Jalen Ramsey got sent to the Rams, he got traded for like a first and a second. Like they paid out the asshole for Jalen Ramsey, and AJ Boy is just as good as Jalen Ramsey. That's they had when those two were on the Jaguars. It was all but impossible to pass on the outside. The Jaguars yeah. actually had a really good defense for like two or three years, and part of it was because AJ Boye. Shutting everybody down. Yeah, just incredibly fucking good. So, 
But I think that that will be dope to now see him in Denver play on the other side of Chris Harris. That's I like that shit. Um, let's see. Safety Mike Adams is gone. Let's see. What? Safety Mike Adams is gone. Yeah, that's all right. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Muhammad Wilkerson was arrested. You can do a little bit of time, maybe. Um, and Uh-oh. then, and he plays for the Jets, and they had a first round pick last year. He was a third overall pick, Quinn and Williams. I showed Jordan this great video of him. He was being interviewed after the draft, and he's talking, he's giving an answer, and he sneezes, and he says, Bless you. Thank you. And then continues with what he's talking about. Have you seen that? I've been doing that for like the last two weeks. Too, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so he, yeah, he sneezed, blessed himself, thanked himself, and then continued with his response. I'm definitely doing that. So fucking funny. Oh my God. It was so funny. Yeah. Uh, the 49ers exercised their, uh, their team options on Kyle Uzcheck, which is crazy. He's a fullback. They fucking paid him so much money, but he's been really good in San Francisco since he got there. Uh, Jimmy Graham is not expected to be back with Green Bay next year because he's fucking terrible. Last year he only had 447 yards and three teeters. Guys for shit. Um, yeah, and here it is. The Chargers traded, or they received a guard, Trey Turner, from the Panthers in exchange for Russell Okung, who's also an offensive lineman, so they swapped a couple of O-linemen. Um, let's see here. I guess I should probably be on mic. You know, that's a little helpful. So, no, you um, talk loud enough. It's perfectly fine. <laughs> Browns D lineman Chris Smith signed a one-year deal with the Panthers. Um, it says Smith's girlfriend was killed in September after being struck by a passing car after exiting Smith's car. And we actually talked about that. Yeah. Got out of his car and got hit by another car. Died. <sighs> Fucked up. Yeah. Watch out for them cars. Yeah. I'm all um, I'm saying. <laughs> The Roads Eagles are for cars, man. The Eagles are going to let Jason Peters go. He's their left tackle. It's like a nine-time Pro Bowler, I think it just said. The Chargers are going to let Melvin Gordon go to free agency. They're going to let him go. And then they signed Austin Eckler to like a three-year fucking stupid money deal is what they paid him. It's um, four-year, $24.5 million with 15 guaranteed, which – I guess it's like kind of dope because he really fucked it up last year when Melvin Gordon was holding out, but Melvin Gordon's good, man. Mm-hmm. I know the two of them in the backfield was like a real nasty combo. So I was pretty surprised that they said they were going to let Melvin Gordon go. Um, the Redskins are going to give their star lineman Trent Williams. They're going to let him try and seek a trade. And he actually, we talked about him last year too, because he was out for a couple of games. And when he came back, he was requesting a trade because Excuse me, he has a tumor in his head that was misdiagnosed by the trainers of the Redskins for months. Months they misdiagnosed his brain cancer. So he doesn't feel safe with the team. He doesn't feel like he can trust the training staff. So he doesn't want to play there, but he's signed to a big fucking deal right now. And so they are going to try and trade him, trying to do, yeah, yeah. And so at that point, dude, you got brain cancer. It's just time to walk, man. Just. Take yeah. care of yourself. There was a serious question about whether or not he was actually going to play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is why I brought up Quinn and Williams is because he plays with Muhammad Wilkerson who got arrested for all that weed. So, just defensive <laughs> lineman Quinn and Williams, he was arrested like yesterday, um, charged with criminal possession of a, of a weapon as he attempted to board a flight at LaGuardia Airport. The gun he was carrying had an Alabama permit. Um, and the funniest thing, because people are so fucking stupid, is that there is a comment here that says, dude had a permit, though. 
You can't bring a gun on an airplane in Alabama, bitch, and you can't bring a gun on an airplane and not say anything about it. You have to check it. You got to check it, man. You can't just carry it on a fucking plane. You can't do that. That and his 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 uh, his permit is in Alabama. Yeah, it's not the same as New York. In New York, bro, that's you can't. There are some states that will accept concealed pistol licenses or, or concealed weapons permit from other states, but it's not. You can't just have one and have them all. Like it's not yeah. good across the board. So you got to do your research before yeah. you drive across that state border. Yeah. So he obviously got his his pistol license while he lived in Alabama, going to school there, and now he lives in New York. And for some reason, thinks that it applies to every fucking state that he lives in. <laughs> yeah. So he got arrested, and he's he's still in jail. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Because New happened. York doesn't fuck around with guns, man. Yeah, no, not at all. They will lock um, you up and throw away the fucking key. Yeah. Have yeah, fun at really Rikers. Um, and the Saints are going to place a first-round tender on Taysom Hill, who's their quarterback. They're one of their backup quarterbacks. I think they're going to let Teddy Bridgewater go um, because he's going to get fucking paid to play somewhere else. Teddy Bridgewater is good. Um, and Taysom Hill is a really good backup, but they didn't want to let him go. So they're going to sign him to first-round tender so that if someone – what that means is that if someone offers him a contract – that the Saints don't want to match because him being a restricted free agent means that he can seek other options. But if he gets an offer from a team, the Saints have an opportunity to match that and then keep him. Okay. So if they don't want to match, then they've placed a first-round tender on him, so they get the first-round pick from whatever team picks him up if they sign him, Hmm. if the Saints decide they don't want to match the salary. Interesting. Which sets them up in a good position to get a real nice pick, you know, for someone – Taysom Hill's really good. And before they knew whether or not Drew Brees was going to come back this year, he was looking at he was going to be their starter. And then Drew Brees said, fuck y'all, I'm coming back. I'm coming Let's back. Go for baby. it, yeah. <laughs> so he's the backup again for another year. But he, they're looking at him like he could be the franchise quarterback when Drew Brees is gone. So Word. So we'll see. And this is the one that says Aaron Rodgers um, asked every one of the Packers players to not – uh, to vote against the CBA, and he said that he got next to no responses. So, the <laughs> you can't tell me of, what to do, ask. The thing about it is that the people on his team who aren't making very much money stand to make way more money with the new collective bargaining agreement. The minimum salaries get raised every time they pass a new CBA. So it doesn't behoove him for you know whatever reason he doesn't agree with the extra game. He might get less money. But all the people who play under him who are taking salary cuts because he's making so much money are saying, yeah. why don't you go fuck yourself? Because I'm making a hundred thousand dollars a year and you're making $35 million a year. So it seems so ridiculous. Why don't you eat me, Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> all this fucking money too. Yes. But it's, it is the name of the game. Yeah. And I'm sure that they raised the salary cap, but I'm not sure exactly what it's going to be raised to. So we'll see. I mean, it's over $200 million right now. I'm pretty sure. Let's just do a little NFL salary cap. NFL salary cap. Infinity. Let's see. This time into the range of 196.8 million to 201.2 million. That's what it would be raised to in the next time. So. Damn, that's a lot of money. The current cap is $188.2 million. That's what every team has every year. you got to have your salary under the cap. Um, there's a really great website that's called under the, or over the cap. Um, and it shows, this shows the cap space for every team. The Dolphins have $88 million in cap space, which is good because they got a 
Peace, the motherfuckers. The Seahawks have 44, which is pretty good. I think there was like love, damn near. Love that rust money. <laughs> yeah, taken up yeah exactly. His, his contract is structured well for us mm-hmm. in the way that it doesn't fuck us too bad over the next couple of years, but. He's definitely getting a lot of our money. Um, yeah. Last year, the Colts had like $112 million in cap space going into free agency. Damn. And then Andrew Luck retired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They got fucked last year. The Colts, the Colts were in a bad place. Oh. Um, so with that, before we hit a line, I want to just remind everyone again. We got a live show coming up on the 20th, right? Two weeks from yesterday, 13 days from now. We will be in Kingston. I think uh, it's set up at 7 o'clock, I believe. This will be the start of the pre-show or will be the start of the actual recording. We're going to do the pre-show prior to that when we're setting up and everything. Obviously, we'd love for you guys to come if you're interested, if you can make it. You know, uh, we'll be there. So, thank you, everyone. Denzel. Thank you again for being here. Did you have a good yeah. time? Is there anything I that you did? Wanna... I enjoyed myself. Thank you for having me. Good, I good. It. I think yeah. this was kind of a, a longer one than usual, too. It was. This is. We've been going. It's I think I've kept yeah. this thing recording the whole time, so it doesn't necessarily show how long the, the episode is, but I'm at just, five hours and 21 minutes of recording time. Just so you know, we've <laughs> recorded over a three hour podcast today. So, right on. That's healthy. I hope that you enjoyed yourself. I yeah. did. Enjoy and if myself. you're exhausted, there's good reason for it. <laughs> yes. This takes yeah. a lot out of you. Um, yeah. No, so, again, we're really happy to have you here. I'm glad that you enjoyed yourself. We'd love to have you back again soon. You know, you're yeah. welcome here anytime. If Most there's definitely. anything, and I mean that for certain, if there's a time that you want to come on, hit us up. We will never tell you no. If you want to yep. come on and be on the show, if there's something that you want to talk about, something that you don't understand and want to learn more about, you can always reach out to us privately or come on the show and we can talk about our public forum, whatever you want. This is... We this is a second home for the upper left. We are absolutely we support you guys. You're making incredible music. So obviously, want to plug you, Denzel Two AM on yep. on your Twitter, on your Instagram, Facebook, um, Upper Left on social on SoundCloud. Fucking Mac Rays underscore UL one dot is RJ and then Nils. I don't know exactly what all their fucking his, handles his, are. I don't know what Eli's is anymore. He changes to something, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, if you find one of us, you'll find. <laughs> yeah, them. yeah, we'll find them all there. Pretty much, yeah. All your names are in the descriptions of all the other ones yeah. as well. So, um, obviously, SoundCloud. Go and fucking follow these guys. Retweet everything. Repost everything. We're going to share everything that you guys make from now on. Not that we haven't for the last few months. You guys made our fucking theme song, you know? Yeah. So the theme song is going to play before the show, obviously. We're going to play it for the live show. We play it every week. You guys are credited in our descriptions every week. The theme song is made, produced, written by the upper left. So It's not the upper left. And it doesn't say the upper left. It says upper left. I, I know what I'm doing. Um, it's, <laughs> it's just problematic because you can't say it's, – it's real hard in a lot of situations – Think verbally, upper yeah. left, not the yeah. upper left. I make sure it's always it's written hilarious. upper left, but I think verbally, I generally say the upper left yeah, just yeah. because it's like a possessive thing almost, yeah. you know. Um, but the English group name is Upper Left, not the Upper <laughs> Left. I know, he knows, you know, everyone knows. So again, thank you one last time for being. You can find us on our personal <laughs> social media. I am at Salt of the Street on Twitter. And at alpaca underscore Donovan on Instagram. He's a big bird off you on both of those things. Denzel 2AM on all those things. Upper left. Salt of the Streets at Facebook. Salt of the Streets on Instagram. Salt of the Streets on YouTube. Go and watch all the fucking videos. Next week, we will have our topics list set out for the live show. We're going to keep pumping it. Show up. T-shirts, sweatshirts, order forms. 
wine, beer, flatbread pizzas. Yeah. They have all kinds of other stuff there. It's, it's going to be fantastic. Great. Thank you again for joining us. This is it. This has been episode 80. And here we go. Hold on. I forgot I was supposed to do this, so I didn't pick one out. <laughs> I'm all hyped up to end the show. And I mean, <laughs> oh, let's see. I mean, I can't get my hands on celebrity dogs by tomorrow. We need to kill local dogs. Okay. I'm terrified. <laughs> <laughs>